All right, welcome back to Gundam. You're the unofficial podcast for all things Gundam and Mecha. Uh, our first topic for the show and for the evening is going to be uh, our thoughts and impressions of the brand new show, Mobile Suit Gundam Zero Zero. Uh, today is actually the day after it aired in Japan. It's uh, October 7th, 2007. Um, myself and the Soul Brother have uh, finished watching uh, the subtitled versions. Yes, we have. Via the internet. Thank God for the internet now. <laughs> Banda, don't be angry. Yeah. Sunrise, forgive us. <laughs> they will get their money. And we and we always stress to everybody, trust download things, but, you know, buy it if you like it. Don't worry, my future self has already bought the show. <laughs> They're not spoon-feeding everything to us, but the pace is a pretty normal pace it doesn't seem like it's going to be too slow and it seems like they didn't try to hit us with too much in the first episode also which was nice too exactly because i think and and that not only goes with just gundam shows but a lot of these shows um a lot and a lot of these mech shows especially they sometimes do too much with technology Mm -hmm. and trying to give you a whole you know whole idea of what the world is like in the first 25 minute episode which uh, can you know can kind of give you information overload sometimes exactly and can turn you off on the show and you don't want that I've seen too many anime shows where it tries to drop so much on you and and come off as a mystery but at the same time you just feel overwhelmed and you don't think you're gonna be able to get grasp the whole story I mean me I like I like a challenge like that but a lot of people don't why does every manga sh- why does every Gundam show as of lately have to look like a yaoi fest oh I, and, and that's I understand why. Um, they want to get the women viewer in there. They want to. They want to entice the Gundam Wing crowd to watch. Um, and I don't have a problem with the way the art style is now because I've seen it in animation. That's one of the things I had a problem with in Destiny is that the art style, uh, the animation was too static in that show. But yeah. in this, the characters move the flow more smoothly, and I hope that that keeps up. The show looks wonderful. Thank you, Sunrise, for a new Gundam series. And thank you for breaking the mold, director, writers, exactly. producers, because it definitely will uh, hopefully be an enjoyable experience. Exactly. But, uh, that comes to the conclusion of our first episode, or our first segment of the first episode, and, uh, and our thoughts on the first episode of Double Zero. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. So, there were some I mean, gimmicky things in that in, in Let's that be honest, well. Gun Tank. Yeah. I mean, even though it's the baddest mobile suit ever. Ever created. Baddest, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> the most powerful suit ever. It, it, it looks a little hokey. Yeah. On October 7, 2007. And with... This is uh, Neil Lornok signing off along with... Sobro Ryu. We'll see you guys later. Peace. One of my, one of my growing favorites is um, Shaji Crossroad, man. Oh, the neighbor, yeah, the, the average, the average man, yeah, <laughs> the um, the audience. I I look at him as the audience. Yeah, he, he's one of those characters where he's reacting the way most people would and uh, watching the events that are unfolding. It's actually going to be interesting how they're going to kind of how he plays a bigger part in the show because right now he's just his neighbor, but you know that he's going to be a bigger part. I, th- I would figure. I have a sneaky suspicion. That this may be the first Gundam show where you may actually get, we may introduce a pilot in a real. There might be a real slow development process for a a, a, a real potential pilot. I think that Shaji oh. may either become the main antagonist of Setsuna because they might have differing um, differing uh, opinions as the series goes along. If yeah. they're sort of the neighbors, they might actually be, even become friends. 
And as the series goes along, the events will pit them against each other, even more so than any of the characters in the show. Um, that you wanted to come on because uh, we di- we didn't know what to think when you when you first said that you wanted to speak with us. Oh, but uh, I, I thought we I thought we were gonna get straight banned. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't know what we didn't know what was going on. You suck. Yeah, right. This podcast is terrible. Yes. Worst podcast ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, we never thought that you know we'd any, really get any much feedback for probably till the middle of next year. So it's actually yeah. it's actually kind of nice that you're giving your support to us, and you know we'll do everything we can, and we thank you and all the listeners too so we appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting um on the mhq forums because we have our own our own forum well, yeah, uh, we, section there now yeah. too so she's um most of you guys wouldn't consider her to be number 10 but i'm quite fond of fa yuri and it's, it's not because of her performance in zeta but um the turn she made in double zeta where she went from useless to quite badass and um the things they had her do in um in, in order to protect Camille and help out the um the uh the leftover crew of the Argama. Well, um she 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 really showed her worth in those um in those episodes of Double Zeta. Too bad you will never see him on this on this show over here, but um <laughs> <laughs> Fa Yuri, um I have to say is one of my fan favorites. Uh after she stopped saying Camille's name twenty times in one episode. <laughs> Camille, Camille Camille. Exactly. Oh boy. But, uh, uh, my number nine is uh, Matilda Ajan from the original series. Of course. And, okay. You know, she's Matilda. I mean, she was just that babe that all the guys on the white base had the hots for. You know, she was nice to everybody. She put her life on the line to, uh, you know, make sure the, the white base got its supplies. And, you know, unfortunately at the end she paid for it uh, with that, that dome punch. Classic <laughs> moments that you know her Medea just jumps out there, and one of the the black trinaries just just he just pounds down on that cockpit and smashes. It. It's like oh wow, hits yeah. it with a double axe handle. Yeah, exactly, close casket. Yeah, definitely close <laughs> casket funeral there. Oh man, <laughs> you know you see sort of her human side a lot when she switches places with uh, Kiel, and and she's just there hanging yeah. out with with Laurent, and um, you know there's this one episode where she's just doing stuff like doing laundry and and helping out as a nurse and it just goes so far to the character but then on top of that you know she sort of got this tragic sadness to her um when they reveal like that her past you know before she went into uh cryogenic stasis and she had that romance with uh will game and then uh will game you know that sort of those thoughts are rekindled when she sees his grandson who then gets uh you know blown away uh very nastily and sort of evoking (laughs) the good old days of zeta like creeping inside that cockpit. Yeah, that was a uh, that ending was powerful. That episode. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how come he's not responding? Salsa. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He got ha- he got hamburgered like Bernie from from Double O Eighty. On my medium rare. Oh. But, um, That's a subject oh. for another episode right there. I would just have to say though, just an honorable mention for my Top Gun win. Come on, guys, man. You know the number one terrible woman in Gundam is Quest Baraya from Shara's Counterattack. See, I can't hate on she her. She was horrible. Come on, man. She was the worst. I, uh, I have a soft que- side for Psycho Chicks. Quest Air? Quest Air? Oh, my God. I, uh, Shara, you couldn't have picked a worse, a worse female. I, I just, I, I couldn't get it. And then, and, and, and we didn't mention her earlier, but who, what was the name of Amaro's woman in that, in that movie? Chan. Chan. Exactly. Her, her involvement brought about the death of Chan because stupid retarded Hathaway had to get so upset that Chan did the world 
a, a favor by blowing Quest <laughs> out the skies that he was going to kill Chan. It's like, no, no way. Her legacy lives on through Hathaway. I, I, I'm so glad for Hathaway's Flash and his ultimate outcome because, man. <laughs> yeah. And nothing's cooler than being a Titan in the black Zeta Gundam and uh, killing, killing Camille. Killing Camille. And Camille, killing Fa <laughs> on different things. So, I mean, that that was always kind of cool. And, and the whole what ifs, like if uh, Lala soon died or she lived, if Garma la- stayed alive. Exactly. Or even Ramba Rawl stayed alive. You exactly. Know, you play through every character from what you were into the Grips War. And the cool thing, too. With some really funky dialogue. Yes. <laughs> there, There's this one, uh, you know, when you're playing as Amro as a Titan and you're in that final battle with Camille. And Camille's like, it's because of you that war goes on. And Amro just lamely says, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yes. Camille says something like, I remember like, that, yeah. Like, die! That and, that oh. and when it, all the time she had to fight um, Shirako. Because Shirako had crazy, he had crazy lines in it, too. Oh, Shirako. Because you would ask, it, you know, especially if you fought him as Camille, it would be like, you know, you're the one that's keeping everybody from fighting and blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, well, well what do you want me to do? Welcome back to the show that's liver than pay-per-view. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. And this is so bro. <laughs> wow, this is all rhyming. This is so bro Ryu. And, and this is Neil Lornok. <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever reason, he's possessed. I didn't being possessed this. by the spirit of uh, B.I.G. and the, the uh, spirit, Tupac the and all these guys. Of, um, Ghostface Killer. I'm yes. not dead. <laughs> Ghostface Killer is not a ghost. Oh, man. That was hilarious. The other thing that I thought was interesting is we see uh, the only other time I saw this in a Gundam show was in uh, 08th MS Team. We see that the Gundam, it, they're so advanced that their voice activated and that they can walk without the pilot in it. Because remember yeah. when Setsuna comes and uh, he's going to go into the Gundam, he basically does, they have voice, which is another thing. Those These Gundams, all the other Gundams, they never had any type of anti-theft deterrent system <laughs> these have it they're all voice activated these so. have on star and they, low jack <laughs> they have low jack they have the uh, you know the uh the the radios that don't work you know another thing that tripped me out is that we finally get to see what keeps them in, in place in the seat there's, that a, there's a backlock behind the uh, on the on the um mm-hmm. the normal suits that they wear that locks them into place and i guess it acts as an activation key also i'm not sure they can pilot they, them without it a, but and they have a retina scan too on yeah that. they do Man. So, but the pretty good episodes. Um, any kind of thoughts over what we saw? My main thing that I'm keeping a close eye on is Saji Crossroad. Yeah. I keep harping this, but every episode they develop that man. They, so, he always has commentary on what's going on, and I can see how the events are shaping him slowly but surely. And the subtle hints of things that are happening in his own personal life that are going to play a role later on in the series. I guarantee it. Yeah, I mean they may they may pull one they may pull a fast one on us, but I believe he's going to play a key role later on. I like the way it's still going. Um, I'm I agree with you with the and you said in victory they're really non-existent. I mean, there's a few of them there, yeah. But um, you know they're 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 almost well, kind of non-existent. And in F nine one they're non-existent yeah. well, too. Vic- victory had them in drove, but they they weren't really the the crucial characters yeah um say for you know uso of course and um shakti and shakti's mother and then you know but some of the oh, minor new, players new type baby new the new type baby that's right um marbet's marbet's uh, baby um uh, our marbet and uh what arthur arthur oliver um, oliver thank you thank watch you. out for the tires <laughs> 
<laughs> which will be covered in one of the funniest deaths. Oh man, coming, coming soon. soon. Coming soon. Oh man. But but um, no. It, it it's in 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 victory. That was the most tragic. Uh, end game for new types. Yeah, I think that's when it really hit its cusp. And you know, Tomino said, you know, you know, this is ultimately what man would do, yeah. in order to manipulate them into um into using it for their using them for their own good or their their own gain. And um, I, I guess at that point, maybe the, the forces that, that be decided that new types shouldn't be as prolific as they are. But yeah, I, I always thought that the the ideal future would be that mankind would all become new types. Right. In the end, those that went into space and moved on would be well, that was them. that was the thing in Shar's counterattack that he was trying to achieve and right. and you kind of see that there's almost that move towards it, but then like you said, I think people just got scared of them and the people that were in power that weren't new types, they wanted to get rid of them because they saw how powerful and polarizing these people are. That's true. And uh, Fla- if you flash forward all the way to turn a Gundam, there's practically none in existence at all. But the only one is uh what's his Corinne? Cur- yeah, Corin Corin Nander. Nander. Yeah, he's the only one. Yeah, and I mean he eventually ends up in space with that one of the other woman, right? And Yeah, that's yeah, right. And she was about as crazy as he was, but he was he was still like the only new type in the show. The only character that actually knew that out of the, the out of two characters, he was the first one to ever utter the the fact that the suit was a Gundam. Yeah. He he pulled that name completely out of nowhere from a new type flash. Yeah. And um, you know, it's just it just goes to show that new types will always be connected to Gundam in some way, shape, or form. Even in um, a one speculated new type in a show that really didn't focus on any was in Gundam Wing. A lot of people speculate that um, that Quatra, Quatra Reverber Winner, Catcher, Catcher Reverber Winner was a new type, mm. but um, that's never been confirmed nor um, denied. So. I don't see. I don't. I don't know where people would get that from because I didn't really see it. it. Kind of his sensitivity to space and. He, he he seemed to be a lot more in tune with um with the things around him. Yeah, and a lot more I serene. Guess. But I mean, it's a speculation. But he wasn't he wasn't even the best pilot though. That was what was crazy. Yeah, that's Out true. Out of the five guys, he but wasn't not, even really the best one. Not every new type is the greatest pilot in the world. I mean, there's some new types. They're not that are bad just, though. Most of them are pretty good. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that's how they're they're shown. But yeah, I, I, it's it's yeah. How much are those things? I don't I don't I, even know. I, I don't think they're for sale. <laughs> oh really? They're just there to look at, I think, and that was recommended by uh, our very own reviewer Peter. Is it a hybrid? I don't think it's a hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it doesn't leave too much of a carbon footprint. But uh, <laughs> um, what's some other things? Oh, two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar diamond platinum Gundam Exile Void said. Uh, this is uh, it's called the Gundam Fix Platinum. Somebody actually did this. They yeah. adorned it with diamonds. They put a diamond. The Japanese in Japanese are crazy. Yeah, I know. I mean, they're officially so, crazy. Someone, ha- someone has to own that. I'd like to see who. <laughs> <laughs> I know who's gonna buy Ooh, it. Uh, um, um, I know the guy who um, wanted to go into space, right? Yeah, the guy who calls himself Dice K and wanted to cosplay as Char in space. <laughs> That's the man. <laughs> I wish he went into space, man. That'd have been historical and hysterical. Yeah, yes. would have been. <laughs> Because cause, cause Japanese guys with badly bleached hair is always so funny. Yeah, I'm sure he's already got that on his uh, kurisumasu list. <laughs> Probably be between him and Gak, I'm sure. Yeah, him too. Oh, man. The bidding war begins. Slap fight. <laughs> I don't think Tomino can afford to buy that. He'd probably throw it at somebody. Yeah, to yeah he me, probably would. He'd probably blow it up or kill it or something. He'd, he'd sadly lament how <laughs> whored out the franchise has become over the last 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> he'd probably throw it at the director of what, Seed and Destiny. <laughs> 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 
things about Harvey. Oh, one fantasy thing I would like. Mm-hmm. I want uh, Bright's chair from Char's Counterattack. As I go, as I go, go to work in the morning. As I go to my desk, that's what I would want. I would want to like enter down the basement and then just pop up like that. You know what else you need to go along with that? What's that? You need his hamburger and soda dispenser. Oh yes, my sir. God, the bright and tasties. You know I need to have his chef on staff. Yes. <laughs> the dude, the guy who was on the white base that ran out of salt. <laughs> We're all gonna die if we don't get salt. The man was not vegan. It's like they needed like blood supplies or something, but no, it was just freaking salt. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It sounded like it was like the most urgent thing they needed. Send a recon team to, to a nearby town and get some. How about that? <laughs> hey, the man likes his he likes his burgers a little salty. You gotta put salt on your fries. They got so raw they had to sift it from the sea from the from the ocean water. It's like wow, that's um that's pretty hard. Well, that, that I would want that his chair and that cool ass um uniform he had and that that I liked that I liked the jacket he had. That was the pimp outfit. Of uh, Gundam 0083. Really? Oh, did he now? Yes, Do you he did. remember which one? Was that the one where um they fought in the desert? No. And they launched the ship? The one he wrote was the one when uh, Burning was killed. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> the secret of the plan is... Boom. Is... <laughs> Let's... Let's see here. Uh, oh, looking man, up his uh, yeah. the best character in that his, show. His uh, resume and Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, got uh, to. Silent Service and the Cockpit. Those were both released here a long time ago. I don't think I don't know if they're in print anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was mm-hmm. director on Roni Kenshin, yes. a series supervisor on what? Ronin Warriors slash Samurai Troopers. Ronin Warriors. Man, love that show. <laughs> well, so what? What? what, 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 what very disappointing. Some but, other ones too. I know that the well, the, the w- biggest one that they've been talking about even before Transformers came out, and I know all the fanboys were going crazy was Evangelion. Yeah, uh, kind of mixed on that, yeah. but I, I don't think it's going to be do- done very well. I'm, I guess personally. I'm the only one out of all the other that's actually thinking that shows some kind of promise, but it depends on the screenplay. What about uh? What about you guys? Uh, well, let's not even go into that show because there's there's two different shows: the manga and the and the movie. It depends on which shows. one they want to adapt it on. Yeah. Here's they what adapt here's on the what I, you know. they'll do the bad one probably. Here's mm-hmm. what I see. Uh, you know, with any sci-fi movie now, it has to be a trilogy. But um, Evangelion is, for the mainstream, still a pretty unknown property. So there's a lot of stuff you'd have to be cramming into one movie because you don't know if this one movie is all you're going to get. Yeah, and there's a lot. There's a lot. A trilogy is not guaranteed. And there's a lot of. So what exactly do you do? Well, I mean, as far as I heard, the breakdown for the first movie is the first six episodes, kind of like um, the rebirth of Evangelion, which they just released in theaters over there, which reanimated that whole part of that series. They're breaking it down the same way. Um, I don't know how many episodes the second movie will consist of, and then there's the third, which wraps it up. But um, the first movie will consist of the first six, which is which is I wouldn't say as exciting as maybe some of the rest, some of the other parts of the series. But you know, it, it gets the ball rolling, and uh, hopefully, it will garner enough interest to, for them to put out a, a sequel I, after that. Whenever they I, get around to doing it, I agree with you. Though I think that there's many other shows that they could do um, before Evangelion. I don't think Evangelion, outside of people that are really into anime, is that popular. Um, what do you think about maybe Gundam? Because um, I know we had G Savior, and that was just oh. horrendous. Well, before before G Savior, uh, closing thought on Evangelion, and don't get me wrong, because a lot of people ask me about Evangelion. Since uh, on MHQ, there's this thing of right. don't ask me to review Evangelion because I never will. Oh. <laughs> I like the show as much as anybody else, and I enjoy it, but. I think it's so vastly overrated yes. by yeah. fans that that kind of kills my enjoyment of it mm-hmm. wow. to a certain de- to a certain degree. 
to a certain degree. Yeah. Because it's they think it's like the best thing ever since sliced bread. It doesn't help when um, I used to work at FYA and they released the uh, Evangelion box set <laughs> and ADV put this giant sticker on the side that said, you know, the ultimate anime series of all time. Yeah, I remember that. On DVD. <laughs> so what I did was this sort of a silent protest. I took that sticker off of that box set mm-hmm. and I put it on the Gundam movie trilogy, which also just came out. <laughs> and some and somebody bought it. Nice. Gundam Meisters and that they're both dead. And yeah. what about in the beginning when they dropped the bomb on you that he's a twin? Yeah, he's got this this brother who some people have taken to calling Rock On. Rock On. <laughs> For lack of since 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 he has no name otherwise. <laughs> Psychotic episode where he's just you know, pointing the gun at himself and the two sides of himself and you know, eventually he just I thought that was great the way yeah. the, the way they had that and uh you know it's you know, he he doesn't want to shoot an alley he's like, Do it, do it, do it and then he just goes berserk and he starts screaming at the top of his lungs and starts shooting out those missiles and you see the building explode and the way the the curio sort of like transforms and sort of like falters a little bit as it flies away exactly I thought that was a very well done scene he's the harvey dent of gundam I'm <laughs> <laughs> well it, i mean it's it's actually nice to see a, um, i never thought i'd hear those two words in the same sentence exactly <laughs> it's actually nice to see one of these guys now have like a true problem you know, instead of just, like, not getting along with their parents. Yeah. Because in most Gundam, it's like, you know, I just don't get along with my parents. But this one, you know, you know, he was a screwed up guy. And, you know, you want to do what's right. But when, you know, it was, it was interesting that they just had him as he's sitting there and he's, he's wanting to do this. He's thinking back and you can almost hear these kids saying, you know, don't kill us, don't kill us. But, you know, the other part of him brought up a good point. What are you know? You're gonna let them live. What are they gonna become? Yeah. Just you. You can't take care of them. So. I mean, they're just gonna become you know another mistake. Like you know he he doesn't he doesn't see himself too highly. So you know he probably sees himself as you know a bastard of science and um and 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 the military. And you know these kids are gonna turn out the same way. That girl is going to turn out the same way. Um, was it uh, Soma Soma Paris? Yeah. She, she's gonna she's well we don't know that yet. But I mean that's in his mind that's. She's just another loose end to tie up. I mean, after destroying the um, the the source of the problem, now he's gonna you know specifically go after her. But I will say this: in that episode when he tortured that guy before he killed him, the um the young oh, in episode ten, that was the most that was the most sadistic thing I'd ever seen in Mobile Suit Gundam. Oh yeah, in any series, period. It had my hair standing on end, and just watching that, it's like wow, way to it was a way to capture that. That maniacal side of him, and he's melting the poor guy. It's like, man, this guy just like is really going overboard. Neil, what was your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it just solidified my theory that he's going to be the first one to die, you think and, so? and and have a really bad death <laughs> because uh, karma. He, yeah, he he kind of really deserves it. But yeah, I thought that was pretty sadistic, and I mean, it was pretty sick. And I, I don't think it was, you know, it was. I think of Gundam, it was probably one of the most. Um, most kind of sickening things and most kind of worst deaths that you could have but um, it was a way it, it was a great way to capture the horror of yeah. being in that position i mean it's like when i thought you think of bernie from um double oh eight oh hamburgers i was like and th- exactly and, and, and <laughs> that, was, that was quick you know he wasn't tortured this poor guy was put through the ringer and then finally put out of his misery and it's like dude how could he do that to him i mean he was frying in his seat it's like when um you'd see those grunts die in seed where you know they get the, the, when they got microwaved yeah. with the cyclops. Yeah, 
and they got fat and exploded. Yeah. That was the worst. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it, it's definitely... Um, now, what was also great in these, especially in, like, I think 10 and 11, is you start seeing the, um, the UN come in. Exactly. And I think that guy that's the long-haired guy in, with the UN... Alejandro, who's always having a drink with that kid in a room somewhere. Yeah, really weird, but... um. I, I'm kind of I've um and within that brings us to episode twelve where you know um, Ajastan gets attacked and you know they're having the revolt because the religious leader got um, uh, captured kidnapped yeah kidnapped and which actually which brought some interesting things because that brought a lot of parallels to today's world especially because the guy's name was Masoud Masoud yeah and that's the name of the guy that got killed the day before 9-11 in Afghanistan. That's right. And that guy looks very much like, he's, he looks like he's modeled after bin Laden, and he's got kind of the same take as bin Laden with, you know, being pissed at the... So Now to, um, I guess to close, before we close off double uh, O discussion for this month, I guess we're going to have to talk about Saji, so especially in episode 12. Uh, so, Adam, do you want to tell us about uh, yo. your man Saji? Yes. Oh, my man Saji. He's, he's, winning, he's winning them over. He, he, won, he won the opposition. Hearts and minds. Hearts and minds, man. He turned the other cheek. With pizza. <laughs> With ML- what, the and, crazy and, and, mother? Especially, especially since we're coming into MLK Day. Just want to let you know that Saji Crossroad has taken that that doctrine and just run with it, and you know he oh, made that a dream. He made that dinner. Yeah, he has a dream of um of, of just of just you know being cool. Well, here's my theory. He's not there yet, but he's getting there. I <laughs> I just I just hope I just hope that you're correct that he, he is going to be some part of the story it, because me, it sure is not becoming that way. It, to me, it's like the Arthurian. It's, it's, it's the Arthurian legend, pretty much. I mean, if King Arthur was, wasn't <laughs> Jack Arthurian. in the beginning. I mean, granted, oh, I don't expect to become king, oh, but you know, he started off. What, what, what's your yeah? What's, your, what's your take on this, Chris? Okay, Chris. <laughs> it, it's something I, that I, occurred to me while uh, making a post in the Double uh, O thread on MechaTalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, about what exactly is the point of of, of Saji? Because Kinoe, she at least has a point. She's investigating celestial being and she's trying to track them down. Right, exactly. So the thought occurred to me because you know he said to her a few episodes ago, "I wonder what our parents would think if they were alive." I said to myself, "Well, what if they are alive?" Right. Because we've got this thread that Kinoe is investigating of scientists who have disappeared over the last 200 years. Correct. What if um, Saji's parents, who we know nothing about, were maybe actually important people and maybe they faked their deaths to go off and be part of Celestial Being and maybe they are alive and are with Celestial Being right now and we haven't seen right. them. That would be one hell of a, um, one hell of a plot. That, I, that, I, that I actually think would be more plausible at this point than him join in the fight because yeah. that guy that it especially occurred to me after the Revenant felt parents were Gundam Meisters yeah I thought well mm-hmm. maybe you know Saji's and Kinue's were because as she mentioned it's very secretive all she knows is that they died she doesn't even know how they died right she just knows that they're dead so you know I, that got me to thinking well maybe Saji and Kinue's parents are uh, part of Celestial Being yeah it's and if they are then that would make the that would make Saji at least relevant. I suppose it would, unless, you know, his sister's the relevant point and she may end up becoming another victim and then he may stand up then. I, I don't know. I mean, granted, she's investigating he can't some even serious stand stuff. Up to, he can't even stand up to Luis's mother. Well, he has a different, he has a roundabout but, way about it. I mean, he could be, he could be confrontational. Pizza. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he could be confrontational and, and, and you know, end up being permanent enemies or he could do, uh, you know, he could take the other route. You know, uh, anyway, that, that's, that's one yes. off into other, um, other venues that, you know, 
we'll save for another time. He's but, slowly um, becoming the worst part of the show. Awesome. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> okay, that's enough of Saji Crossman for this one. So but, um, we've had we filled our quota. But um, anyway, um, that is that brings our double O segment to an end. Um, in, in about a month, we'll have another four episodes reviewed. Um, episode 13 just premiered this uh, weekend, so uh, we'll get to checking that out this week. But uh, thank you, um, thank you for joining us on this segment, and we'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. We knew that. Being, being, yeah, but, you know, I'm kind of tired of well, the guys going in and, oh, my God, now I know how to fly, fly something that's, well, uh, I, I, you know, granted, a military secret. Granted because he, those Valkyries mm-hmm. were more advanced than the other Valkyries. Granted, he pulled a Camille, and, you know, he's a homo Elvis oh, champion, God. but, you know, <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> He also put a Camille in with his. Well, fight. this guy wasn't. He wasn't even a Homo Alvis champion. He was a home. He was a Homo Alvis uh, photographer. He was at the concert just to do uh, to do uh, you know headshots. In he was. Defense, he's the Goodyear blimp. In defense, this is re, this is a reintroduction. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, I, I I think there might have been a little bit of room for development, but probably uh, I think there would have yeah. been, but you know, like Bright, I guess Bright's been around all this time. <laughs> Well, because he's bright, he's he's the invincible bright. You can't do it. Right. <laughs> Except put right. chickens on his head. <laughs> and then in Double Zeta, you have uh, Mashima, who yeah. was a clown, but then he vanishes for like thirty episodes, and when he comes back, he's some buffed up artificial new type psycho man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Dropping but, colonies and blowing himself up with new type power. He, he does go out like the man, though. Like, wait he a does second. go out like mm. like a like a what? like a champ, though. He goes out like a Z fighter. He blows himself up. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. And kills nobody. Yeah, he kills nobody. Yeah, he really didn't do much. As much as I like that character, he didn't do too much. Yeah, but it's kind of a footnote. He awesomely exploded and managed to kill nobody. Yeah, is Tamino is really good at um, choreographing battles. I mean, yeah. you look at, for example, that final battle between Amuro and Char in the original series, where they're just blowing the crap out of the Gundam and the Zeon. And then it just keeps on moving to where they're on foot. Oh, yes. Yeah. Shooting yes. at each other. And then they're fighting with uh, swords. I mean, it's just like... Swords, yeah. yeah. Really, really exciting battle, which even with the limits of the animation from 1980, man, that's just an exciting battle. Um, other things like in Zeta, where you've got Char single-handedly trying to hold off Haman and Soroko inside Grips 2, and he's getting the crap blown out of the Hyakushiki <laughs> by these much more powerful mobile suits. Yeah. Even before that, the most the, the dramatic moment on the stage when uh, they all got inside the amphitheater and they were conversing back and forth, that was just a great scene. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's a... Or even more recently... Mm-hmm. Um, go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, he's able to take the intensity of those battles and project it on you as the viewer. I mean... You, you get to see these in a lot of shows. You get to see these great battles, but you actually, when you're watching a lot of these battles in the Tamino Gundam shows, I mean, you're you, like you said, you're on your feet. That last battle with Shar and Amuro in the original series, you're on your feet. Like, holy crap! You know, these guys really do hate each other, and there is this intensity to you know vanquish the other one. Yeah, or even more recently in uh, Turn A, that final battle between uh, Jim and Laron. Uh. Oh. Where they're just going at it with Ooh. the moonlight butterflies, and then even they yes. end up switching exactly. to fighting with swords. And it's just like, didn't it go from space to Earth? Yes, that was like a first. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They 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 began in space and they and ended they, up on they Earth. Ended yeah. up on Terra Firma. It's like wow, that's the that's the most amazing thing right there. Now, uh, and then of course the swords. Before we close out this segment, any last comments relating to Tamino and Gundam? Um, myself, I wish Tamino would be a little bit more humble. 
I, even though it's superficial to say, I, I wasn't too big on the art style. Uh, I, I I don't know what it is about the kind of the doughy eyed anime look, but I kind of I kind of like the look of the older series. Even um, Turn A Gundam had a kind of a throwback look to uh, to you know. Well, I, I'm a big Akiman junkie, so you know, it, 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 I guess that's why I like Turn A Gundam's um, art style, but. It took me a long time to get in the seed. And so what, you mean you don't like a thousand characters who look identical except for their hair style? Exact, exactly. Yeah. exactly. That was what big. don't you like about that? It's, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's why uh, oh, yeah. the other Neo, Neo era from uh, Ganoda, he nicknamed um, Mitsuo Fukuda as Flashback Amal Fukuda. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember that seeing that clever on there. Stuff. The world rejects me, so I'll destroy the world because, you know, I'm crazy and I have a Gundam. <laughs> And a Gundam out of the blue yeah. too. You d- you never saw hide no hair of that Gundam until like the last two Fs. Yeah. yeah. And the Providence shows up. It's like, what the heck is that? <laughs> Welcome back to the show that's hidden harder than the Dom's double axe handle. That's right. Gundam it, MAHQ. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Miss Matilda. It's okay. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matilda. We're we're back, Miss Matilda. Matilda, uh, May you rest in peace. The show had a lot of Taminoisms in the first half, but then in the second half, it really kicks off. The first half, you have a lot of, you know, Buff Clan, like you know, new guy X shows up, and you know, with (laughs) this new heavy mobile mecha, I'll surely defeat the giant god. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, he gets destroyed, and he's like, "Damn you, giant god!" (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of that. If if it's like after a while, if Every time I heard Kyojin me and Sobro Ryu, aka number one Saji Crossroad fan BFF forever. I'm, yes. pres- I'm president of the fan club Saji and, a, and a member. <laughs> the only. If you want to make any PayPal donations to the Saji Crossroad fan club, you can just send them to Sobro's way. Right. I feel a thread coming on Mecha Talk. Oh, hey, don't worry. Um, th- Saji Crossroad, King Arthur. I've already, I've already bought Peter Pan. I've already bought the URL. Buddha. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Got punked by a freaking beam pistol. Like, what? <laughs> I didn't see that. Boom. <laughs> totally expected, you know, electrocute the Gundam pilot scene happens. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you got to have that in, like, every series where some, like, big jumps and electrocutes the Gundam and the Gundam pilot's like, ah! Thank you, Makuve. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thoughts on uh, yes. Sir slash Peter Pan slash Frodo Baggins. Frodo Baggins. Slash uh, Jesus. Yeah. Slash uh, Buddha. Slash, um, you know, your man. Slash Big Pimpin'. That's right. Slash Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> yes. Saji Crossroads. Saji Crossroads. Your man, Saji Crossroad. What do you have to say this the, month about Saji Crossroads? Well, yeah, the key very, to saving the double O universe. I'm telling you, he will be the unifying oh. factor. Okay. He be, yeah, you know what? You know, I'll, I'll shut my mouth. But for the most part, he had very little screen time, and I'm glad. I'm sure you guys are glad about that. But um, well, I don't mind. I don't go ahead. I don't mind. Like I said, I don't mind Saji. I just can't stand. Oh yeah, lately too. Yeah, lately she's been off. She's she's been off the off the charts when it comes to annoying. But um, I did like the scene a lot when um, it was him, Setsuna, and her in the same room, and Setsuna cut her throat. It's just so awkward. Yeah, exactly. Setsuna cut her throat and then walked out. <laughs> <laughs> and Sachi did nothing because he knew he was right. That's <laughs> what he does best. That's right, Sachi. Nothing. But, uh, don't worry. There'll be there'll be a time. There'll be a time, and I'll keep hoping. Sure. But um, I, that's all I have to say about Sachi. Keep on keeping on, Sachi. I'll be there for you. <laughs> <laughs>
you guys got okay i think that that pretty much kills this segment. thank you yes but um th- uh, that yeah that's pretty much it for the segment and we'll be back you're listening to gundam at mahq oh boy oh man saji crossroads <laughs> I hate anime Janai, by the way. I'm probably the only I one like that does. One, actually. I hate that song to death. But that <laughs> Go out like a G. <laughs> Blow yourself up. She, she she manned up and got out there, boy. Yeah. It's Take like that, she- Shinji Ichikari. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> an exhibit devoted to Char Asimov. Oh I my bought God. my ticket. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe they would even talk about that guy. It seems like he's one of the least favorite characters. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who is that guy? Wasn't he in like, wasn't he like in Gundam Wing or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's low rent Char. Low rent Char. <laughs> this is Char Asimov. Budget Char. <laughs> Budget Char. This big Biggest dick gamer. of them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah that guy's such a dick. Oh man. Yeah, he's pretty. So <laughs> no, seriously, because. <laughs> That guy Tenzin, he's like he's like that guy that you're playing like you know say Call of Duty Four with or something else. It's like he like snipes you from behind and then like he comes and like teabags your your dead body while you're respawning. Oh yeah, and he's like, ha ha, I pwned you. He's he's that kind of guy. Nice, yeah, yeah that kind of guy. That's we a new level of hate, man. He's the Biff to his the main character's Marty McFly. Nice, you nice. used the Back to the Future reference. Hey man, that's how that's how nerdy I am. In Operation SRW. You say wonders what that means. <laughs> and the answer is a- excellent thinks it's um sexy romance weapon <laughs> okay. so she, she, she's the, like the goofball so she's always cracking jokes so so she, she she suggests that srw means sexy romance weapon but it's like what does it seduce the enemy uh-huh. no they they don't actually outright say it but it's clear that it it stands for Super Robot Wars. You actually says that. Isn't it obvious? It means Super Robot Wars. And everybody's like, that's just stupid. <laughs> I'm glad they break the fourth wall in that show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's almost a knife fight. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When dude pulls out the prog knife from Ava, like the baby version. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, who wants to get cut? <laughs> and evil Haro's like, oh, go for it. <laughs> He's trying to egg things on. And, of course, regular Haro gets dissed yeah. by evil Haro. Poor Haro. Yeah, it was kind of sad. He gets pushed out the frame, and I, I, I did not think of evil Haro too well after that. I was like, how, how did you do that to your brother? That's not cool. That's Haro on Haro crime. That's not cool. Haro on Haro crime. <laughs> Thank you, oh, Sunrise. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, you know, when the flags show up is when you have the uh, what's become the legendary death of Howard Mason. Oh, Howard. <laughs> I will avenge Howard in a flag. Yeah. Oh, and this is also the episode where you get the uh, the vowel from Graham. This is where I thought uh, oh, this is where dude. I got mad respect for him, or, oh, you dude, know, dude, because you, he was going to please go into this. He was going to defeat the uh, the Gundams and, and Howard Mason's name, the infamous Howard Mason. Now, dude, wasn't, and, yeah. wasn't and the they, scene? Wasn't the scene where he was? Oh, the scene where he was at the graves in the next episode. But this was like when he just found out, and Billy was all in the tra- all in like the mm-hmm. the cast and the and the head wrap, and he was all hurt, and was, and he found out that um. I guess um his 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 um senpai his sensei um the doctor was yeah. um was killed and wasn't it Graham was not having it yeah. Graham jumped right into his his inferior mobile suit and got in um he went I guess he went three times as fast to get oh, to yeah. um my man um Mihail yeah and showed Mihail what was up actually it was Johan Johan oh was yeah, it Johan Wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah, it was Johan, not yeah. Michael. Mihal's well, got the. Um, he's got the. Um, oh yeah, Mi- Mihal. Uh, Mi- Mihal is the, the one. Okay, Mihal is the younger one, the one with the. This guy, Johan's got the satellite with the, with the cannon. Fang. Yeah. 
fangies. The fang, yeah. The fangs. The fang with the bits. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's great. Like, you know, he comes in single-handedly. He, he just going at full force attacking mm-hmm. Johan. He freaking manages to grab the guy's beam saber out of his hands yep. mm-hmm. and slice off his arm. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that was definitely a pretty intense scene. It was it was nice to see, too, that you can definitely see that he's a pilot. Yeah. And, you know, he's not a benefit of uh, the machines like a lot of these guys are. So. I, hate, I hate to say it, but it was kind of reminiscent of when um, Zex got in the um, Tall Geese. <laughs> and was fighting the G forces at the first time in Gundam yeah. Wing. I mean that that's why I still give Zex a little bit of respect because he ha- he was able to take links oh, yeah. that um that were uncommon for the average pilot. You and low rent Char, low rent Char, budget bargain basement Char, man. He was um, but I mean I won't call Take Grandma Char. I would I'd rather call Char. I'd rather call um um Graham Bruce Wayne before I call him Char. <laughs> no. Yeah, he, he is he 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 is a Gundam. That's his name. <laughs> Forget yeah. Sasuna if say I am Gundam. Because <laughs> this, this nut wants to be his suit. And it's like, wow, this dude is a fanatic, man. He's, he is on a holy jihad in Mecca. <laughs> like, oh, God, here we go. It's steeped in legend. I know. It's, it is, man. And that's his Guinevere. Yeah, Vespa man. At Vespa man. So, uh. With his, um, with his Mogginser Z helmet. That was. <laughs> <laughs> You're it's just something he's thinking on his own. Well, I just re- I realized something about the, the age difference between them. I, I forgot that she's yeah, twenty four. Years older. Yeah, she's oh, really? eight years. Yeah, he's he's sixteen and she's twenty four. I I think that might be a part of her that reminds him of his mother. I mean, that's me getting way out there. Mm, possibly. But yeah. I think that maybe m- he just likes older women. He could. He could, and mm. that's smooth. Yeah. Big upset, Suna. I approve. <laughs> All right. At the end of Shar's counterattack, uh-huh. did Shar and Armro die? No, just, oh. just kidding, just kidding. I was, okay. <laughs> I've gotten that question a million times. I was in expecting the you bag. to like, come off the stage and kill me, actually. But uh, no, like, what's your take on in Double Zero, Evil Haro? Evil. That Evil Haro makes me laugh. Is a pervert and a bastard. <laughs> but he's awesome. He's awesome. You know, he's, he's, first of all, he's like 80 years old. He's floating around in Jupiter in this smashed up ship. And now he's like inciting knife fights and, and you know, like checking out girls. And, and he's beating up his, you know, younger Haro brother. So he's a magnificent bastard. And, and when he gets some 80, uh, 80 proof Havoline in him, you don't know what he's going to do. But he, oh, makes, but, he, but he makes a great kickball. So, um. By all means, they have a nice twist. They have a nice twist, though, in that show of making the Haros useful for once, instead yes. of just getting in the way and tripping you, like in Destiny. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. They dock with those little pods, and they, they actually perform maintenance on the Gundams. So. Not since Victory Gundam has a horror been so useful. Oh well, yeah, that that one. Because in that show, that horror new martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and terrorize that poor dog. Here comes our uh, major Kusanagi-ten, So thank you everybody for your questions. We're gonna do the uh, prize giveaway now. Courtesy of Major Kusanagi and the Laughing Man. He doesn't want to be in the spotlight. But he wants to pull the springs. He definitely wants someone to pull the strings. I remember the conversation with him and his um his friend um Rivals, who um or is it Revolves? Revolves. Uh, either way. Whatever floats your boat. Whatever yeah. floats my boat. Hopefully it doesn't He's sink. not that important. But um no, he he had a conversation with him at the beginning. He's he's Saji Crossroad. That's what he is. Yeah. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. My man rivals. My man rivals. <laughs> oh god, here we go again. <laughs> Why did I say that? I'm not, not another I'm not, thread. Is when when Lucian encounters Solid Snake, who goes all Solid Snake on him. Very yeah. true. And then we discover, shockingly, Solid Snake is his old friend. Right. Exactly. 
who he hasn't seen in, you know, seven years since the invasion. And which right. is wild because if those don't notice at the beginning of the show, this 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 um, Suzaku, the, uh, the solid snake we're referring to, he's very agile and he's, he's he knows how to fight. I mean, yes. um, I, I was reminded of that later on the show. He's doing jump kicks. Yeah. He, hits, he hits a loose with like a 40-hit combo yeah. like while he's still afloat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. And, and it's like then he then he knocks Lelouch Lelou- you know across the inside of the truck, and then um, as they're duking it out, you know Lelouch is telling him um, if you want to make a difference, you know, fight against Britannia, don't fight for them. Mm-hmm. And then he takes off his mask, and then you know, they re- you know, the big reveal. It's his old boy he hasn't seen in seven years, not since the um, the events unfolded when Japan was invaded. Right. And um, you know they have this little brief reunion, and then next thing you know, they think that the the thing that up. Uh, Suzaku was informed that the bomb inside the truck was poison gas. Poison gas yeah. So he had a gas mask on, and as soon as that bomb started to let off, as soon as the case started to open mm-hmm. up, he grabbed his gas mask, gas mask, and put it on Lelouch's arm, on his face. You know, it just goes to show what kind of guy he is. Where he'll he'll sacrifice himself for someone else, and you know, he quickly put the gas mask on Lelouch's face, and then he's the repeated usings. Sitting there speaking with the commanding officer. And he's got kind of the revelation of what he can do. And then he uh, drops the thing of uh, Lelouch. What is it, V or D? Was it V Britannia or D Britannia? His name, V. v. He commands them to uh, kill themselves. And Which they happily do. And the funniest. <laughs> they all put their guns They all put their guns up on their freaking necks. And they're all like, yes, my <laughs> lord. <laughs> and the funniest, the best part of that scene was his face as you see the blood fly. You don't really see them that necessarily shoot, but you see him. You see the front picture or the front view of uh, Lelouch. He, you see blood fly, and he's just got kind of this look like, oh, damn, this is going to be pretty handy. <laughs> the, the look on his face is like someone popped a balloon. And he's uh, Prince Clovis, right? What was he? I think he was the third prince. Yeah, of Britannia, because there's a there's a line of succession, right? And you know, the higher up you are, the more important. So he basically just tells him, like, you know, eradicate the Shinjuku ghetto. I don't care about those damn Elevens. And um, exactly, you know, to speed into massive spoiler territory, uh, you know, Lelouch manages to use the Gius to sneak all the way into the. Uh, sort of like mobile command base where Clovis is at, get past all the security dressed up as a solid snake himself and has a nice little confrontation with him. That's right after um, he's able to um, he's able to wrangle the control of the... Um, yeah. He's able to help the uh, resistance cell to um, fight back yeah. and use him as like pawns in the chess game. He, he uh, uses the Gius on this uh, woman, Valletta, and gets her, uh, her Sutherland and he helps out this resistance by giving them orders. But basically the way he's doing it is it's kind of interesting since he's shown to play chess. He's looking at the mm-hmm. battle like it's a chess game and having yeah. everyone move like their chess pieces but he wins and then actually calling them yeah he calls them chess pieces p1 p1 yeah q1 yeah <laughs> yeah so you know then he gets in and he, he's you know having this confrontation with clovis at gunpoint and we find out that clovis is lelouch's brother so therefore half brother half brother so lelouch is part of the uh britannian royalty and uh basically uh, lelouch caps him yeah for revenge mm-hmm. exactly so as things develop, we have this thing where they, they spring Toto from uh, being executed, and uh, they have this little trick battle to lure in uh, Suzaku, which kind of reminded me of, and I hate to have to bring this up, uh, episode 34 of Destiny, where <laughs> Shin used Kira's predictability against him to kick his ass. Yeah. Because um, Suzaku fights in a very sort of weird way. 
and Lelouch has noticed this. So yep. you know they they hit they get uh, Toto's uh, sort of his little uh, subordinates who are elite fighters, the four holy swords. They're all there to spring Toto, and they lay this total ambush for Suzaku because Lelouch has completely predicted how Suzaku would respond, and they get the jump on him. Yeah, and Suzaku's surprised. So we have. What's her name? Um, uh, the the princess Euphemia. Yeah. She um reveals to Zero that she knows who Zero is, you know, and uh, at the yeah. at the very beginning of that episode, as because they've only met one time before in the same room, and that's when um Zero rescued rescued her and their friends from school from being hijacked at the hotel. Yeah, but um yeah, then and, and so a lot of big things happen in that episode where they're stuck on that island. It's a really good episode. And Lelouch gets his upgrade. And, yep. Oh yeah. Uh, of course, another sunrise tradition. Uh, there's this super powerful mecha called the Gawain that uh, is being used to study these ruins. And while him and and Colin are, are running, uh, they just come across this mecha, and he's like, "Hey, this this new mecha's here, and it's already turned on." <laughs> Keys, Keys in the, the unit. unit. Keys in the ignition. <laughs> He just steals it, and of course it's this like evil black and gold looking thing, and it flies, which no other mecha can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. flies on its own. It's not, and it's got like these four. He's got these super powerful um, hadron cannons, cannons. Yeah, two of them, and it's got these slash harkins, which are sort of like these um, sort of like um, points on wires. Yeah, and you can use them to like uh, climb up walls and to like pierce cockpits and all. And he's got them for like fingers, so he's got these two hadron cannons. Yeah, and he flies, and uh, Lush is like, oh yeah. Well, if you shoot me, this Sakuradite bomb that's on my chest will explode and you'll all die too. Ha 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 Fumihiko Takayama, he directed uh, Gundam 0080. <laughs> he also directed uh, Pat Labor, Wasted 13, the movie, as well as uh, Orgus 2, the OAV. Mainly, he's a screenwriter, so he's really not uh, not much of a director. He does mo- mostly screenplays. So, uh, you guys' thoughts about the directorial work on uh, 0080? Maybe some of those other things, if you've seen them? But, which, when you said he's a, more of a screenwriter, um, it kind of shows, I think, in his directorial uh, style, especially with 0080, as I like to call a uh, war of boy love. Um, <laughs> um, basically, I think when it comes to Gundam 00, uh, he took all all of what he did well in both Alchemist and Diegard and uh, incorporated it into 00. Um, I think I don't know what the constraints were when it came to 00. It seems like they were basically given um, just the Gundam name and a few little small requirements by Sunrise, but it seems like other than that, um, he was able to work with the writers, and it seems like in this one, the writers and the direction were kind of hand-in-hand, as opposed to some of these other directors where it's like, it seems like they were given like the storyline or the script, and then they were just supposed to make something out of it. Um, But uh, I think he's a very good director. I think he's done a, a fine job in kind of uh, re-energizing the Gundam franchise and uh, taking it to a different a different area. And uh, it's almost like the Gun- Gundam The Origin, but not in UC. Very true. Because you've kind of re- reinvented everything with it. So, But we still have one more season. 
<laughs> would would work out pretty well in any type of Gundam series. It, and well, nah, Michael, Michael Bay. Bay. That'd be live action Gundam, and he can only be the uh, special effects director because he's awesome. But uh, no. <laughs> hey, Transformers is good, and so is Bad Boys Two. Genius. You can't say anything bad about Bad Boys Two. Yes, I can. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> never knew this. We already talked about Michael Bay before, so never knew. Never knew the uh, causeway to South Beach was so long. <laughs> but um, Let's, but yeah, um, you know, it made sense that when they went back up at the space, they got as much as I love the gun tank. They got rid of them uh, because it didn't make any sense to have a tracked vehicle in weightlessness. Hey, you watch what you say about nah, gun tank. Well, I do love gun tank, but <laughs> it's, it's It's good on the moon or something like that, but to assault a you know a space carrier or something like that it doesn't make any sense it's pretty hilarious because um my friend and i were watching the last four episodes the other night and he was just laughing at the fact that gun tank was being used it's like why the hell is that there what what, what yeah. the hell is that doing there it's like well it's gun tank man you got you got to give him a pass man he was a um a forerunner yeah. of his day second episode as well yeah we've got you know alto rescues Rankin accidentally cops a feel because kooky in the cockpit that's right and he sort of uh runs off before she can say thank you and it's uh one nice touch is when uh he's going through the city and and he sees how wrecked everything is he just starts puking on the floor which i think is a pretty good reaction for someone like him who has just been in in battle yeah for the first time and it was something he wasn't expecting to do yeah everything kind of hit him at once and I, you know, he, he saw that, and I guess he probably thought back to the uh, old Gilliam, the Howard Mason of um, of Macross Frontier, of, uh, of Macross Frontier, a guy who gets remembered more for being dead than for being alive. Oh, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Strikes me as really creepy, and as I put in my review, he yeah. seems shady as all get out, and I can't wait to see what his um what his grand scheme might be if he's Uh-oh. actually being played to that degree. But he's uh, shacking up with the boss's daughter. On top of that, oh, you you know that that's a relationship of convenience on oh, his yeah. part. And personally, I did not need to see him tonguing her. Yeah, Ooh. I did not need to see that creepy looking guy sticking his tongue out, and it's like, oh, that's the kind of fan service I don't want. Yeah, he's kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might he might actually end up being creepier in the end than old Alejandro from yeah. Double O. He's, he sets off my creepy spider sense. Yo. <laughs> Just like Alejandro does. He, he propped her up on the desk all over the documents, man. I, I gotta give him props, man. He, he, he knew the second that work was up, man. <laughs> it's like, oh, work ended 30 seconds ago. I was like, you can call me Leon. <laughs> I was laid out for that scene, but then later on when, you know, a real enemy shows up and he tries to get it with the beam dagger and um, has no luck. But I mean, it just the way it's directed, especially the scene where he's tussling with the um, Vajra and they have kind of like that rotation and you see the speed lines and everything and it's all in 3D but it's like yeah. cell shaded 3D it was like that was a, just a, a scene that was really well done to me and I, I liked that a lot but. one thing I thought was really dorky but also just, just funny was when he took out uh, before the Vajra attack when he took out the first Quedlin Rao pilot and uh, he stops to do a kabuki pose yes <laughs> And they superimpose a real Kabuki doing that pose. And, and even Mikhail's like, oh, what's this guy doing? Or was Ozma? It's nice to show, see the show has a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> Which one of you guys wants to go first? Chris. Chris? By all means. Of course, you know, this being Gundam, how could we not start with the slapper, the eater of hamburgers, <laughs> the one and only Bright Noah? Mr. Carnivore. Captain Carnivore. Will I salt in this burger? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> we don't have any salt, Captain. <laughs> and with his robotic chair. <laughs> Baddest chair ever. His chair of wonders. So he's 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 you know the eternal captain and you know he's sort of the T 
typical anime captain, which there's a stereotype, even going back to like Yamato, of old, old war veteran who will just sit there during the battle, mm -hmm. and then right at the proper moment, he'll say exactly what they need to do to win. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he's always dead on. Yep. Well, Bright isn't that guy. No. <laughs> no. He's thrust into the command role. Captain Cassius either gets killed in the TV show or hauled away in the movies. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and he's got, you know, this brand new prototype battleship, all these new mobile suits, a bunch of rowdy uh, civilians, and he's being chased by the most famous pilot of the Xeon. So he's got a lot on his hands for being someone who's just been in the forces for six months at the beginning of the original series. Yeah. He's sort of thrust into this position, and he comes off as a real hard ass, especially on Amro, to the point where he says, you know, go ahead and hate me if you want, I don't care. <laughs> and he's really he's tough on Amuro throughout the whole series, well, throughout a lot of the series, but it's it's justified in large part because Amuro is so whiny and arrogant and uh, angsty, problematic. Yeah. Emo. At that point, not willing to step up and do his part, as powerful as he is. And, you know, yeah. Bright had to get a rein on that, and I liked his approach. I mean, it's hard-handed. It lacked a little bit of tact, but you know what? He didn't have time for that. He was just learning the ropes himself, and, you know, he had a lot of responsibility on his hands, and he, and he did it well with the tools he had, even more so in other series that came after Mobile Suit Gundam but yeah Bright I'd have to say is probably my favorite captain of all time to me I equate him to the John Madden of captains and why do I say that play a Super Robot Wars game who is the guy who's, who's captain in the ship with all the characters on it that would be Bright Noah yeah but uh, all Madden I <laughs> all Noah I don't know the greats that, that's, that's a weird I guess it could be kind of a mech show they got some mechs in it is the old original pirate captain himself Captain Harlock of course just because he's dope <laughs> What about the tears of time? The oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the tears of time. Freaking that was nice. Say that every episode. <laughs> For those that haven't seen the show, at the end of every episode, there's like this little tagline. What's it? Fully? You will see the tears, tears of time. time. You will yeah. see the tears of time. It's like, that kills me every time. I'm going to use that at the end of the show one time. Everything and I, my roommate will say the funniest thing is there's a part in there where they're on the bridge and they want to dispatch some mobile suits, and um, Bright finally just goes, "All right, put cots in there." They're like, and I think um, I think it's uh, Sir Gooser or one of those guys. It's oh, like Torres, Torres, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, don't you mean fa?" He's like, "No, I mean cots." And my and my roommate says to it, he goes, "I swear to God, they uh, Bright was trying to get him killed at that point." <laughs> He, he wanted him to go out there because he would have got killed, but, oh. And then the soldiers to kill themselves. Who saw that coming? <laughs> yes, your highness! <laughs> and again, these guys, they always, I don't know what it is with these guys always pointing their guns to their necks. Yeah, I don't understand that because he just says kill yourself, but he doesn't say. And they always are so happy when they do it. They're like, yes, yes, your highness! Boom! <laughs> yes. As they're sitting there gargling on their own blood. Well, he is part of the royal family, so I mean. They're... I know, I don't mean the, the yes, your highness. It's just, why do they always so happily point their guns to their necks and shoot themselves? No, what I'm saying is he's part of the royal family, so, you know, they, they, the, the way it is in Britannia, everybody wants to, uh, you know, go up and they want to make the royal family happy so i guess that's why they're smiling as they're killing themselves as so they, as they <laughs> i guess so. as they're dying <laughs> as they're dying the roughest way possible you know that was pointed at in episode one of you know how they get to this point we see that um once again lelouch as smart as he is and as a great thinker is on on the physical aspect physically matched with suzaku he's 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 so much his inferior it's ridiculous uh it's, it's, but it's 
it's I think anybody would compare to this ridiculous spiral kick that Suzaku does. It's been like yeah. turned into like a thousand <laughs> Photoshop things. Yeah, it's it, it was very it was very fighting game reminiscent of uh I was like It was like a freaking it was a freaking hurricane kick. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> Either that or was it it, it kinda of reminded me of um he fights like Kyokusanagi, but that's a whole different <laughs> conversation right there. Freaking R E D kick out of nowhere. It's like what the heck, man? Yeah. I just Dragon Punch forward and kick Yeah, it, it it was a it was a little it was a little over the top, but we see that you know, he does this crazy spinning kick. You know, you know, silly at first became, you know, far more respectable. Although there's the anomaly of Shara soon or who I like to call Sharo. Coochie coochie coochie. The coochie coochie lady. <laughs> Every time she saw judo, she'd have to put his head between her boobs. Hey which, man, the, I mean it's not a bad thing, but that ju- hair. She had to do didn't something fight. with that hair. Judo didn't fight it. <laughs> the hair. Hey, it was it was nineteen eighty six. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I don't know what was worse, Char uh, Shara's hair or those glasses that uh Haman wore when she was sunbathing. <laughs> And you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I I did like the thing. I did like the aspect that um they just kind of passed the uh, Gundams and the mobile suits around like hot potatoes. Oh, they did. Like uh, you know, the Zeta Gundam got passed around like a joint, man. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, of course, when you get the double Zeta, it's got that whole super robot thing. It's you know three pieces in the one. And, yeah. Yeah. It had pretty cool music. It had the cool transformation music. Oh, I like that when you you started hearing those drums, you knew it was a uh, transformation time. <laughs> but uh you know so it, it was kind of interesting but, but chris any thoughts oh where do i start <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we were we were saving you for last so I, I guess with the first episode uh you got that the first episode is a clip show which i could sort of understand given that you know it follows immediately after zeta but it's a pretty crappy clip show oh it's yeah. terrible it, it, it doesn't really explain anything in detail about the original series or about zeta no so if you have never seen gundam before Zeta at the time, it doesn't really help you in any way at all. Oh yeah, not really. I kind of refer to it as an episode zero. I mean, you can even skip it. Yeah, I, I quite honestly, I've I have only have watched it for review purposes and never again. Yeah, um, exactly. yeah I, I watched it once. I watched the show like three times, but I watched it once because it it's like yeah, just immediately to fast forward. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've got obviously the slapstick, which I don't mind. You know, whimsy in a mecha show because. You know, as we were discussing before the show, Dragonar has it in spades, but it works just fine in yes. Dragonar because it's also not done to the same extremity. Yeah. But even Tamino, uh, he he does whimsy with uh, with L game, yeah. yeah, and and it works fine there. The thing is, those are fine because those are their own franchises. But you've got Double Zeta as you know the third part of a trilogy, almost following after Gundam and Zeta. And especially as the direct sequel to Zeta, which set a certain tone, you kind of expect it to keep that tone it's like if you're watching uh you know the original star wars and then you got empire strikes back and suddenly return of the jedi turned into like a slapstick musical (laughs) (laughs) you're right though i mean for some people for some people it it, it kind of went the same road anyway with ewoks but that's neither here nor there so you know can of worms the, the the tone doesn't really match for that first half and it's it's a really sudden shift number two the pacing slows down so horribly for the first half of the show. I mean, it takes them eight episodes to get the hell out of that freaking junkyard in Shangri-La, and it's like, you look at the first eight episodes of Zeta, and so much had happened by that point. Yazan and Muttley. Yeah, they did turn one of the most cold-hearted killers of Zeta into a chump. Yeah, they totally gimped Yazan and basically 
just made him a, a, a Hanna Barbera cartoon villain. Yeah, with his with his buddy Muttley, yeah, that exactly. that big guy. <laughs> yeah, his only his only saving credit is he killed Sagusa, like the the first real episode of the show. Yeah, but then after that, he just became insane, but not in a good way. And he's just like stealing pigs and piloting junk mobile suits built by garbage men. I mean, come on, <laughs> yeah. gone shame. Um, <laughs> then you've got Shimo, who really is the most uncompelling antagonist. Yeah, uh, I have to mention Moon Moon, which is just one of the dumbest things. I've ever freaking seen. <laughs> oh, you didn't you didn't like you didn't like the lost colony of Moon Moon? Oh, please. <laughs> which was which held for many years the honor of being the lowest rated review on MHQ with a half star for both of those episodes uh, until um, wow. until the Nadesco movie review came along and, and shot that out of the park and ignited a whole new firestorm. Ooh. But that also is neither here nor there. Yeah. So finally when it- arc during that i guess the whole earth arc that was i I found really impressive was the the desert arc where they were in the desert and judo was rocking the zeta like you know it's like f the f the f the double zeta man i'm rocking this on earth man this thing transforms but um wow and i'm sure pedo bear is sad about them being older right oh actually i i like them being older i hope so i would too what 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 Yeah, like, you see them as young girls before, but in season three, you definitely see them as, like, they've grown up to be fine women and stuff like that. And oh, man, that service? <laughs> to be fine women. Fine, upstanding young ladies. Kind of releasing the same crap they were releasing before. So I'm yeah. wondering if yep. perhaps Sojits maybe had some buyer's remorse about their investment into ADV. Maybe said, yeah, we want our money back. Oh, my God. Because Sergeant Frog, they've been doing dub work on it, but the show has disappeared. Yeah. And they don't even talk about that show anymore. Dang. They had done dub work again, and they had a cast, and they dubbed a few episodes. I think at least six episodes. And then Bandai scooped it up. Mm-hmm. So Losing Gurren Lagan, I think, is probably one of the worst things that could happen to ADV because you know how ADV is about uh, pimping out Gainax titles. Yeah. Because you know that those Gurren Lagan DVDs, not to say that Bandai won't do this too, but you know those Gurren Lagan DVDs would have plastered all over them, front, back, left, and right, from the creators of Evangelion. Yep. <laughs> from the studio that brought you Evangelion. From the guy... Greatest show ever. ...who knows a guy who worked on Evangelion. From a the guy show- who is an intern. The show endorsed by Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, the second best anime series of all time. Oh my god. Uh-oh. Bandai Visual USA. <laughs> Woo, man. <laughs> and while I really hate to kick someone while they're down. Boy, they down. <laughs> They're down, and if you could see me, I am kicking them right now. Boy, and Furiously. Too. Kicking them right in the stomach because, you know what? Bandai Visual, I'm, I have no sympathy for you because everything that is happening to you now, did it all to yourself. Uh, yeah, all to yourself. That's, that's... These guys... Please have a little sympathy for my uh, glass ego here. No! <laughs> You're the clown who went and bought Super Robot Wars. You have... You, 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 you brought into their Kool-Aid and, and their disgustingly overpriced releases. Bandai Visual USA. Uh, I, I suffered to my exposure uh... of it was when it came out on Cartoon Network, you right. know, when it was a, a big deal, mm-hmm. and um, you know it was like, wow, you know this is a really uh, this looks incredible because uh, some of the some of the standout features that I that I like about the movie is is the way it looks, the you know the action sequences are incredible. Yeah, um, the first when you're introduced to that first fight on the on the asteroids there that it's just amazing you get to see uh Char and Armoro 
what five six years later after Zeta, right? And you know, Shars basically taken over the mantle of Nia Zeon and is uh, basically holding the Earth hostage. So, but um, a lot of lot of lot of lot of good animation, a lot of good fight sequences. My only complaint that I would have with it is the story is kind of, but um, you know. Um, it also, Shars Counterattack is also responsible for one of the coolest scenes ever. Bright coming out of the bottom, up through the bridge, from the sub-bridge to the, to the main bridge. That was the coolest thing ever in that, in that chair. Complete with styrofoam yeah. cup. Cut, yeah. And hamburger holder. But, yeah, hamburger and hamburger holder. I know, um, I know it's also responsible for one of Soul Bro's favorite characters, too. Quest Ooh. Pariah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. I so love her. The lovely little Lolly. <laughs> a, a, a correction. I loved it when she was killed mm. by the greatest chick in the movie. Um, Shamfile. Oh, no, not Shamfile. Who the, who the <laughs> hell is... <laughs> oh, man. Wrong Some show. Camino Universe is crossing over. Who the, who the hell is Chan Fao? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to see how um, how Frau was doing after Hayato getting killed. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, she true. had the kids. Oh, and, and after Kotz went, maybe she just nah, the she was probably relief. happy once. She had no problem. <laughs> oh. She had no problem letting Kotz go on the Argama. No. Oh man, I can't think who's worse, Kotz or Quest. Oh, mm. that's a toss. It's up. always it's always Kotz. <laughs> at least at least Kotz because he had more screen time. Yeah, oh, and Quest was cute. It, at least Quest didn't slam into an asteroid. This is true. Yeah, <laughs> and she was cute. So it's like you can't you can't hate on that. But um. No, that that would have been nice to see, especially Kai. You know, he was a journalist, so yeah. he he probably would have been covering uh, on the scene. Here comes Axis, <laughs> <laughs> broadcasting live for the North Pole with, with a journalist with with a, with a journalist mobile suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's borrowing that one from uh, the the uh, Astray. What is that X Astray? Where they the guy was a journalist? Oh, right on. That's Destiny Astray. Yeah, Frank. Yeah. Hey, if Macross Two can have like a news Valkyrie, yeah. and Destiny Astray can have you know a, a news mobile suit yep. why couldn't Charles counterattack that's right man exactly it's pushing that back than armor didn't push back axis <laughs> well dang hey the new gun isn't just for show no man, it's got jedi powers too <laughs> <laughs> but um well that was uh that's our fourth installment of gundam roundup uh covering Char's counter parts of uh anything in gundam where uh, at the end there's kind of a final battle with um the zaku bernie zaku and the alex and boy Probably one of the best lines I've ever heard. What about the pilot? He looks like hamburger in there. <laughs> Whoever he was, he's hamburger. He's hamburger. So, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. But um, I guess I'll pass this over to Chris on some thoughts of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam 0080. First off, uh, on a somewhat related note, I should give a nod to uh, Dale for at Anime Expo spending six hours in various lines to get yeah. autographs from David Hayter, and he autographed my Gundam 0080 DVD. Of course, David Hayter. A.K.A. Solid Snake did Bernie in the English dub, and nice. he, uh, when he saw the DVD, he said that he had an uncontrollable urge for hamburgers, but he didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just uh, one of that's, that's not what he said. It's just such the oh. iconic, such an iconic line of, of a franchise that's got so many great lines. That one just it seems to stick with everybody. So anyway, that's how. An remember. hour of uh, so, what do you think's so stronger, Wing Gundam or New Gundam? Oh man, I can't wait. <laughs> Strike freedom spams all. Strike would win with with the weapons and because the hero is an awesome pilot. It'd be like the it'd be like the Coliseum all over again, right? Podcasts ends in fisticuffs. Nice. Biggest, biggest mistake I ever made with that damn forum.
<laughs> that, that thing was getting so ridiculous after a while. It's like, what? It... Cesspool of stupidity and and just. Oh, oh God. It's like, it's like if, if all right, Coliseum, Petite Mobile versus Bright's Chair in uh, Star's <laughs> Counterattack. <laughs> Who would win? <laughs> so, it was just, it was getting so funny. You know who would win? The Homo Avis. No, at one time, there was one battle, someone said the, the, the frickin', the, the tripods from uh, War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah, I remember wow. that. That was a personal favorite of my roommates, because he, he, he used to love, we would, we would read it at work, and we'd come home and talk about all this kind of dumb stuff we would hear on there, so. <laughs> yeah, that, that, became, that form became like the ghetto of Mechatox, so. Yeah. It's, it's and, 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 like a and, real coliseum, just full of degenerates and, and, and filth. Ne'er-do-wells. Yes. So. Uh, lots of killing. Um, I think. Uh, no, I don't know. It's I've um, I've do- I've done this thing now with these shows where I'm trying not to read into them before you know, like read any like the little leaks in the magazines before they get shown. But if if it's going to stay within the continuity of the the four year time skip, um, I just think that the whole the whole conspiracy with um, I think even with Alejandro and everything like that, he's going to be referenced a lot oh, yeah. in there, uh, even though he's gone. Um, I think uh, little Chun-Li will probably make a... <laughs> she's just going to... She'll probably end up becoming the big baddie. And I think um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happened to uh, Alleluia and Tiaria. I, rich, I think Tiaria is gone, but that's my opinion. But um, And I kind of want to see uh i want to see old felt being the uh taking over the sniper duties because i agree that's probably going to happen that's but only your it's... opinion because you're ill-informed you didn't see those scans did you son yeah oh <laughs> uh, no I, that's all the meisters in their fancy new uh celestial being uniforms uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I haven't I haven't checked out any of the stuff because yeah, I, was, I was gonna ask you if you've seen yeah, the trailer yet. I, I haven't, haven't been it. doing that yeah. the last year when it comes to a lot of these shows. I haven't been doing it because I've done it before and I felt burned. But well, come on, Mister, you're Mister Raw. You watch the Raw yeah. and then you watch the subtitle. But it's like, man, and you but, don't, you don't want to see a little advanced screening of uh, the trailer? Yeah, come I don't on, know, man. but you get dirty. I th- I think uh, I think the whole the whole concept of the of the infancy of the uh, the Earth Federation is going to be cool. I think that's what really is setting that show apart. That we finally get to see, you know, in every other Gundam, the Federation was in place for forty, fifty, however many years it wow. was. Now it, we saw it created, and now we're going to see like the growing pains of what they're going to try to achieve. So Under I, President I, Barack Obama of the Earth Federation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs> but um, I, 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 definitely, I definitely think that um, he, they're going to continue to kind of redefine what the Gundam story is because it's, it's like I've told Chris and Solbro, if they would have ended the show at episode 25, I really wouldn't have had a problem with it. Yeah, you'd want to see what happens, but I think oh, it was just he, a really cool way of doing the mid-season break. Just always leave your audience wanting more, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's that's my two cents. Speaking oh, of Kogi, awesome. yes, I'd like to make a similar appeal to everyone out there. Uh, yes. 
please shut up when it comes to uh, bizarre <laughs> theories about things that are clearly contradicted by the facts. Uh, yeah. As most evident in episode 13 of Code Geass. And everyone's like, oh, I bet it would know it was Suzaku. It was Suzaku. Ah, no, I think, I think it was Suzaku, even though the evidence doesn't show anything that was Suzaku was involved. And then come episode 14, oh, look, 14. it wasn't Suzaku. There. Not yeah. at all. Shut up. Yeah. And he had no these. motivation to do it anyway. Exactly. Yeah, so. so please, everyone, don't go looking so hard for things that aren't there because you're just going to mm-hmm. look like an ass. As yeah, did. soul bro, stop it about Saji. As did everyone <laughs> who said that you know, Suzaku was the one in episode 13, and then as soon as episode oh, 14, didn't hear a peep out of them. <laughs> that, that, that's a great case. Out of their mouths. That's a great case of space madness right there. Space because madness. You didn't have to be Sherlock Holmes to put two and two together there. Are you available on Zoom? <laughs> what the hell? You know Zoom has a network, that's, right? That's what the a, hell is that? Oh, well, what is a Zoom? I'll I don't know what that is. I'll get on Zoom. Don't you worry. <laughs> You know, to be honest is with that, you, that 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 poop brown thing that 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 plays DRM music. That's good <laughs> that you said that because, um, you know, I'm sure we can get on it. We we could find out things. Um, my big fear is they'll have that whole thing that happened with Evangelion, um, oh, where you had all the Ava clones, <clears throat> Razafon, oh. and um, the ultimate anime series of know. all time. So says ADV Films. So bye bye bye. And so says Bandai Entertainment because we called that one. Comments from the hater. Oh, it, uh, give us give us some some uh, some mecha hate. This is Austin, <laughs> the uh, panel director from Yusumicon. Give us some hate. The biggest bitch ever in the world, Suzaku. Oh! Man, I wish we could only, have only, only second to Saji. Oh, guys, there you go. <laughs> Most useless Gundam pilot ever, Shin Asuka. Oh! We're going to have a debate on this show. Oh. I want you on it. I want you on it. a waste of ink and paper. <laughs> oh! Digital. Oh! You can't beat your boy Rivals, though. Oh, That's man. The man. Rivals? is just as worse. No, man. Rebels is great stuff. He would man. probably do better in Gundam Seed Destiny. <laughs> Saji Crossroad. <laughs> and Saji Crossroad. Man, it's a classic. Oh, that crying Crossroad. bitch. He has no place. He has no place in the world. <laughs> Alright, we're gonna that that we're gonna end this panel with a load of hate. Thanks a lot, Austin. Let's hear it for Austin. Semicon panel director and hater number one. 2009, the Haters Club. You heard it here first, folks. And with that, but this with man's gonna unleash a wave of hatred. So, guys, and any articles and some pictures up there. So, um, and got two more little stories. And last, this is the last of my uh, listener submitted articles. This is very disturbing. Uh, this goes. This takes WTF news to the the up the newest level. <laughs> and this is a courtesy of uh, Momoro and. There is a website called, in Japan, it's a pet store website called Skip Dog. (laughs) And Skip Dog is an online Japanese pet store that specializes in things for puppies and chihuahuas. And they are offering dog outfits for cosplay and events. Specifically, they offer (laughs) mobile suit pundum with a P and... E. Pagelian, E. P. and then Agelian, knitted hats inspired by the Mobile Suit Gundam and Evangelion anime series. Mm. The uh, they include hats for the original Pundum, <laughs> the M. P. Zakpu, the M. P. S. zero zero six Zeta Pundum, the P. X. one seventy eight Pundum Mark II. I'm hearing Chris die inside. <laughs> 
the PX-78 NT1 Pundum Al- Al- Alpex. Alpex. Oh, my God. The PS- Good God, just stop what? it, please. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, nope. It gets better. The Pumfer, the P- PS-118E Pumfer. No. There is Paro. The <laughs> there is Paro. Come on, you're there killing him here. The the PX seventy seven pun cannon. Oh my god! And too bad my dog's a big dog because oh. I'd get this for him. The PX seventy five pun tank. <laughs> <laughs> the MP zero seven goop. The MP zero nine dope. And finally, the PX ninety three new pundum with pin funnel shirt. Oh, that is ridiculously adorable. <laughs> beyond beyond the pundum, the store offers knitted hats based on Eb Pengelian Unit One and oh. the Third Angel Puccio, as well God, as net, put it in, knitted caps and ca- knitted hats and caps inspired by bees, bears, and pigs. So, if <laughs> that's all the so you got nickel. Oh man, yeah. Well, he didn't really get Nickode because Nickode, we would have seen it. We would have seen him get killed with, with in the, the next four well, episodes. Seen it five times. Four episodes? <laughs> Only four? My piano. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things, as you're gonna die, you're gonna yell for your piano. But uh, it's like it's like when it's like when Homeboy died in um, Gundam. What's his name? Makuve? My yeah. crystal like, vase. My, my crystal vase. It's very important and very ambiguous. <laughs> I hope Cassilia got it in the mail. <laughs> Iraqan, deliver that antique vase to Lady Cassilia. It's very valuable! Just as I expected, you can't beat Gundam from your ivory tower. It's the cliff notes of what it, of probably would have been a really great story. I mean, when I'm watching it, I, I feel real lost. And I feel like I want to read the novel based on this so I can actually get the whole story and then enjoy the anime. Because, quite honestly, it was all over the place. I mean, they really didn't explain his mom, his importance. I mean, they mentioned her and the fact that she played a role in all of that. But, I don't know, I just... I'm watching this movie and I'm getting so angry because I feel so out of the loop as I watch it. You know, I enjoyed it for Incites what it was. Anger. What was it? Inciting anger. It oh, I know. It, it, was, it, was, it didn't incite any anger like, with me. I was like... Rage! I was somewhat a little miffed. Let me bring up the assassination scene. Because you know that we got to talk about this. <laughs> when, when, when that dumbass assassin is trying to shoot Iron Mask. And now keep in mind, his, his nickname is Iron Mask. And, and he wears to, an Iron Mask. He's trying to snipe him in his forehead. What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Why not try to shoot him in the chest? Why not try to shoot him anywhere in his vital organs? Oh, no. I'm going to try to take him out by shooting him in the most reinforced spot on his whole body. It, I, maybe I, he I, was banking on shoddy construction. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Inferior Chinese parts were used to make the iron mask. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to get it into one of those little vents or, or, or one of those little openings because he think he thought he was that awesome. They, they should they should have they should have hired Coco thirteen. Oh yeah. yeah. It'd have been done. <laughs> yeah, he get Iron Mask and the Parrot. <laughs> and of course the girls are happy. Detard's like Power of the Heart? What? <laughs> Before this episode introduces the Shinkiro, but on a personal note, I, I just don't really care for it. Maybe maybe it's just me, but I like I like the Gavin because I felt it had style 
And even if it was limited, Lelouch did a whole lot with what little it had. But the Shinkiro... I, I agree wholly... Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly, man. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean... The, Shin, the Shinkiro seems to be... I don't want to jump and use the term hacks that everyone seems to love throwing around, but you know, basically all it does is it sits, it, it sits and spams because it's got Hadron guns yeah. in hands, it's got the phase cannon in the chest, and that's basically it. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't like the way that he has to act like um, an organist to oh know, yeah the, to activate everything uh, yeah I forgot the Shinkiro's keyboard control system yeah. which apparently is what coordinates the absolute protection territory and the phase cannon we gotta we gotta dramatize it even more <laughs> and of course when when people first heard that it was gonna be keyboard control they were like oh man he's gonna use Quake three setup Quake three <laughs> now but right now number one is i'm sure we've all expected thanks to the chinese federation arc is millie number two and this one is the honest surprise is marianne is in <laughs> lelouch's dead mother yeah. biggest second biggest boobs in the show i mean who knew third <laughs> place really tell third place is callan i'm like, just just gonna skim through point out the important ones cornelia is number five cecile is number seven despite that dress of hers Raksharta is number eight, so really, what the hell? Where'd that come from? <laughs> Yuffie is nine, Shirley's ten, C2 is twelve, Sayoko's is fourteen, Nanali is seventeen, and the smallest on the list is Kaguya. <laughs> well, she's a child. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. What about Tiazzi? Where's she? Uh, at? Like I said, this, this is just season one. Ten, she's probably oh. below Kaguya, because she's yeah, thirteen. <laughs> yikes. yikes. We'll have yikes. to consult Pedal Bear about that one, but he's not on this episode. Bear. Sorry, Canadian pedo bear. <laughs> Don't worry, he'll but, be on the thread. You get what you deserve. Oh, no that's poetic justice. No Hilarious. <laughs> well, what about um, what about my man South Burning, man? What about what about him? Um, he's the only. He's the only. He was. I don't. He was I, don't the, I don't know. One of the better characters I don't know in the series anymore that you gotta say there chris but my thing is i pretty much agree with chris on most of the points he brought up because i feel the same way but when it comes to some of the characters the only ones that really come out to me are uh captain synapse yes sir and and south burning mm-hmm. even though yeah, those guys are that, they gave that poor man the most ridiculous death <laughs> oh my god <laughs> the plan is boom <laughs> he find he he finds a briefcase floating in space oh what is this Oh my God! What is this? An article that I got off of um, Anime News Network, and this episode is re- recording on s- September twenty-first on a Sunday, and September twentieth uh, was the actual last uh, day of Toonami being shown on Cartoon Network. No way. Um, Cartoon Network had revealed at the Georgia's Anime Weekend Atlantic Convention that it was going to end the Toonami programming block after 11 years. Uh, the official announcement was made during the final run of that night, and with there was an important message that was going to be shown during the 10.30 to 11 p.m. time slot. Naruto's been the only Japanese series in the Saturday evening block recently. Just talk about how it was used, uh, Toonami was used to host a variety of Japanese animated programs when it began as the weekly block back in 1997. Of course, everyone knows Voltron, Robotech, Dragon Ball, Ronin Warriors, G-Force, Blue Submarine 6, Tenshi Moyu, Dot Hack Sign, uh, the list just kind of goes on and on. The Toonami Jetstream online service will still continue. 
so you can still get things off of that. Cartoon Network is working to import the Japanese animated Powerpuff Girls Z, which I've seen, which is the Japanese version of the Powerpuff Girls show, which oh, is man. pretty awesome. <laughs> it's an awesome show. But uh, I guess last night, the two episodes in Naruto that were scheduled were shown. And uh, next week, they're going to be showing the first Spider-Man film during that time slot. They're also going to show the Gotham Knight, Batman the Gotham Knight. Then they're going to be doing some other things. They're going to be showing an episode of Naruto later on. You know, some of the information of what they're going to be doing on that block from now on is kind of... um, Sketchy? Well, they just haven't really released what they're going to do yet. So R.I.P. Tudami. It was a good 11 years. Well, actually, probably a good seven years. It's kind of sad to see that go, but um, it wasn't really a destination TV anymore, and they weren't really showing much. So, you know, it's well, just kind of the, ch- the change in things. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wasn't. I stopped watching Tsunami after a couple of years. I mean, after a couple of years, after it kind of got out of the, the phase of shows that we were interested in. But dang, man, it's, that's, that's an end of an era, though, quite honestly. Well, and I guess, Soul Bro, that brings us. To- scene in this episode was really good and um neo might find enjoyment in this but um i love the fact that cheryl says i said you got to bring um ronka back or die trying yeah or, or die trying <laughs> she became 50 cent all of a sudden <laughs> i couldn't help but think about that episode of the boondocks where they spoofed the heck out of that line i've been waiting on this day since your little uppity ass came into time Won't kill me, Air Marshal 50 Cent. You will only die trying. But I will kill you. Or I'm a. Or. Or I'm a dead. Train. What? What? You thought you was the only one who mastered the ancient and deadly art of the Nunchaku? But it was pretty cool. And also seeing the inside of a Vajra nest was also pretty cool. And well, my last thing to point out, just to see a, a ghost town inside of a Macross was very spooky. Yeah. I thought it was creepy as all get out. Other than that and the um, Action Pack finale, I, I, I have no complaints. Okay. Pretty much my, my comments would be along the same lines. Uh, interesting things, you know, the the fact that uh, we now have the SCF4 Global, which makes you wonder if it's named after Captain Global since he's already got a lake named after him. <laughs> uh, I'll bet this ship probably is named after him, which kind of makes you wonder uh, what, that's the SDF 4 what was the SDF 3 And no, not the Robotech one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of that surprising that all these years later, even when you have the new Macross class battleship, that there were still some old Macross class clunkers flying around. But I guess pretty damn durable, as we'll see later on, much, much, oh, yeah. much later on. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. And definitely there's this whole like creepiness of, you know, this Vajra Nessa basically was hollowed out inside the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely like I was saying earlier, you got these aliens moments of all of these, like this whole horde of like eggs and this Vajra queen and. All of that stuff. And again, uh, an interesting air battle between Brera and, and Alto. So altogether, definitely a good follow-up to the big WTF moment from episode 12. So that's, uh, that's what I thought. Well, I guess that'll bring us to the last portion of the Supersize Reviews here. Part 1, uh, which would be episode 14 entitled Mother's Lullaby. 
show very um, very striking to me is that with any other Gundam show, when I sat there and watched it, I've always had no problem um, getting into the next episode. You you know, if you have like an hour or so, you can usually get about two or three episodes done. You have an hour of free time, two or three episodes done. But with this show, it was like, man, you know, you would watch an episode, especially once we start getting into the kind of the the middle part and, and even, you know, about episode 12 on, it's like, ugh, you know, it, it's, it's difficult, but it's not difficult because it's bad. It's just difficult because, like you said, it, 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 it takes despair and, you know, it, it does kind of go in the, in the opposite way of, you know, the, the good guys are just getting killed left and right. And, you know, some of the ways that they're doing are some of the most gruesome and, uh, in some ways the most senseless. I stopped watching the show at that point. I actually just quit. <laughs> I was going to get back into it. I just didn't know when. I just didn't have the, well, the aptitude to you, just keep you'd watching. You'd have to say, though, that's that's not even the, the worst part of that. Yeah, oh, the worst of part of that is the fact that they're on the deck of a battleship <laughs> and it's Uso, Shakti, and these uh, Odolo and Thomas and these other, these other pilots and Marbet, mm-hmm. and Uso is holding his the helmet that his mother's head is in Inside with drip blood dripping there. And they're all kind of like crying and stuff. And yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. wow. And like seven, they spare you the sight of what's inside the helmet. Yeah. But you see the blood dripping, and that's more than enough. Makes you, your mind comes up with something far worse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's in the helmet? What's in the helmet? What if Paltrow's head? <laughs> Takes us to turn 20, Yay. which... Emperor Disqualification. Another fantastic <laughs> episode time. We start off with Suzaku. He's sort of there in the, the crater of Fleia, and he runs into Nina, and she just sort of has this really dumb, the dumb Metal Gear fires nukes moment. Yes. <laughs> you mean is bad? I, I didn't I, know that. I didn't, I didn't realize that it would be that bad. Lelouch, you know, now that he's on his own since all of his pawns betrayed him, he realizes that Charles, his destination is not Tokyo, and he puts everything together and decides that it's Kaminajima, which is where a bunch of stuff went down in the first season. We've got the Black Knights and Britannian forces doing this joint operation to search for Lelouch, and Anya, she has a uh, another Gius reaction, and she lands on the Ikaruga and sees dumb C2 standing there. <laughs> And starts talking to her and basically touches her mind and C2 doesn't recognize her until inside C2's mind, Anya changes her visual appearance to that of Marianne and says, what are you doing in here and why did you voluntarily seal up your own code? So that's an important point there we'll get back to soon. We got Lelouch, he's traveling underwater with the uh, Shinkiro submarine mode. He's heading to Kaminajima. And Charles, he's getting everything ready. And all of the Gius ruins around the world that we've been shown previously, they start to uh, glow and they're starting to synchronize, including one down in one of the poles with a bunch of penguins standing around it. Oh, man. So even the penguins know the power of Gius. Importantly, you can find us on Zoom and, of course, iTunes just by searching Gundam. All right. The Zoom? You mean the Blockbuster Zoom? The Blockbuster Zoom, man. Who has you know, those? The, the the item that'll eclipse the iPod. <laughs> I'm drinking. Is it? Yeah, I think I think if one's going to listen to us on the Zoom, it's either going to be Bill Gates or Steve Ballmer, and that's it. Oh. <laughs> hey, don't forget, don't forget Andrew. Uh, <laughs>
I forget his last name, but he listens to us on the Zoom, and then we're finally up there. So, Zoom users have at it. There was a certain Neo's news segment about a certain item called Mobile Suit Pundum. Oh, I do recall Pundum. And, and might I add, I really did actually like the Ava Unit One. <laughs> Piece for the chihuahuas. And actually, before Chris goes any further, that might be the most that might might be the most responded to uh, listener submitted news article in Neo's news ever. Maybe only because <laughs> I expressed so much pain over it. Please continue. Some, some shout and fraud. Let us have some insight in this pain. Okay, so Neo was listing this pundum, which was Gundam clothes for dogs. And going through all of these punnily named pundums, and it was just, you know, it was like my ears were getting raped by a gang of hungry prison rapists <laughs> in cell block D. Somebody dropped the soap? Exactly. There wasn't even a shower, but the dope, the soap was dropped. <laughs> it was just really bad. All right. So I really had wished. By the way, uh, I apologize. My voice sounds like crap. It's just been uh, it's been a long day. But um, yeah, the pundum was pretty bad. Sometimes when we've had to do really long reviews, I say to myself, "My God, when? Why did we choose to review all these shows? When the hell are we going to be done? Good God, let it especially, end!" Especially especially the week before when you you wrote the review. <laughs> Dale, actually, it's funny though that you said. Oh God, that. I think he's trying to rape me. Because uh, we that is. we. Um, oh. We actually that um, out. That w- it was probably one of our better. I-, I think it was one of our really no, good please. segments and one of our really good shows. Because, um, but for whatever reason, it um, it disappeared. <laughs> Stop. Will said, "Does that?" It, it uh, th- yes, that was uh, that was actually the fifth member of Gundam, mm. my dog, <laughs> Dustin. And it's trying to rape leg. my leg. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, he's but, horny. Um, I don't know why. Doesn't go, have go sit next to Dale. So smooth. This will all be edited. <laughs> it was an excellent segment. It was really good. We we, we pretty much went into the um our thoughts on the movie. <laughs> why does this dog want to have sex with me? <laughs> I don't understand what's going on with him. That's like, calm down. He never My does legs this. are not salami. And that's another way to promote the show through the dog. <laughs> he, the dog loves loves me. He must love the show. My dog is not gay. Go rape the exia. <laughs> No, it took is, some... is this staying in? <laughs> I guess so. You know what? Are Why we not? cutting it from here, right here? <laughs> I think it just might make it. No, it, it, it'll, it'll make the cut. It'll make the cut. <laughs> he sent a he sent a very warm he sent a very warm message um, in regards to just how much he's enjoying the show, and um, he he definitely sends words of encouragement to all the members. During one point in his uh, in his message, he does uh, acknowledge. That he shares the same love for a machine that you do. Oh man, no way! <laughs> where where so, is this going? I'm starting to get kind of worried. So, here. Soul Bro, I'm sitting next to. Soul I bro. hesitated to bring up a machine <laughs> because I know that this is a sensitive subject. But I wanted to ask you: Had you completed your treatment sessions in regards to your unhealthy love for an animated female character? Well, I <laughs> may, may, maybe I should get help, but um, no, I, 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 I don't know what it is about Emma. I think that she was just, she was just such an awesome character that you know I just grew to to, to like that character. You know what's funny? I, 
I guess the first time I was exposed to Emma was in um, Super Robot Wars uh, Alpha on the PlayStation. I hadn't even seen Zeta yet. But um, I played that game, and there was I remember reading the FAQ on the game, and you could get her to join you. So I did what I could to do to get her to join you right there. You could play, you can win the mission two different ways, and I got her to join me, and that's when the fascination started. And then, of course, the I watched obsession. the obsession. And then I watched Zeta Gundam, and what? was like, "Wow, this character is really what, awesome." What, what, what was the basis of this question? I'd like to know because <laughs> it's got it. This is um, it's, it's in regards to the. Um, it's creepy. I know. The favorite. <laughs> Favorite women of uh, Gundam. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah! I remember what he's talking about. The machine was number one on Soul Bros. List. I recall this segment. Oh yes. yeah. The segment was going quite well, uh, but it, it just seemed that Soulbro got a little too giddy. Orlando Pettenberg got to number one. <laughs> First of all, well, Emma's way Emma's way past legal. <laughs> Orlando second, Stalker. Second of all, she's not real. But if any chicks out there listening want to cosplay as her, I second that. Send, send your I pictures do. to sbrmhq at gmail.com. <laughs> Damn right, naked. At any level of any level of dress. Exactly. For the or listeners. Undress. They can Prefer- be NSFW. Gentlemen, Preferably gentlemen. the Titans outfit. <laughs> Halfway unzipped. For the listeners With a little out beret. There. Beret and Wearing just else. the beret. Just so everyone knows. Word. On the newest Soul Calibur game. Oh, sheesh. Soulbro actually used the uh, character editor to create a machine. <laughs> I created more than them, Mike. Nerd. Did you or did you're, you not you're create a loser. machine? You're a loser. You're I, the biggest I, loser in the world. I made Emma, but I made, I made, I made Char. And I worst, made, worst podcaster I'm, ever. I made Demona and some other people, man. I'm re- I keep it real. Soulbro, relax. You're, <laughs> we're not here to abuse. We're here to help. What is this, the M-Machine intervention? Yes, it is now. <laughs> it is. It, it's gone um, to that. Well, me, me, so, and Mr., me and Mr. Clay, we, we know what time it is. And that's, that's what's up. That's what's up. Emma, for life. And for Fumofu, and he's working on the second raid. No way. Hell has truly frozen over. <laughs> because that was the one thing that I always heard on the MHQ forums for however long I've been going there. Is Why don't we do, why isn't there full metal panic reviews? Why isn't there full metal panic reviews? I kept seeing the same thing. Well, we're we're trying to get somebody to do it. So what's next, Ava? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. No. Okay. <laughs> Just to make this clear for the five zillionth time, <laughs> since this crap always keeps coming up. No, I do not hate Evangelion. No, I do not hate Zoids. Just not gonna cover them. Let, let me just make one thing clear to people because they don't seem to understand something. MHQ is not the Walmart of Mecca websites with, oh. with dirty spills in aisle three and shoplifters stealing shit all the time. That's not the way MHQ is. It's it's more like like the Target. Yeah, like the Target, the Target. Actually, we're like a super Target. We're like the super Target of Mecca websites. <laughs> we carry finer products yes we're selective not that there's anything wrong with evangelion or zoids but we're not gonna cover everything all the time and and, and let's be honest folks what could we say about evangelion that hasn't already been said exactly plenty you know um let's just move on plus the end is so screwed up because don't believe everything adv tells you it wasn't the greatest (laughs) science fiction or anime mecha series whatever of all time the greatest lolly anime of all time. Yeah. Dale. 
Has there been any burning statement that you've wanted to say to Soul, bro? Perhaps. <laughs> no. No, Revolves only did one thing in this episode. And that was say, Don't tase me, bro! Don't tase me! <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, it's guarding the convoy stop because there's a figure on the road. That figure is Zero. Everyone is, of course, surprised, especially those who know that Lelouch is Zero. And then, as the wards begin firing, he runs with superhuman speed, dodges the bullets, jumps over the wards, and manages to get past Jeremiah. Then Zero leaps up onto the platform and draws his sword. Just as Lelouch pulls out a gun, Zero knocks it aside. As the two of them face each other, Lelouch smiles, and he remembers his conversation. When everything started coming to an end, he told Suzaku his ultimate plan for Zero Requiem. The plan being, simply enough, take one individual, have the world hate that person completely and unrepentantly, and then to have that person disappear and take, and take all the hatred with them so the world can move on. That was Lelouch's goal, the Zero Requiem, which he and Suzaku agreed to way back when they were in the world of C after dealing with Charles and Marianne. As part of Lelouch's plan, he left Schneisel alive because of his skills, but ordered him to continue working for Zero. For that purpose, Lelouch has Suzaku take up the identity of Zero so he can abandon his old life and continue to do good as Zero, the hero of the world. As the two continued talking, Lelouch got philosophical and commented that perhaps the Kiyos power was, was like the power of wishes, because someone who, it means that someone who couldn't do something on their own would have to rely on the help of others. C2 has gone back to the church where she was forced to be immortal in the first place and prays, thinking of Lelouch and cries. As she recalls him saying once more those famous words he said once before, those who kill must themselves be prepared to die. And as everyone looks on in horror, everyone gasps and shouts, Zero pulls out his sword and stabs it straight through Emperor Lelouch's chest. As he gasps, reaches up to touch Zero's mask, and whispers to Suzaku that this is also a punishment for him, because Suzaku Kuroki is now and forever dead, and he will have to be Zero for the rest of his days. Suzaku will accept that chaos, and Lelouch falls down the stage to where his little sister is. Still unbelieving, she touches his hand and gets a flood of visions, including the Zero Requiem, at which point she realizes that Lelouch really was a good person, and she starts crying and begging him not to die, saying that she loves him and she needs him, and that all she ever wanted was just to live happily with her big brother. As the Black Knights look on, Toto starts to wonder, you know, Zero there, could it really be? And Callan, who has finally realized everything that's happening, with tears in her eyes, says, no, it's him. That's the real Zero. Lelouch lies back with his sister watching over him. As he thinks back on his life, he comments that, once and for all, he is Zero, the man who destroys worlds and then rebuilds them. And with that, he closes his eyes for the last time. Well, you know, um... First up, you know, the final battle between uh, Suzaku and Colin is probably one of the, uh, the best in the entire series. And yeah. it's a really nice touch how, you know, they fought themselves down to the level where they couldn't use their fancy flying and had to go back to land spinners and ground combat because, you know, a lot of people had this complaint. And I kind of agree that the combat in Season 2 kind of basically just became Gundam Seed with everything flying around and you know, yeah. flying over the water and flying here and flying there and flying over the water and flying over the water and flying over the water. So what made, it was, what made that battle really fun for me was the fact that they didn't just knock off their wings, they ended up whittling down each other's special abilities, so just like Char's counterattack, it ended up being this one-on-one fist fight. Yeah, just more subtle, but he still emotes. Yeah, yeah and I that's, that. and I was one of those people who thought that Hero was was an emotionless robot due entirely to Mark Hildreth's flat, emotionless performance. And 
it, it's really a contrast in characters to see, you know, how different Hero is portrayed by Midorikawa and by Hildreth. And it really yeah. changed my whole opinion of the entire character. As Amra pointed out, most of the other characters there matched up pretty well between the Japanese and the English. You know, for example, I didn't care for Wufei much as a character in English, uh, nor in Japanese either. I just can't stand the guy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they did a good job there portraying him to the way that I couldn't stand him in either language. Uh, another thing, uh, there's definitely some pacing problems, and one of the things that kind of annoys me is, this is a bit of a slight exaggeration in terms of paraphrasing this, but rather than being uh, Monster of the Week, you kind of have, like, evil organization of the arc. Yeah. This series, because you start off like, okay, the Earth Sphere is bad, but really it's Oz that's even badder. So you got to fight Oz, and then Oz is out there. But then it's really Romafella that's bad because Oz splits up in support for Trace. Okay, now it's Romafella Foundation that's really bad. So we're fighting Romafella Foundation. But then they kind of fall apart through their own stuff, and then White Fang shows up in space, and they're really bad. And now, okay, let's go fight White Fang. So yeah. my kind of thing is, generally speaking, in these kinds of like war shows, or robot shows, no matter what happens in between, generally the people that you're fighting at the end of the show should still be the people you were fighting at the beginning. Kind of a case yeah. in point would be Zeta Gundam, where it started off between the Aug and the Titans, and then, you know, later on, the Axis became a player. But when it came down to that final battle, it was still a struggle between Aug and the Titans. With the case of Wing, it just goes through so many, like, organizations that it's so far from where it started. That's kind of silly that in just the span of the year you have all of these rebellions and all of these organizations and all of these people kind of jumping out. So that's a complaint I had eight years ago that kind of is still with me. Uh, another thing that, that Neil mentioned uh, in regards to the battles, one thing this series I think definitely is lacking is in terms of ace pilots. Mm -hmm. And most of the time you have you know the Gundam pilots fighting just a bunch of useless grunts or later on automated mobile dolls. You really only have special standout things when you have fights with aces like uh, Zex or, or Trace, and they're very few and far between. So, you know, a lot of people say the this combat in this show is kind of like fast-paced and action-packed, but I, I really don't see that because most of the time it's just mowing down grunts, whether they're yeah. humans or just unmanned robots. So yeah. one thing that, you know, if you did have to make a comparison to Double O... Double O has a lot of ace characters, whether they're people who just appear for a little bit or they're named characters who have been around for a while. And that's something that I think Wing is lacking in. My, my last little comment I'm going to say here is that let's end the Double O comparisons, especially when the show hasn't even finished. Yes. But, um, but the, know, the, just, just, just my quick thing. Just, just stop, stop, stop. No, stop it. Stop it. They're only aesthetically no, similar. No, that's no, 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 no. No. <laughs> okay, no. okay. I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. And, yeah. and you know, I'm not going to say this is not a knock on Soul Bro, but there's a lot of people out there, and, and websites too, I won't name any names, yeah. that are just Cost. hell bent on making this comparison of saying that, uh, you know, Double O is Gundam Wing 2.0 as it's a matter of fact, like you can't dispute this. When the surface, there's just surface similarities. And I see some people arguing yeah, it's so hard trying to say, yeah. oh, okay. Setsuna's hero, and Marina is is Relina, and and and, no. and Graham is no. X, and you know this is that, and that is. It's like no, they're totally different things. 
Yeah, it broke convention like after the you know the 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 second or third episode. So it, the the comparisons it are very shallow. And it, that's no, all. it broke it from the first. It episode. broke it from the first, first episode because a lot of people you know were chanting this whole Wing 2.0 stuff even before Double O started. Yeah. And then as okay. soon as that first episode aired, it became clear that it was not. Yet some people, you know, really felt the need to push that through and still do. Or there's those people who feel the need to say that it's Zeta 2.0 now in its second season, but that's a story for another segment. So Because the, the big problem that I have with it, and especially when re-watching Gundam Wing, is the, the problem in Gundam Wing is, and this might be my other, my other uh, negative that I have on it, they preach about the horrors of war, but they never show it. Whereas in Double O, you see the impact of war on the populace, on the characters... Um, you know, you really don't even find too much out about some of the, the pilots until Endless Walls, which yeah. we'll cover later. But, <laughs> yes, this, the double O is not over with, it's so don't compare. They didn't from, it didn't, ha- it, it's, it's no comparison. The only thing is, is it has a Gundam in the name. There yeah. you go. And yeah. mind you, well, you know. as a reviewer, you know, it's, it's our job to make comparisons. So, you know, we're not yeah. hypocrites here. There's nothing wrong with making valid comparisons. No. But when you have to force something to the point that it doesn't work, and Amaro can identify with this perfectly, he'll recall, you know, months ago in our uh, one of the Gia's discussion threads, there was some guy who was just going oh, so far out of his way to try to say <laughs> that Code Geass was the same as Dune. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wow. And just I remember really, that. Uh-huh. Really, really, really trying to stretch every tiny little thing to yeah. say that Code Geass was heavily inspired by Dune. It's like, no, buddy, just just stop. It's, it's not your... Because yeah. not succeed. Because the other thing is, is in Double O, Celestial Being, the, those pilots, they were a team from the beginning. The the Wing Boys, they didn't even unite with each other till pretty much around like episode forty. I mean, the Gundam team didn't even come out till like episode forty five or something like that. And they were still kind of lone wolves and doing their own type of thing. And so. Here's a stark difference between the two, and this is there's a very stark difference. I mean, here's an, I'm just saying here's another a definite stark difference between the two that I've heard Neo talk about over and over and over. In Wing, the suits seemed invincible. In Double O, the suits aren't invincible; they're just more advantageous. Then you know they're then, a little bit more powered up. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're powered up, but eventually there's a story arc. I mean, they're, they're, the development of the show, um, the enemy gets better and stronger, and just you know makes light of those suits in Double O. Gundamian, um, Gundamian alloy was the strongest thing on oh, Earth yeah. until and the it, mid-season it, upgrade. Was until needed. it was convenient to trash the original suits in Wing, those suits were, you know, they were they were rolling strong almost the entire time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anything else, Chris? Uh, obviously, you know, this being the the final battle, you know, basically everything's being laid out on the line. You know, you've got Alto uh, sort of talking to Cheryl before he uh, he goes off, and it reminded me a. Kind of in a way of the similar scene in um, the original Macross when Hikaru, uh, he confronts Minmei before he goes off into the battle. And he's basically saying stuff like, you know, I could die and yada yada. But then the difference there was Hikaru actually manned up and said, I love you, Minmei. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Alto, uh, well, was Alto. Denser than lead. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, the whole thing about the end when this was airing. Everybody was like, oh, my God, they killed Alto, you know. I was and this is the point. Mm-hmm. This is the point where I had to step in. Yeah, it was Suzaku. <laughs> and, and knock on all of these fans who really feel the absurd need to jump to conclusions, yeah. especially when things are blatantly obvious. 
Yeah. Sure. So here's uh, uh, it's time to pull out the Straight Talk Express. Go okay, ahead. let's do it. Okay, anime all fans, all aboard. Do you really think they're going to kill the main character in the second to last episode? Do you really think they're going to do that? This is I'm not. This is not the Gundam novels. So I I I, I vote I vote no. I vote no. Does anybody really think that they're going to kill the the main character? I mean, that's just a joke. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, very obviously a ploy yeah. blowing up that crappy plane so that Alto can come back in the final battle yeah. in his spiffy messiah. Yes. But is, you which, had some people spreading theories, and mm-hmm. I kid you not, maybe you guys saw these. I saw some of them. I didn't. Um, that maybe Alto joined like the Vajra full network connective and his yeah. like spirit's going to reach out to Ranka and yeah. wake her up. And oh, well. It's like, oh, on. Are, are well, you shitting me? Once again, that's the, the thing of anime fans. Um, until you get a job writing, don't try to write something. Similarly, about two episodes before that, when uh, you know Alto and Lucas stayed behind, you had people say, Oh, look, he's turning into Shin Asuka. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that one. Really? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was I, I watched it and I knew they did. I knew he couldn't be dead because I know they wouldn't have the balls to do that. But when I was watching the last episode, I was hoping that he would be dead because that would have been such a departure. You know, it's like, wow, that would, that would, that, and, and that Luca would, be such would lead them to victory. Move. Was it Luca would lead them to victory? No, just, just, just the fact that they killed off Alto, like right before the last, episode, something no one saw coming. That would be like a, was, a mad departure. It's like this show it, has been making its own strides. So it ain't going to happen. Yeah, yeah it, it's not. But at the that, same that, time, that, that, it, it might make different strides from other mad crosses. Yeah. But it's still staying within the anime mecha formula. Yeah, yeah. But thou, and, thou, sh- thou shall not kill the main protagonist <laughs> before final episode. Some shows have done That's it. That's actually though. Commandment Four. Yeah. Okius aside. Yeah. yeah. What recent mecha anime show kills the main character in the last episode? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. And even Okius was different because Lelouch wasn't a pilot most of the time. I mean, yeah. a mecha series where the main character is a pilot who's piloting all the time. When was the last time you saw that kind of character get killed in the last episode of their own show? Yeah, I mean, are we honestly going to see Senpai outlast, um, you know, his, his little protege there? It would yeah. have been pioneering, but yeah. I, I knew better. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> what I would say is overall, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, fun show. It's, you know, it's not perfect. Nothing no. is. And unfortunately, I see... You know, this is a trend. It's not just with Macross, but with, you know, with Gundam Double O and with Code Geass. And, you know, I see fans, particularly Western fans, since that's the only thing that we have to uh, to go by, have such demanding expectations for every single thing they see yeah. that if something doesn't match their expectations down to the letter, 100% of what they expected, then it's crap. Oh, man. Yeah. Which, you know, resulted in this... Time again for some straight talk and that I all over the place uh, regarding Frontier and especially the end is fans saying that, oh, you know, oh, this happened this way because Kawamori is trolling us. And That's there not is true. nothing right now that annoys me more mm-hmm. than this current hive mind internet speak bullshit of people saying, oh, the director's trolling us. Yeah. yeah. What, what the hell is something as ridiculous as that even supposed to mean? <laughs> Yeah, because I, it didn't go the way you wanted it to go. The director is personally trolling you. I mean, what kind of stupid, moronic crap is that? Yeah, 
I'd have to say, just take it as it is, two people. I mean, yeah. the 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 big problem. I uh, just to reiterate here on the Straight Talk Express, is um, <laughs> that the the people that complain the most about something something not going a certain way are the ones that sit there and always saying, "Oh, this show is being exactly like all the other shows. They want everything different, but yet in the end." They still want the same old things to happen in these shows, and then they complain about it. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And you know, and, and the other thing too is 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 this the, just the off-beaten speculations. I mean, it, it's okay to speculate, but these just drawing these conclusions out of things that just are you know ridiculous. Um, you know, with yeah. this show and everything. I mean, we've we've touched upon it a, a few times, but I'm with you. I mean, and. You know, let these stop trying to get in the mind of the director. I mean, he's just sitting there give, give, producing something to give you enjoyment. Just enjoy it. I mean, take it for what it is. First question, um, pretty much the, the question everybody wants an answer to, um, and this was submitted by practically everybody. Is Lelouch dead? Take it, Amaro. Ah, boy. Well, here we are, the ultimate question, the ultimate debate, the thing that's been going on for the last month. And in Chris's review of the final episode, he compared it to the ending of Charles Counterattack and Cowboy Bebop, how people still debate to this day on whether Spike, Amaro, and Char are really dead. They I did. still can't believe the uh, Spiegel one. Spike Spiegel. Oh. The people even... Uh, sorry, I didn't mean even... No, it's mean cool. To... It's cool. But the big, yeah. dif- the big difference here, Lelouch has a definitive answer from the staff and the cast. Ladies and gentlemen, I can finally tell you with absolute certainty, Lelouch Lamperouche is dead. Yay. It has been said in the post-series interviews... It's been said by head writer Ichiro Okuichi that it had basically been intended from the very beginning that Lilish died at the end because it was the only way it could have gone. He made the rather bold statement that those who fight have to be prepared to die, and if he lived through that, it would make him look hypocritical, and it would take away from the impact of his, of his quest. Furthermore, we have quite a few official magazine summaries and little details, such as I have a scan right here from Continue Magazine's Volume 42, which has a complete death list for all of Code DS, listing the character, when they died, and what caused it. And the final entry here, Lelouch v. Britannia. Britannia's 11th prince, killed by Zero, episode 25. And everyone on this, just so you know, everyone on the staff and the cast believes he is dead. Everyone from the director through Lelouch and Suzaku's voice actors. And just to cap it off, the official profiles on the phone, on the cell phone-only GSNet website all lean towards Lelouch's death. Yeah, but you know what? Even if you say that, people are still going to be like, no, I think he could be alive. He could be the guy yeah. in the horse cart. Then who is he two talking to at the yeah. end? Actually, if it's not said in the series, it didn't happen. He was just like the sickly engineer was just trying to prove people wrong that his design would work. And yeah. So he's a Howard Hughes of Zeon? It's not even that. It's just, uh, I mean, he just, outside of that, there just wasn't much more of him that, that, they, what, that they showed. One I mean, of the things I do like about this show, speaking of Zeon, is, is that every, with every introspective we get on the One Year War, we see that there are more and more seeds of discord on the Zeon side. And you, it, it doesn't matter what story it is, you just see that, you know, they were destined to lose because they really weren't organized in their, um, in their attempt to, um, to, to complete their goal. Everybody had their own angle and whatnot. Yeah. I guess 
Guinea is a prime Guinea is a prime example of that. If you really think about it, also like uh, the Federation too. I mean, they're really a bunch of dicks. And then as you watch more and yeah, more and yeah. more, you you really see it. Like understandably so that there's the whole. I mean, watching Miller's report. Um, mm. And then, I mean, you have to consider his actions were, but their actions for abandoning him and sending him in like that. I mean, they're 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 being a pain in the ass, and they're just as in different ways. They're just as corrupt and and not really deserving of uh, of continuing their of their reign than the Zeon or in their yeah. rebellion. I guess yeah, that, that's pretty uh, evident when they are trying to get into the base yeah. in the mountain. And yeah. they're just sending like team after team in there, and I guess they're you know they're like the only way you can get into us is like with a, a nuclear bomb. And since they're they're you know banned by the Antarctic Treaty, the the commander I forget what that guy's name is. He's like, well, that's kind of like what a, a the reactor in a mobile suit. So yeah. I mean, he was just sending these people in there to get killed to detonate the fusion reactor so what's another hundred soldiers in defense of the federation in this particular series because obviously the federation gets you know evil by the time of zeta but mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in in the in the original oavs and in the original series you know they kind of go to the pains of saying that yeah they're bad but they're the lesser of two evils oh, yeah. and most of the dickery yeah. from 8th ms team comes from this guy uh eason ryer right as yeah, you know ryer. you know this guy kojima you know shiro's commander you know obviously is a more level-headed guy who doesn't go with along with the crazy suggestions that that Ryer has, like, oh, you know, it would be bad if a mobile suit accidentally exploded inside there and, you know, set things off. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the Federation as a general is not that great, but, you know, a lot of it is, is pointed at the, you know, Ryer and the guys who work alongside him as being yeah. responsible for that. Well, I guess a good question would be here uh, before maybe we wrap this up to uh, Pedro for being, you know, pretty much because uh, it's pretty well stated that, you know, me, myself, Chris, and um, Solbro, you know, we have a pretty good grasp of uh, the Gundam franchise, the Gundam shows in general, and, and you've stated earlier that you're slowly getting into this. Um, what are, you know, what are some of your thoughts on the actual show and, and how it works and kind of the lore of Gundam that you're, that you're seeing right now and, you know, if, how you maybe position this as, you know, to tell others to watch that maybe haven't really gotten into Gundam or something like that? Um, the way that Chris is presenting it to me, in other words, going in, uh, in terms of uh, the timeline in the show being presented, the first movie, then um, then War in the Pocket, and then HMS Team. Like, I think that's the best way to do it because it really fills out like some of the blanks that now I haven't seen Zeta yet, but from when I listened to your uh, when you were when you did the roundup on it and you were talking about it, like I see how this would fill in some of the gaps of yeah. what's going on elsewhere around. And one thing I really 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 like about this, and like more so, in my opinion, more so than actually the original mobile suit, is it really shows the rigors of war because it's in a jungle, it's in personal contact. This isn't this isn't like in in space where you can't really go out unless you're in a suit. I mean, you can walk outside of your suit, you can walk into the village, and you can actually see you know, the reaction of a giant robot destroying an entire track of land where people live and seeing, for example, that that uh, that anti-personnel mine just blow up and wreck all the people in that village. I mean, that really shows the horror of war. And one thing that, like, I really see is that shows that war doesn't pay off. It's just very destructive and we shouldn't have it. This, so far anyway, really has proven that. And I really think that despite it, despite some of the flaws that it has, it's, you know, my, it's my favorite so far. So basically, I guess Chris is showing you on the... Uh through the UC chronological calendar, then oh man, he's, he's doing uh, he's doing Project UC. Project I've already UC? I've already done it myself <laughs> too. Did. Where you actually watch the um, you actually watch the shows yep. as they progress through Neo the UC his, timeline. He has his PhD all the way up to Victory. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I really want to see Victor. Victory is the one uh, that I'm uh, the most interested in. Buckle up. <laughs> so I guess I guess of of the three of pretty much you said you've watched the three shows so far. This is 
yeah. probably your favorite one or the one that kind of grabbed you the most so far? So far, it's it would be a toss-up between the original movies and this one. And yeah. I like the original movies, but I really like the, the Jungle Warfare of this one. So, yeah, this one would be the, the top one so far. Cool. Moving on, we have episode 24. Endless poem, aka lots of crap blows up. Yeah, lots of lots of crap blows up, and lots of people die. Lots of people die, and a lot of people taking um, lock-ons, uh, death way hard. Especially uh, horror, horror, yeah, all of them. Uh, especially <laughs> Setsuna, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, yeah. who has to get uh, bright slapped. <laughs> yeah, and then good old Sumeragi, man. It's about time to see Sumeragi slap somebody. And then we get to see, you know, Satsuna after he, re- you know, reviews the information recorded in Haro about the, the, that battle that, you know, he goes crazy because he recognizes that it's Ali. So then we see Satsuna kind of getting filled with that kind of same rage that, um, um, you know, Lakan had towards the end uh, when he was fighting Ali. And, you know, because we, we finally get to see that uh, Satsuna really looked up to Lakan. Uh, he really respected him, and he was probably the one person in a lot of ways that he was the friendliest too. Because the, isn't this the episode where they kind of have the um, they have the uh, the the flashback of when Satsuna first arrives? Yeah, it was this episode uh, with Celestial being, you know, and Lock On his little exchange with Lock On, and then that's where we find out the whole thing about the GN sword. Yeah. So no, no, actually, no, you don't find out about the GN sword. GN sword the final later. Episode, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Flashback. That, that, that's their little way of keeping lock on in the whole series. Yeah. In the last two episodes, a little bit of flashback. But um, yeah, you're right. They do, they do introduce Setsuna to the crew in, um, in this episode, from what I remember. With the Exia in its original rollout colors, I might add. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's, that's true. right. Before it got pimped out. I like the, I like the rollout colors, though, too. But um, it's actually where you do see... Uh, this is where I noticed the change in all of the characters. And it kind of goes... And we see that this is where the, the change happened as and into their personalities of the way they are now in the second season, uh, especially like the Setsuna and uh, Tiaria uh, are the ones that really stand out to me. And um... I was kind of surprised by the death of uh, some of these support characters like Lichty and Christina, Christina. And yeah. because it kind of shows that they're not safe either because usually like the bridge types are. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting to see them die. However, their deaths didn't really mean all that much because they weren't really developed that much as characters. They weren't, but they were kind of shocking, though. I mean, still, I mean, the, well, the impact of them. I mean, just, just the, the way they reveal Christina. I think it, that's where you get the realism. You know, you always get people say, oh, realism, this this show's real. This show's got all this realism. This is where the, the realism comes in because when you're in a battle like this, and this is yeah. basically the all-out battle, the yeah. end, end of season battle, and... People are going to die. And, and like Chris said, the, the bridge types are usually a little immune. Well, we see this time that the bridge types aren't immune. That I mean, yeah, not only it just shows do that we... safe. That's yeah. true. I mean, uh, you, you only got a little bit, you only got a little taste of Dr. Moreno. I mean, towards the end, you know, you got to see him more and more, and then he, and then he up and died. But throughout the, throughout the course of the series, and I know they were third string characters, but Lichty and, and, and Christina. They had little moments here and there where, you know, you could tell that Lichty had something for her, but, you know, he never really, you know, he never really came out with it. And, you know, she, you know, even even then she'd always shoot him down when he did come out with it. And then towards the end, it was just a nice little resolution piece when um he, he went and tried to di- tried his best to save her. And she didn't reveal that she was already, you know, impaled. Yeah. And then when they revealed that, that's like, that was like the big thing. I, I, I didn't see that coming. I thought she was actually going to live. And then to see that, it's like, damn. 
Well, and what? she did have an impact on the show because she was the one who got felt to start coming out of her shell and start, yeah. you know, acting more like a teenage girl. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't always necessarily think of this thing where uh, just because a, a character doesn't have um, mad screen time or mad lines in a show that they're not important to the overall story. Yeah, I think everybody starts getting a little too crazy about this whole character-driven thing that they tend to forget that the story, you know, the story is driven by the characters, but yet sometimes the, the characters are driven by the story. Very true. And yeah. the, the thing is here is, okay, maybe they maybe you didn't see Christina speak or Lichty speak every episode and they didn't have, you know, these big heart-to-hearts, but it showed that as things got bad, these are people that, you grew to grew to recognize and know throughout the show because they're in the background, and we're seeing that uh, this whole thing about war. Yes, war is terrible. War is evil, and it affects everyone. Just like the whole thing goes down to uh, Saji's sister. I mean, the the war affected her. You know, let's be honest. Kinoe, how much you know? In, in essence, if you added up all the screen time and lines that she had for a season to to Christina, uh, they're probably Christina probably had more. You think if so? If you really think about it, yeah. So. It's like in what is it a CVS two where you if you get enough group points you get to do fight one of the special bosses at the oh, end. Yeah, here it's, comes the new challenger with yeah. um with Graham. Yeah, it's like the man, uh, the man that's been missing for like four eps. You, you see him like warming the bench. It's like Graham Aker shows up, aka Shin Akuma, and uh, what they should have did every episode is just see it show him sitting on the bench like tapping his foot. <laughs> impatiently waiting for his meant to get fixed and then yeah. like in this episode just see him come out of nowhere it's like awesome but they they kind of left that out they didn't have time to really put that in but um but man this is uh and then we just see like we've like we we're stating that you know most of these characters have changed throughout you know especially these last couple episodes they've changed we see the changes in them well this is where we see the beginning of the change for uh graham becoming you know in, in season two because he is just wacky. The, Wait, that, you mean Mr. Bushido? Mr. Bushido. Not Bushido-san, but Mr. Bushido. Damn, man. He's like he's like the male version of Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction, dude. <laughs> oh, that's really creepy. <laughs> I'm he just was, saying. He, that, that whole exchange, though, between the two of them was a little weird. I mean, yeah. it whole... goes to show the depths of obsession that the Gundam has had over, over Graham the entire season that he yeah. started off as a rational guy yeah but he's become more obsessed and obsessed with the gundam over time and it starts to just get even more crazy mm-hmm. when stuff happens like the death of howard mason oh god <laughs> what i thought was interesting at the end was i was kind of surprised that they already went and showed like little bits of the uh the time skip yeah because it really just sort of wraps up everything from season one but also already sets some things in motion for season two and sort of whet everyone's appetites for for six months you know seeing the formation of the federation and seeing uh ribbons and the innovators and you know seeing um you know new gundams in development and the double o and you know uh pizza delivery man saji and seeing how everything's already changed so it's sort of like already closing the door on that first chapter and already jumping into the second you know the the one thing i have liked about I think I think the best the best part of this episode and probably the best part of this first season is as I think we've we've all stated this before is we actually get to see in a Gundam show how the Federation was formed. Yeah. All previous incarnations, the Federations have been in place for quite a quite a quite a long time, and now we get to see how we actually got to this point. What brought humanity to the fact of wanting to join together as one, and you know and 
you know, and now try to push to go to the stars. And that's what we get here because, um, you know, celestial being, they achieve their goal by uni uniting humanity. Is it the way they wanted it united? Who? Well, no, that remains to be seen. But, um, you know, it was nice to see that. It was nice to see that the, you know, um, and even though it was pretty quick, the, the you kind of knew what was going on. So when you did go to uh, season two here, you understand that, you know, it's a large consortium of um, nations. The first thing they did was they gave up all the military power and put it all into the Federation military. And the Federation military does this. And, you know, we do see all the, you know, a lot of the players are still there. Wang Lume is still there. We get to see Nina now with Wang Lume. Oh, yeah. Um, we get he starts talking and you see the Exia just like orbiting Earth all battle damaged. That's yeah. right. And then it jumps four years. So and then Ill Soul Bro. In yeah, a form Soul, form Soul Bro. Soul bro. Right, man, I took the title. Sweet. <laughs> I think it'll be happy now for the next episode. So uh, any other thoughts so we can wrap this up before next episode we jump into season two? You know, it, it, it surpassed the convention and kind of your expectations. And, you know, I, I've said this before that if for whatever reason this was the end of the show at episode 25 i really wouldn't have a problem with it um i think you know of course you always want to know what's going on later on but mm -hmm. if for whatever reason they said oh you know we were just going to do this and we were just going to show that I, I think it would stand up uh, pretty well as a gundam show um you know just just the first season so but you know fortunately we get another season so thank goodness scenes between uh, setsuna and um sumeragi you know and you just see it's kind of sad to see how far she's fallen in the last four years that yeah. she's just total, total drunk. And she's so far worse than she was four years ago that, you know, you wonder how, how it is that, it, that she's even barely functioning. And Billy's been supporting her during this time, and, you know, got to give the man props for that. And then Satsuna just bursts, and he's like, hey, uh, yeah, come back to Celestial Being right now. Yeah. Codename Sumeragi. Codename Sumeragi, and Billy's like, what the what? Yeah. I thought her name was Kujo. <laughs> and then later you got, you know, the scene when uh, Setsuna and and uh, Sumeragi are coming back up to space on the, um, you know, the, the linear train. And, right. you know, she's basically like, why are you bringing me with you? I'm useless. Don't depend on me. And she's just taking it all on herself because, you know, she's just amplifying all of the stuff about her past, which at this point still isn't explained. All right. It is, man. That's cool. Yeah. If there's no more comments, I think it's time to move on to uh, something that I posted <laughs> back on the MechaTalk forums, the Meisterfication of King Arthur. Oh, yes. was a ridiculous joke topic for people to come up with uh, celestial being type code names for King Arthur. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to read some of these. Uh, as an example, the one I came up with was Pizza Wussicus. <laughs> a very good opening salvo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from Areku, Volition Pegasus. <laughs> from Kavik Ricks, my personal favorite, Link Kukaracha. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Uh, TV submitted Assets Extra. <laughs> Some guy submitted Pizza Delivery. One of my true favorites there. That <laughs> was pretty funny. Ace Whatever gave us Wussy McNever Laid Louisicus. Oh. <laughs> Moving on, because we got three pages of this stuff. Well, one of my ones on page two, and I'll just go from there. Is uh, from Soon Guy. Is uh, he had he had another one? You gotta yeah. be joking. You gotta be joking. <laughs> yes, that's another good one. <laughs> Batosai twenty eight, Holy Virgin. Yes. Oh Jesus. 
<laughs> from Hot Limit, Haji Milk Toast. <laughs> Dang. Also adds, Saji Crossroads sounds like a fake name to begin with. <laughs> oh. Uh, two busters submitted Hero Protagonist. Yeah, oh. I like that one too. <laughs> That's funny. Arbiter gave us a uh, rather interesting one and said, he's going to go insane and rename, rename himself like this, Kinoe Halavi. <laughs> Thunder gave us Jaywalk Hate Face. <laughs> yeah. The Loser Villain has a funny one. <laughs> yeah, Stuffed Crust. Yes. <laughs> Amaro NT1 dug into a character who was proposed for Double Zeta but never existed named Elbow Smash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, TV gave us a second one, Quattro Stagioni. <laughs> oh, nice. I think that... Uh, that's yeah, that was the end. Yeah, that was it. The rest well, joke back and forth about Saji, how much he sucks. Yes. Only to y'all. Only to y'all. And the, rest the millions. Of the world. And millions. And to the millions of devoted listeners of Gundam at MHQ. Yes. The millions and the millions. Millions of. That's all right. We 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 uh, Saji Crossroads supporters are a tight bunch. We 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 in the Crossroad crew. Kind of throw this to Chris and Solbro based on. You know the first couple of things that we read here, or that I that I read out to everybody. What are you know, and and based this is based on the Japanese audiences. This doesn't have anything relating with what's being said over here in these states. But you know, you guys jump in, you know, with some of your impressions on that of, of what you know, Mr. Mishishima had talked about, and um, you know, some of the things, uh, you know, some of your thoughts on this. Well, what's their major complaint with the series? Basically, he's just talking about the, the pressures of it, and because it is a change from, you know, there are different things within it not being, like, traditional first Gundam or Zeta or something like that. You know, there, there's Gundams in it, but they've done a lot of changes with the storytelling aspects. They get, you know, they, they thought that people would be open to those changes, but, you know, mostly what they're hearing is, why is this happening? This isn't Gundam. This isn't the way it should be, so... Oh my god, I mean, we've been through almost 30 years of so many interpretations of Gundam that a, a, a fresh take is not... It's just not the first time we've had a fresh take on Gundam. So, I mean, they, I guess they, they're they not prone to reserve judgment until the series is over, but, I mean, this is coming from the country that enjoyed Destiny, you know, as a whole. And <laughs> I, I can't take him seriously on this, although I guess Mr. Shima's taking him as seriously as he possibly can, but he, he really needs to not listen to these guys. It, it's, well, basically, that's what he's saying. It's yeah. you try not to listen to him, but, but when you're the hard. director and you have people of the production staff hearing these things it and these things around. do come up, yeah. his big thing is it's it's kind of zapping their motivation. It's, so. it's affecting the, dynam- the creative dynamic behind the show, and and that that's an unfortunate that's an unfortunate outcome. I I, I don't want to see them become affected by this. That's terrible, man. Um, well, you know, when it comes to, to bitchy fans, that's something that knows no borders. And regardless of differences in societies and cultures, you know, people who are fans, fanatics of something, are always going to complain regardless of where they are. So, oh, yeah. you know, even though the interview is addressing uh, the Japanese fan base, 
you could easily apply everything to the Western fan base. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the interviewer asks about knee-jerk reactions, and Mizushima says, well, they're not criticisms based on close inspection of the product or by closely following the story, but rather by merely looking at pictures of the show and superficial appearance. Right now, the Internet is a place where commentary of the series travels extremely fast. Whether it is positive or negative, talk travels quickly there. People that want to flame the show approach the series right from the start, from the vector of, I hate it, and on the Internet, they can find other sympathetic people with which to search for points of shared dislike. They've already gotten on the flow of hate, and so there's really no helping it, which is exactly the same in Western fandom. Let's look, for example, at, at, at this, this Star Trek movie, because you know where we stand now, it's still five months from coming out. Nobody right. has seen this movie. All that we've got mm-hmm. is the trailer that came out a while ago. But there has been so much complaining and, you know, tearing apart the trailer bit by bit by bit. People complaining, oh, how come Kirk's an adult when he's seen the Enterprise getting built? And how come this is happening like this? And how come that's happening like that? And the design of the Enterprise, it looks too squat and it looks like this. And why does it look like that? And what's this doing over here? And this doesn't make any sense. And this didn't happen like this in the original series. It's like, oh my god, shut the hell up. <laughs> and, and but, what- you, know, after, you know, it's like, at this point, you know, being a recovering Star Trek fan... I'm not even surprised anymore because, you know, that's the way this entire fandom has been for four decades. Yeah, yeah. And therein lies my problem. And this is one of the things I was thinking about after I read with uh, this, this interview with Mizushima, which is, you know, at what point do you, know, do you have to say to the fans, you know, just shut up. We're going to do this story the way we want to do it because, you know, the fans have so many preconceived notions about where they think something should be. And, you know, as it's become increasingly obvious with the Internet – if you know these these uh, you know exact specifications aren't met, you can be damn well sure they're going to go online and bitch about them. Yeah. Uh, for example, you know if you went by all of the like hardcore fans and their demands, you know this would be like a very stale movie that would not have any appeal to any audience. And I say this not having seen this movie because obviously I haven't. It may be a piece of crap. It may be fantastic, but it's clear that they're trying to appeal to a broader audience with yep. this and make something that will make some money because, you know, Nemesis failed and was the lowest grossing Star Trek movie of all time and Star Trek movies have, let's face it, a history of being very hit or miss. Yeah. You know, before you used to have the odds curse, but then Nemesis, you know, broke the mold and and made that curse apply to the evens too. Uh, another example, the 2007 Transformers movie. Yeah, I was going to say that. Oh yeah. There was so much built-in hatred going into that movie. For example, Michael Bay directing it. I'm no fan of Michael Bay. I think a lot of his movies are crap, but, you know, I wanted to see what he would do. And then there was so much complaining about the designs and, you know, that the story was done like this and the story's done like that. And, you know, the end product is a decent movie. It's not anything fantastic. It's not perfect by any means. And I'm hoping that the sequel will be better. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you heard it from, you know, these ultra, ultra, ultra hardcore Transformers fans, the movie, in their eyes was a failure if it wasn't a shot-by-shot remake of the 80s cartoon with the exact same designs and the exact same coloration and all of the exact same voice actors and everything. Oh, yeah. If it it wasn't that, then it was going to suck. 
I, it's it's a sign it's a sign of the changing times where you know I guess critical you know criticism is reaching these guys. This you is know, change at, we at, can believe in though. Um, but, uh, not this change, <laughs> but I mean they're just going to have to adapt. I mean you just got to blot these people out. Just stick to your vision. Um, put the show out. I know it's hard to do because you know eventually you know you that that, that creative dynamic can be damaged by that. But you got to remember you're putting out a complete product and you want to make sure it, it starts transitions and ends as well as you can you know you can produce the show don't don't let these people well, get to you i don't and, necessarily I mean, think that he it, it, he's a little hurt by the you know the tone of yeah. the interview is he's a little hurt by some of the negative criticism yeah. but in no way shape or form is it making it sound like he is bending his will to the fans probably yeah. you know probably this guy actually seems like he's pretty strong-willed that you know okay they're out there and they're, he's just saying that you know he, i think more or less than anything what is getting out of this um this interview is that he's just finally saying everything that the three of us have been saying yeah you know he's no stranger to this because you know five years ago Mm -hmm. he got tons and tons of hatred from fans of full alchemist because the tv show converged from the manga at the halfway point but couldn't exactly be helped because the manga wasn't wasn't as far along as it is they started that show very early on Mm -hmm. which is another trend in japanese anime i'm not so happy about but that's for another episode um, what do you expect the guy to do? Can't yeah. just stop the show 20-something episodes in and not finish it. <laughs> so they had to come up with a different story. I like that story. I like it too. And, 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 and I've, I, never, I've never read the manga, so I couldn't tell you what's better or what's not. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Full Metal Alchemist. I don't think, I think it, in some ways it's, it's, you know, people go a little too crazy about it, but it is, it is a pretty solid show. And, I mean, it wasn't a horrible ending. And like I said, I don't know what the manga ending was, but you know, it, I'm what? I'm pretty happy with that. It's yeah, it's 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 still rocking. So, if it's still running, know. then okay, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I mean, even his previous show, Die Guard, was 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 a fun show to watch, and you know, I, I I've so far I've enjoyed all the works I've seen of his, and um, I think these guys really need to 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 to, to learn how to hold their tongue. But I, that's not changing anytime soon. I, I I I all I can hope is for the best for these directors and for them to put out their best material. I would just say that, you know, uh, unfortunately this, this hypercriticism from a bunch of angry anonymous fanboys is only going to continue and get worse. So, you know, the Straight Chalk Express will be the, the bulwark standing strong against, you know, the rage of the, uh, the angry fanboy. And, yeah. and to those who might feel overwhelmed by seeing this everywhere they go, you know, no place is, is immune to that. But, um, you know, just ignore those people. And, you know, when it comes to watching things, just let go of all of this crap and you know watch something you know if you want to, if you enjoy it you enjoy it yeah you know if it's doing things differently that's fine if it's not fitting that exact formula that's fine as long as it's good it's good yeah don't be embarrassed that you like something just because damn well, straight i guess my final thing would be um you know uh we now have a new mission for gundam not only the promotion of uh, mecha anime, but also to uh, you know go against the purveyors of rabid fanboyism out on the internet and and, and all forms of media. Boy, aiming high in 2009, man. But uh, good mechanic for the uh, for the Straight Talk Express because it's going to be constantly shuttling around. Well, yeah, we're going to have to get a we're going to have to get a, a, an expense account at Penske Auto Centers or something because uh, and lo- lots of oil changes and tires, I'm sure. But um. Here's my question. What do you guys predict will be the 30th anniversary project? And, Unicorn. Uh, <laughs> most importantly, what do you want it to be? Unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> okay, I, since he's gone through that, uh, Soulbro. 
I would like it to be, um, as much as I like Unicorn, I would love to have an OVA series of Gundam The Origin. I would love to have that. That would be nice. Yeah. As good as that comic book is. But, um, Chris, what's yours? I don't really care what it is. I'll just say what I don't want it to be. Oh. Crap. <laughs> I don't want it to be G-Saber. the uh, Vaporware Seed movie. Ooh, right. Yeah. They can keep that. That, that would be, be anticlimactic. It would be. So if that thing never comes out and sees the light of day, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. And if it does, I'll watch it, but that better not be the 30th anniversary project. I mean, my, it, my prediction my prediction is uh, G-Savior 2. Uh, <laughs> origin. I hope you, oh, I, I can't origin wait. of G-Savior. I, I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode because G-Savior will be on this episode as well. Okay. <laughs> and you will yeah. hear... You will, you will hear the cacophony of argument in that. You probably you already heard the preview in twenty seven. So oh, yeah, I can't, I can't yeah. wait. That was that hear. was tame. That was that was just a sampling. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I had to go. I had to. I had to break down my Canadian brethren there and <laughs> they beat the crap out of them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I said, unicorn and probably. I think it's going to be unicorn, and I'd like to see it be unicorn, but. Um, I'm with Chris. I hope it's not the C movie, but if you're going to do the C movie, just have it maybe like that Big Bang where you had all those projects simultaneously. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want I want what they promised the new UC show. Yeah, I want that. So let's and, not disgrace it with. Um, as long as it's not J- Savior, I'm I'm good with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's cool. But uh, another question or comment or? Nah, that's pretty much all I had. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So my question for y'all today would be. In mecha anime, there's no shortage of deaths, and I've noticed there's a lot, a lot of like ridiculous and funny ones, and I want to know which ones are your favorites. <laughs> funny deaths, huh? Oh, Neil, this is your department right here. <laughs> um, the little girl with the head getting blown off in a day on oh, with the bazooka. Oh, oh, as as oh. wrong as wrong as it is, I just laugh every time I see it. Oh, my I so just, do I. I <laughs> I just, so, com- I just completely laugh every time that I see it. Um, Jared Mesa just basically bouncing oh. all over the place. That one was kind of funny because, you know, here, all death. Here, here's kind of the big heavy for the Titans the whole show, and he just gets kind of a, uh, you know, say la vie kind of ending there. It's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> Nico from Seed, because of all things to say, you are just wrong. my piano. As you, as you're getting beam savered. <laughs> Holy crap! Oh, Kaka, Kakazaki from Macross because he didn't know how to push the throttle up. Afterburners. <laughs> <laughs> or don't forget in the Daryl incarnation because he was talking trash. That's right. Yeah. I forgot he was talking. He started the Valkyrie pilots curse. Yep, that's right. And it continues to this day. <laughs> what are some other uh, other funny deaths? Oh, oh uh, Yashima I, from Double Zeta just going, um, you know, Super Saiyan times five, but not were, doing anything. I thought you were saving the best for last, man. What's that? Your boy. Which one's that? You uh, know, your favorite character in Zeta ever? Oh, Kotz? Yeah, man. Kotz is... Death f- by Asteroid? No. Kotz, <laughs> Kotz, was, Kotz was fitting. But it was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> the minute it happened, I know you paused. Actually, and laughed. actually, it, no, the actually the other funny one is, what the heck was uh, what was Jared's wingman in Zeta, the guy that died on reentry? Oh, uh, Capricorn. Capricorn. <laughs> For as much smack as that guy talked, and then he just dies, and he's like a little bitch. 
Oh, whatever, since, Maria or whatever his girlfriend's name. Not, <laughs> He's like Maria. Not since Vegeta have I seen Widow's Peaks that magnificent. <laughs> and you know Roma Saren for getting goofed. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> but uh, I'll put it over to uh, Soul Bro because I, I can probably you, go on forever. You, I can make a topic on this one. You have named off some gems. <laughs> Some true gems. Um, I don't know. Um, God, funny deaths. God, you hit the. I have to pass this off to Chris because you, you named so many. I mean, the one I thought came to mind immediately was Cods because I know how happy that made you. I well, that just that, gave that, me sheer enjoyment. That gave you pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> you named everyone. I would have said so. I have nothing to add. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you knocked that out the park. Because we've actually sat and talked about this yeah. just off. It'll off, probably be a topic one of these We've days. been talking about making it a, a topic on the show. Yeah. We'll probably expand upon it once we have time to think. Yeah. But yeah, dude. Um, the, the, the hey one guys, what's up? What about what about CCA's? This one's a real rock. Dummy. There. This one's a real rock. I forgot about oh, that. I forgot about oh, that. that <laughs> yeah, oh man, I forgot about Oops. that. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. A real wrong death was at uh, the beginning of Double Zeta, when um, who was it? Um, it was uh, God, one of the crew of the Argama got his neck snapped, like right off. Like, oh, Sagusa. Uh, yeah, yeah, he just got he just got bashed by uh, Yazan's. So wrong. Well, actually, that and the, those three pilots that got killed. The three Neo Zeon pilots that got killed in Mashima had that stupid uh, service <laughs> form of the chicken bones. The yeah. Chicken <laughs> and who could forget Howard Mason? <laughs> Howard Mason. Howard Mason! Gilliam from Macross. I can't Macross. wait to see how it sounds in the dub this Monday. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for it too. That and. Um, and, that and, and uh, the Haro, uh, you know, knife fight. Yeah. Stick em, so the stick two things, and they're both in this episode. So I've been waiting to see how those things sound in the dub. I, I, I think I'm, I think I will make that my ringer on my phone. Howard Mason. <laughs> I got to sample that for the show. <laughs> the black tri stars were pretty funny too. Oh yeah. Yeah, because they were talking mucho smack, and um, and then maybe uh, Makuve, and in the oh, show. Oh my god! I wonder if Cassilia got lost. that precious face. <laughs> I have never seen a finer phallic symbol. Also, speaking of lone wolves, that we also get into the um, the whole uh, mystery behind Mr. Bushido and his <laughs> and his um, get get out of jail free card that he's got. <laughs> yeah, because every, everyone wants to know about you know his get out jail free card because he's independent and you know it's just amusing just hearing Mr. Bushido because I think this is the first episode where it's actually muttered and it and it was and it was like and it was muttered by that moronic fat guy Goodman yeah and it was said like non-stop it seemed like too Mr. Bushido Mr. Bushido yeah what Mr. Bushido <laughs> it's the best name in Gundam since Requiem <laughs> oh Requiem was just funny but, but that's that's Destiny Roundup oh man don't worry we're getting to that but. And Louise, does she um, is, is, did she somehow grab a Rolla Crusade's pillbox? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pop the p -p 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 pills. <laughs> they got the same pharmacist. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like the dude, like the like the <laughs> like the dude in igloo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll get to that in a future roundup. Oh, we sure yeah, will. They, they all they all go to the Gundam pharmacist because apparently. 
everyone in Gundam uh, who's on pills like has to like nervously grab a bottle and then they all just start shaking violently yeah. and then you, you they got to like swallow down and practically choke on like a whole handful of pills and then they become magically better. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you know they're, they're they're not like they're not like gel tabs or anything but they're actually, you know, they're actual regular pills, pressed pills, but in you know, after putting them in your body for 30 seconds they mysteriously dissolve like instantaneously. <laughs> yeah. Although man, that guy in Igloo, he pops those things like they're freaking Tic Tacs. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, it's good stuff. Again, we'll get to we'll get to that when we get to the roundup for Igloo at some point. <laughs> Which can't be avoided is uh, clip shows and flashbacks. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, Which this show has an overabundance of, and I think it was Neo Era from the dearly departed Ganoda yeah. who coined the term "flashback them all, Fukuda." Yep. <laughs> because I have never seen a show that feels the need to flashback things that happened in that same episode <laughs> so much or something that happened in the previous episode or something yeah. that happened five episodes ago. I mean, I swear to God, in this one show, how many times did they show the blitz Nicole gun getting, getting <laughs> baseball yeah. batted to oblivion? Yeah. I'd often ha- have to say um, one of the things I love about Seed is breast physics. <laughs> Itagaki would be proud of this uh, of that show. Well, actually, S and K would be proud. They're they're they're, they're, be, they're the originators. The originators of, um, of breast physics. Man. Breast physics, because um, <laughs> one of one of one of the recycled scenes I never got sick of was seeing uh, Captain Romulus bounce around when the ship would get hit. That was the reused animation. That was uh, always no, actually in, my. I, I think my favorite one would be in the opening credits when you see her breasts just bounce and everything. Yes, that's. <laughs> I was just about to mention that. <laughs> Every time I was like, let me rewind that. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, they, they went for three for three when they had the Archangel and the Dominion fighting each other, and you had her bouncing around, and then when the Dominion got hit, suddenly you had Natarl and Flay bouncing around, too. And, 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 and Ramia still but had... They they were, but they were even worse, because they're just convulsing so violently while sitting in place. Like, yeah. Oh, God. The, the, the two of them did not equal Ramius on that point. Um, Mulaflagas? That was a that was a um, that was the Providence though. That was the gun. No, 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 the one they hit before the Providence that got trashed. Oh, the he what had a the Gouet, the, the Gates, the but yeah, uh, it, Moo was hurt though. Remember he? Well, hit, Mu, yeah, no, he it got, wasn't that he was hurt. It was that he had the launcher equipment. Yeah, he and had he the was equipment. suit. Yeah, with long range equipment. So well, and let's not forget Moo also. He he's the first pilot to kill a Gundam with a, a, a fighter plane because he took out the Blitz or the Buster. And that, so that was that was crowning achievement. So that they, that made his awesomeness even more so. They put him in Guinness in that year. Yeah, the Guinness Book of Records, CE seventy one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. But yeah, um, it, 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 he's on top of that. I mean, one in in this show, most of the pilots didn't matter. It's the equipment that you use. Moo was like the exception. Yeah. To the rule. Yeah, because he oh. was he was taking out stuff even in the Alaska base when he was in one of the their crappy fighters. Yeah. Trying to get back to the Archangel. Yeah. He was taking out stuff. Man's so. a godsend. Yeah. <laughs> That's another flashback right there. <laughs> oh yeah. That is a, that, that is a whole lot of flashbacks. <laughs> that is yeah. 
that is definitely <laughs> a flashback. But um, what were your thoughts on the Archangel as a ship? I mean, I always I, I love that. That's one of the that's one of the boons of the series. I love how that ship looks and the way it's designed. And I mean, it, it's a Pegasus class ship, just re reimagined, but still, yeah, it's it's beautiful. I, I, I love that ship. It's fun. It's funny how that ship is like the prototype ship, and it beats all the newer versions. Yeah, of that yeah. Ship. <laughs> Even from 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 that from from that series to Destiny, it's still beating every other version of the ship. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> without rival. And it's because you know Seed was just like one big ass soap opera, anyways. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I mean, I expect that. It's like, you know, my fa- I think one of my Good favorite point. parts in that, it, it's my favorite part is like when uh, they're in the desert and they're having that party at night and, you know, Sai's pulling on Flay and she goes, I was in Kira's room the other night. And he, he, you see that background <laughs> breakdown and shit. And it's like, oh, the freeze frame and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and let's not forget the other highlight of Soul Bros, man. Punking Ooh. out the poor strike in the hangar. Oh, moment I've ever seen. Ever. <laughs> the only moment that's more pathetic than him trying to pilot the strike and falling down and crying and the strike's on its knees and he's just crying like a wussy <laughs> is the deleted episode from Gundam, the original series, where Amuro puts the Gundam on its hands and knees and ejects the core fighter and it looks like the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> oh, no. That's the I've only thing that's that. more yeah. pathetic. Yeah, that's a shame because Strike was such a badass suit, and Sai. I mean, oh, what were you thinking, Sai? That, that's more pathetic than Cuzzy leaving the ship because he can't handle the danger. No, I actually, no, no. I actually respect him to an extent that he realized that he was such a sorry character that he just had to leave the show. <laughs> what, like, what, what, what about Cuzzy trying to run out the bridge before it's about to get shot up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where the hell, where the hell are you running to? It's gonna hit you no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> It just showed how lame he was. That everyone else was steadfast and ready to face their end. And he exactly. Was the only trying to get up and run away. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's. He's. You know, it's all these other people. Even um, you know, my other favorite female character outside of uh, Captain Ramius, um, Marielia. I thought. You oh know, yeah. I thought she was the perfect like. You know, she. I. I wouldn't necessarily call her the bridge bunny, even though she was. You know, she's the cute little girl on the bridge. But you know, she was actually became a very capable soldier, you know, capable, uh, you know, uh, what is it, like, communications officer and stuff, so. Except when she went psycho and tried to go, like, yeah, that was psycho. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. That was a cool scene, though. But, just the yeah, way she, know, she, 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 she went off on that dude, boy, she did. You know what, after that scene, though, I knew they were going to hook up. Oh. <laughs> situation of the situation, the 603 were given these, these really crappy weapons. <laughs> But the thing is, they weren't crappy. They were good if they were given the resources they need. The German gun was not a bad weapon. In it episode wasn't. two, the uh, tank that sort of like, sort of Lysionic gun tank, that was a freaking awesome weapon. That was my yeah. favorite of the three. That was that was the one. And with the, the, the tic-tac pill-popping pilot. <laughs> yep. I mean, that guy was kicking ass. I mean, this guy took down six Zaku single-handedly yep. with this gun tank kind of thing that was yeah. way better than a gun tank. It was. But hey, he didn't hey, have hey, the proper... Hey, 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 hey. gun tank's a piece of crap. Hey! Long Look. live the Hildolfer. Um... <laughs> I'm not even getting into this, man. Hey, this is, this wasn't is... it awesome when that freaking tank... I know. ...like just burst its armor and a freaking half-mobile suit jumps out of it? Yes. Like, oh my god, what the heck is this? Yes, it was, but do not... 
discount the the smirch gun tank. Yeah, the smirch gun tank. I I am I am besmirching the gun tank. Oh. And, Come on. And, and like the Moon Knights, I'm giving it the finger as hard as I can. Oh, hey man. man. In Federation vs. Zeon, it's one of the best things to have. Somewhere oh, high- no, no doubt. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's ugly and it's stupid. And hey, better. you've so, never seen... Uh, yeah, I'm sure you've seen the shark custom, though. So it, it got even better with that. Somewhere Hayato is crying. Yeah, I'm crying. <laughs> but, yeah, back and, to... And Ryu's probably crying, too, but nobody cares about him. Oh, damn. <laughs> and but, then... Is, uh... Raul LaCruce, and he is uh, featured in uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. We talked about that just uh, recently. And in flashback form in Destiny. Oh, oh yeah, mad flashback form. He is the... Uh, <laughs> Playing uh, Ghost Chess. <laughs> <laughs> he is the Liquid Snake of Gundam. And <laughs> now he is. He, he, uh, <laughs> I expected the end battle between him and Moo with his shirt off, duking it out on top of some some wrecked mobile suit. But of course, uh, we didn't get that. Sad. Just, but um, just gave a great image to all the Yaoi fans. <laughs> no, um, Ali Al Sausage. Um, sausage. <laughs> Ali Al Sausage. <laughs> Ali Al Sausage. <laughs> But wait, he's a Muslim. <laughs> yeah, he can't eat, he can't eat pork. <laughs> he doesn't do pork. No pork on his fork. <laughs> but um, Ali Al Sausage. He's also not supposed to drink alcohol, but I don't think oh, he gives boy. a crap. Boy, he's yeah. drinking. He's drinking Jack Daniels like he was his best friend. <laughs> Probably his only friend because he can't kill Jack Daniels. Oh, he can't kill Jack, man. That would, that would, that would make him commit suicide. But no, <laughs> Ali is the man. He he does so much with so little time on screen. I mean, when he shanked Saji's sister in the rainy alley and left her bleeding there, like Jack the Ripper dude, it's like, oh my god. I, the, my favorite scene with him in it, besides when he kills the Trinity Brothers, <laughs> is the scene in the car with Saji's sister. Okay, when he slowly reveals that he is Hannibal Lecter. I'm a warmonger. <laughs> he slowly reveals that he is Hannibal like Lecter to this chick. Gundam and, engines. And, and that boy from Kruges. <laughs> Kruges brat. Yeah, I trained him and brainwashed him. Not, it was me. Not since when Faye sat next to Vicious have I seen eyes mm. that wide. <laughs> Yeah, I it, hadn't it's thought about exactly that, but that's like a good that. example. It's Woo, the, one of the dude. best examples. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Sunrise, for that. Yeah. And um, and he was not cool. But my number one, my number one, hmm. and he is a recent entry, mad recent, man. He's still fresh, man. Alejandro Corner, the quasi-trays, man. Uh. He was terrible, man. This guy, he had gold-embroidered um, communication screens, man. He was he he was he was such a frilly dude, man. I yeah. mean, he, he was cool at the beginning of Double Low. He was there. Yeah, he was creepy. Was he was creepy because he kept the company of a young boy. Yeah, he, he was. He was a bit of a pedal like, bear. I, you know, it's he, he, what he, God brought you down to me and all he, this. It's like he oh, was a Nambla. God. He was a Nambla member. We know this. Oh, <laughs> my creepy senses are going off. But this guy, he falls so hard at the end, even. He even has the balls to use a gold suit, <laughs> a gold suit, and he has like the he has the he has like the Uber weapon from Giggle. And a golden gun, and, a, and gold, a golden pilot suit, and the, a golden yeah. everything. The dude had a gold Luger, man, and he even shamed that. It's it's amazing. But it, like at the beginning of the show, he was cool. Up to the the recap, he was cool because you didn't know what he was about. And then when he revealed what he was about, when he shot Aelia Shenberg, his stock continued to fall from that point. And then when he got absolutely punked by Setsuna at the end of the show. 
I thought that was fitting. I actually and then, got more punk by Ribbons. Yeah, exactly. Ribbons. And, and, and I love Ribbons to this day for when he rubs it in his face. <laughs> it, it was almost reminiscent to when Char completely pooped on um, <laughs> when completely pooped on uh, Dharma towards the end. And uh, he went out dying with those last words, man. It was excellent. Mainly mecha anime. Um, we primarily, of course, talk about Mobile Suit Gundam and all its many series. Um, also, um, we talk about other mecha shows, like the, um, some of the latest ones, like Gurren Lagann and and um, and Code Geass. If you're familiar with that, on uh, that very uncomfortable. That's right. That's right. Give it up for Lelouch. Suzaku <laughs> What Suzaku's a bitch? Suzaku did it. 30th anniversary of a particular franchise uh, called Gundam. Maybe some of you in the audience have heard of it. No? Oh, come on. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rather obscure franchise that only has like a gazillion episodes, but I guess it's not too popular over here. Guys? <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Are they can, okay. can you all hear me now? Shout if you're alive. If you're a zombie, shout. They're distracted by the drawing. Oh, yeah. Okay, we've <laughs> got zombies in this crowd. <laughs> So just to uh, kick things off, we're going to be talking about the 30th anniversary of Gundam. The show started up in Japan in April 1979. So if you do your math, today's February 28th. We're pretty close to the, that 30th anniversary. And if you follow uh, Gundam News, a new Gundam project was just announced earlier this week. If you're familiar with the original series and the one-year war, there's going to be a new project that's set in the immediate aftermath featuring uh, Federation Task Force hunting down Xeon um, remnants from the one-year war. We don't know what the name of the show is yet or any of the details. It's probably going to be a short OAV series, and we'll be getting some more information once Gundam 00 ends within a few weeks. And, uh, oh boy, look at that whole list of stuff there. So in the 1980s, you had uh, the Gundam movie trilogy that came back and kind of uh, introduced it to a new fan base, cutting down the story, trimming some of the fat, some of the, uh, you know, super robot atrocities. G-Fighter. Gun Tank in space. Hey, Gun Tank kind of was awesome. It, what? Gun Tank was awesome. Screw the Gun Tank. It's actually really good in all the games uh, that come out later on. That's what you always say. Hey, it was awesome. Gun tank it, is it was a novelty. Only losers use the gun tank. Like the Zeta, it was never really duplicated. Counterattack. You know, the final confrontation between Amaro and Shar. And yes, they are dead, because I receive a billion email questions about it. They're dead. Face it. It's been 21 years. It's over. They're dead. You're lying. Yeah. They're dead, okay? <laughs> what? Matilda died? Man. Next question. What's your opinion on the Code Geass, like, Nightmare Frames? Have you ever seen it? What's the, our opinion, opinion the on them? Um, I actually liked them, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because for, you know, a, a, and it's debatable with uh, Code Geass, especially with the second season. It, it kind of goes beyond the real robot after a while. It becomes more of a super robot, I think, in a lot of ways. But I like the way that the frames were a lot smaller. Uh, they reminded me like of those uh, armor strikes from like Blue Gender and stuff like that. They're mobile, but yet they're not mobile, and their their mobility comes from a lot of it comes from just wheels and you know being powered like that. You know the ejection seats. I, I think they I think it really was grounded a lot more into reality because it would make sense that a shorter version you would have on Earth as opposed to like a Gundam or any mobile suit or like even the Valkyries, which are like what 16, 17, 18 meters tall. 
Um, <laughs> you know, and I, the nightmare frames were um, maybe about nine or ten. So uh, shorter I, even. Each, were they Four shorter? Or five. Yeah. So I, I thought they. I thought it was a great um, a great design. And, um, you know, was really grounded a lot in the reality. It looks like something we could see in our, our time 50 years from now. So, I think um, there were some great designs in the show. I like the Nightmare Frames from Season 1 more. You know, things like uh, the Sutherland, the, the Gloucester, the Burai. Um, and then in Season 2, it started to get just a little too fanciful and gaudy, particularly the designs used by the uh, Knights of the Rounds. <laughs> And they just started to get a little too gimmicky. And then towards the end, when you get to um, the Lancelot Albion, it's like just shooting like energy spam out of its wings. It's like, oh, my God, is this the Strike Freedom Gundam? <laughs> you know, so and it's like what, what happened to, to, you know, fighting on the ground? And it's like everybody can fly now. It's like, oh, everybody's fighting over the ocean. It's Gundam Seed and Destiny all over again. <laughs> just shooting around and flying. So I was very glad at the end of the show when in the uh, final battle between Colin and Suzaku, they both ran out of energy and had to switch back to ground combat and kind of like brought the series back to where it started with, uh, you know, the nightmare frames and their land spinners. Uh, Silver, any comment on that before the next question? Um, the nightmare frames, I was a big, I was a big fan of. I, I kind of want to seek out the models for them. I, I do agree with Chris, though. Things did get a little out of hand towards the end of the show where they're flying everywhere. I kind of like the fact that they were ground pounders. But um, it's still cool. The, the designs of them were always intriguing. I love them. And um, I, I, that's all. I Pretty good episode. I mean, like you said, uh, it was kind of interesting to uh, see the, the whole different take of, um, you know, getting knocked off course. You know, instead of a, a, a descending to Earth, this was ascending out of Earth. You know, we also have to have the obligatory underwater battle with the uh, underwater mobile suits uh, versus the Gundams and all that. So, um <laughs> Kira and his uh, amazing friends who have, in the TV show, a complete flawless victory. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I think it changed a little bit in the final plus, didn't it? That's another thing that gets me, which is sort of like the laziness of this series, because there's so much stock footage used that it's, it's instantly identifiable. It's like, you know exactly, I mean, when you watch a show long enough, you know exactly when it is. They're using stock footage like, um, you know, Atherin's transformation spamming of Savior or, you know, Kira doing some kind of trick or later when Atherin gets infinite justice when he does the flipping upside down kick away the boomerang thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To the point that in the last battle, a lot of the combat that you see in the last battle in space is just recycled from... The, episode, the battles they had in Orb no less than five episodes earlier. Oh, yep. Chris, if you look closely, you could probably see Orb in the background when you're doing that in space. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, in the TV series, <laughs> when they left in that uh, Shrek Freedom turning into Freedom, which did get fixed for the special edition. Yeah. yeah. Let's start with the Archangel. That, um, throughout the course of the show, became the ship of Super Friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Onsens. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Shin was so underdeveloped, and I'll, I'll talk about him for a moment because, unlike Austin, I loved Shin at the beginning of the show. He was exactly what he should have been. He was he was hateful. He was angsty. He hated war. He himself became a weapon of destruction. And I thought he would. I thought he would. I was about to curse. I thought he would actually catch on to this somewhere throughout the course of the show, like in the third act. Oh my God! I've become exactly what 
I hated. There was a part of me that didn't want to see him have a redemption. I wanted him to because his character desperately needed it. It would have put him back in the spotlight. It would have brought the story back to him. And it would have brought the whole story full circle. And they could have saved that at the end of the show. I mean, granted, a lot lot of people hated him. And I understand he is a character that's not likable. Which I loved about him because he is a Gundam lead that pissed you off. But at the same time was interesting because they had an interesting beginning. Then the series does nothing with him at all. And that's the biggest tragedy of this show. It, it so upset me. And, 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 me, me, and Neo, me and Neo, we watched the show intently to see him break out of this. As much as we love to see Kira and Atherin have the spotlight because we like those characters from the first show, um, sh- this was Shin's show. It was intent. It was his show, and it was completely, completely robbed of him. And I just, I, I as you guys said, it was mismanagement of the, of the of the script writing team. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but they completely turned this show into fan fiction. It's it's, it's like when I hear people talk <laughs> about much. yeah. They, when I hear people talk about that fourth Twilight book, I have no interest in Twilight, but I can feel with them because I've experienced this myself in a franchise I love, Gundam. When you get this fourth season with such a kick-ass premise, and then by the middle of the second act, you get that sinking feeling where it's like oh my god we're running out of time nothing's happening what are they doing and then and we your get... show gets hijacked by mary sue and gary stew yeah, exactly <laughs> and i i don't know what to say not not to monopolize all the time i'll just run down the rest of these um atherin completely regressed throughout the course of the show um and that's <laughs> that was my favorite character in the series still even though he became a a, 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 a sack of play-doh kagali oh my god what the hell happened <laughs> She became. She, hey, I, I don't. Hey, I don't. I don't even recognize her I, in that show. Alone. I really She's don't. Going through puberty right oh, now, please. Okay? <laughs> alone, but but Adam uh-huh. Kagali is crying. Why can't you understand that? Man, she was. There was the tough ass tomboy from the first show. Yep. I mean, what what happened? I mean, she was so cool, and then she just. This became is why a we joke. can't have women in power anymore. They turn into bitches. And, Whoa! And and, and, and and oh damn, damn. The, the views of Austin Blake are not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't say all. Gundam at MHQ. Um, the destruction of the freedom, another inexcusable act. And then they replace it with the strike freedom. What? <laughs> the whole relationship between Shin and Atherin is completely screwed up because, you know, at first, um, Shin isn't happy when he finds out that uh, Atherin is, that Alex Dino is really Atherin. But then when the Break the World incident happens, the two of them are working together and they, you know, start to develop a rapport. Yeah. And they're, and they're cool with each other. I'm like, okay, this is good. I like this. And then when Athen comes back to the ship as a uh, faith member, Shin hates him all over again. For no reason, right? too. For no reason. He's like, what? This guy's back in Zaf now? Rage! And, and now he's in charge was... of me! Clips. How many freaking clip shows did we have? We already uh-huh. mentioned that. How many flashbacks? Oh my god! How many That's times? Nickel. How That's many? Yeah. Nickel. How many times did we see Nickel die, even though it has no bearing on anything in Destiny? My and opinion. how many freaking times did we see Kagali's father get immolated? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I swear that guy showed that flashback of that guy getting like burned to death. Showed right. up. M- he showed up more in Destiny dead as a flashback than he did alive in Seed. You know, you know, it's also. He died in a very manly way. You know, it's also funny was the fact that Atherin kept uh, reminiscing about how Badgerol died, even though he didn't even know where she was or never met her. 
<laughs> that is rather strange that you have characters having flashbacks about things they can't possibly know. Or people they've never met. Yeah. Um, <laughs> villains. How the hell that happened? <laughs> I do think that on the plus, I did like the Gaia. I loved mm -hmm. it to death. I think it was one the of the dog better Gundam. Scenes. Yes, the dog Gundam. Ravage. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute, the Zoid. I forgot about that. It had the, the Zoid, Zoid, Zoid mode. That one, that one works better. Yeah, don't, was... don't mention Zoids, because then a bunch of people are going to start saying, yeah. why does Chris hate Zoid so much? They, they introduced the Empresses this episode, unless they showed up previously and I didn't notice. And um, Brink Stability was piloting one of those. Um, he's um, the Howard Mason of this series, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the new Howard Mason, because he gets literally raped by Tyria. I love that scene. Even crippled said soon as oh, yeah, the I forgot to mention that I forgot to mention that he got killed. I, should, I probably should have mentioned that at some point. So. That's right. I, yeah. I got your back. I got your back. <laughs> There's the echoes of Bring's death. Um, and uh, my, my man, the innovator that looks like Eeyore Yagami. Oh, he was steamed. Yeah. The Howard Mason of innovators. Yeah, it was like, bring stability. <laughs> what was interesting, I thought about the setup of this episode, if you think about it, most of this episode takes place in the middle of the previous episode. Yeah, it that's does. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So what I like was rather than just like gloss over, you know, the beginning of the coup and just have a coup happen, like say, I don't know, uh, Destiny, <laughs> a certain uh, break the world incident that just appears out of nowhere yeah. and is gone just as fast. Right. <laughs> you know, they took a whole episode to show all of the build up to this and um, in these flashbacks. Uh, number one, uh, Wild Bear had himself a good-looking wife there. Of course, that man. he did, man. And she looks a lot like um, a lot like Soma in the face. That oh. is, I mean, that, that's that's something I noticed. But I might be in my in alone in my opinion on that one. But I can't really remember. But it, it didn't occur to me. But yeah. uh, <clears throat> what's interesting in seeing was um, the contrast of back then how Hercules was so idealistic and he thought that solar power would just make everything better, and yeah. now he's like so pessimistic about this and. What's interesting is, you know, the debate between him and Sergei brings up a question that Gundam really has never tackled, which is, of course, um, you know, if the, the citizens, you know, ignore a corrupt government and military because they're, they're prosperous, uh, does that by nature make them complicit enablers of that corruption? Yeah, you know, that was, a, that was something that hasn't been really addressed before because, if you look back in some of the previous Gundams, especially, I mean, let's you know take Zeta for instance. I yeah. mean, the the citizens were, there was a small faction of them, but for the most part, we get the impression that they're pretty much going along with what the Titans and the Earth Federation were doing at that point. So, and it applies to real life as well. I mean, a lot of a lot of a lot of countries that are not doing so well right now feel that way about the United States of America. I mean, quite honestly, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a take on kind of that mentality or that, that viewpoint. You know, we're, it, it's just, that's what it seems to me anyway. But anyway. Yeah, so I don't know if, uh, you know, the show is trying to give us an answer. Obviously, Hercules thinks the answer is yes. Yeah. But it's an interesting philosophical question that you really don't see in anime, you know, in most war shows and especially not in Gundam. Right. Yeah, because it's, it's more or less just the idea of war itself, not you know, all the other factors within it, you know. Yeah, so. and rarely is there any discussion of, you know, the citizens' role in war because they're usually just portrayed as innocent non-combatants, but, you know, it's sort of the philosophical question, are they or aren't they? Yeah, that's true. 
By the way, uh, I don't remember. Is this is this the episode where when everyone's launching and they're all thinking of something that's important to them? Yes. Uh, yes. You know, they all need the people that they love. But then when you get to Setsuna, he's thinking of Gundam, Gundam. and he's thinking of Beta. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say to you. Yeah, it's is, like is, is that not the most hilarious thing ever? I cracked up so bad. Yeah, because you, you you have like uh, what is it? Soma's like the Colonel. Saji's like Luis. Uh, Alleluia's like you know Marie. Um, All people, and then we get lock on to new, and then the tear is like Veda. We get my, down to an OS and a mech, and then <laughs> and then my Gundam. Well, you know they were all thinking about the people that matter most, the, or I should say, the things that matter most to them. So, <laughs> sorry, Marina, just not going to happen. Man, um, unless you grow 18 meters tall and get a V fin and some uh, beam weaponry, you don't have a chance in Setsuna's eyes. All, all that was. Well, hey, it's it's like the SD uh, season two preview clip yeah. <laughs> um, where Tiara and Setsuna get married, and and uh, Tiara's like, "Is it okay that I'm a robot?" Yeah. It's, it's like, that's fine. I'm a Gundam myself. <laughs> Susano can do Trans Am. It gets utterly whooped by uh, Double O Riser, and when it does. We see uh, that all along the Susanna was just a flag. It's not a flag. Say it ain't so. I'm not a flag. So it's like big surprise. The guy's wearing a mask and the suit is wearing a mask. Wow. Talk about irony. Who would have thought? Oh, Grammy. I would have written it completely different. Okay. Okay, troll. Uh, shoots ribbons in the head. Good old mm-hmm. headshot. Damn. Extra points. Get achievement for that. Xbox achievement. Yeah, he did. Got an achievement and a trophy. Yeah, he's dual console. Yeah, that is a dual console game. <laughs> he split his wig, so uh, he 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 uh, he kills uh, ribbons and then triumphantly declares now that the plan, which used to be uh, Aeolia's plan and then became Alejandro's plan and then became Ribbons's plan, was now his plan. It was just, oh, I don't, I don't know. And of course, um, Chris's favorite element, the um, the Uber weapon, got introduced this episode, devastating the battlefield, the celestial being, I guess. Yeah, but you know what? I, I'd have to say of of this one and Memento Mori, at least they kind of scaled these things down a little bit, and they made them make a little bit more sense. At least it's not the Destiny Project. <laughs> Uh, Requiem. Re- oh, Requiem. Requiem. <laughs> and way, way, way far away in Jupiter, there's a couple of green lights glowing. Oh, man. Is it Ziendo? Is it Zapawa? It might be Zapawa. <laughs> Something's rotten in Jupiter, man. Yeah. So uh, let, let, let's, we're not going to end with uh, Sobro, because he'll, he'll end it up for us with his I liked it. So you first, Paul. You know, like you said, it was really great to see the fact that they kept Exia. You know, you've been wondering since pretty much when did Exia get retired? Like what season two or episode? First two? episode of season two. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you've been wondering where the heck that it's been, and it would make sense that even though it is an older suit, it still has some use, and right. it would make sense that they rebuilt it. And like you said, it it, it was pretty cool to see that. And that the final battle when they're just, you know on the moon and you know you got Setsna with the GM blade in front of him and then you have basically the O Gundam with the shield and the beam saver looking so much like the RX seventy eight. Oh, I'm man. like, what the eerie. heck? That was really cool and it, it kind of harkened back a little bit to 
to uh, the season R2 of Kogias, even though they didn't go to old suits. But they, you know, Callan and uh, Suzaku had that fight where it was just, it was back to the way it was. They were ground you know, All the gimmicks are gone. Yeah, the, there's no, no trans, you know, in this case, there was no Transam, no yeah. fancy weapons. It was just, you know. You and me on the Rifles and beat sabers. Yeah. So. I'd have to say, uh, having watched this episode several times, it's probably one of the best Gundam finales I've ever seen. Because, as I said before, you know, since all of these things got uh, taken care of in the second-to-last episode, you know, you didn't have, like, in other shows, like, uh, say, in the case of Seed, where it's like there's all this stuff they're trying to resolve up until the very last minute, and it's like the second the fighting ends, the series ends. I really hate endings like that. Yeah. Like I said, I think when we talked about the end of Season 1, I was actually, I would not have been, uh, had a problem if it would have ended at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as it was a departure in season one, it ended up becoming a Gundam show in season two, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, and, and people shouldn't take it like, you know, it's like, oh, it's the suck. But it became, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a different show, season one, and then it just harkened back to, you know, what it is. It's a Gundam show. You have to... You have to pay homage if you're going to have that name, you know, for what you are. Season two, though, is a little bit like um, it's the reverse of like uh, Kogi SR2 with me, where that one started off a little slow and ended up pretty fast paced. This one ended, I, I, I was, it was a little bit more intense for me in the beginning. Even though it had a great ending, the ending was, still wasn't as intense as season one. And I still didn't have the full intensity that I had the beginning of season one, uh, season two. In terms of top five Gundam, my top five Gundam shows, uh, it can't crack it yet. Oh. I, I think it's, um, you know, mine go first Gundam, Zeta, X, G, and Turn A. And it's funny because I actually watched, uh, rewatched Zeta and uh, Turn A during the time of season two of Double O. And I mean, I'm just like, you know, it, it just can't. It can't crack it, and it, I'd have to revisit it in a couple of years because that's going to be the true testament of the show is does it still work five or ten years from now? Is it still going to invoke the same feelings or even even more better ones? I believe that it was the best follow-up, though, for the, the problem that was Destiny. I know <laughs> Destiny was a very popular show in Japan, but I think Destiny killed the appeal of Gundam throughout the rest of the world, and if they went to the route of having a repeat if this was a repeat of destiny i think it might have been the end of pretty much the appeal of gundam outside of the the country of japan i probably would have held back if that's what i went through if this was destiny part two i'd have been like i would not have been looking forward to the next new show Hmm. um i'm looking forward to the movie i hope that it's a solid separate story you know but we'll see i'm not going to really speculate but in terms of like uh, a rating scale, I would say maybe a little under a four. Um, were there things I liked about it? Yeah, there's some things I didn't like about it, but that's everything. And I think it's helped because it's really revitalized the feeling of Gundam through the countries outside of Japan. And I think that's what Sunrise needed and what Bandai needed. And um, But all these people that were saying, oh, it should have been this way or it was a suck, I, you know, I don't see it. I mean, it, it just wasn't. Like I said, it's not perfect, but it's it's not a horrible piece of crap either. I mean, there's other than that, I mean, there's not much more I can say. Sucks. When it comes to hot blooded, you mean pizza? Well, well, I'm not pizza. I'm not pizza. Yeah, Soldat J and uh, King Jader, which is one of the most awesome robots ever. That giant space battleship that turns into a giant 
freaking robots. When that thing first transforms, you're just on my jaw like dropped. I'm like, oh my god. I mean, after all this other stuff that I'm being exposed to, you're gonna have a giant battleship become a giant with uh, the boomerangs of death. There, dude had his own personal SDF Macross, dude. It was awesome. Oh. <laughs> I, I never wanted a toy or something so much in my life as when I saw King Jader appear on screen for the oh first time. Oh, my God. And, and Rich was another thing that was great about it. You know, the, um, the little commercial breaks, they never repeated. It was, they always showed a different toy or a different form or something. With, with English they never stats replayed it. for a Japanese audience. That's yeah. what tripped oh. me out. <laughs> my God. It's Perfect. like you, you're just sitting there and like, man, you, you know that Christmas, that first Christmas. But those toys are out, man. Flying some, off the shelf. There are some poor parents. You can't even in, find them now. Japan. You can't even find them now. They're 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 completely out of print, of course. And um, well, it has been fun. twelve years. Yeah, it yeah. has been. But I mean, I mean, they must have been flying off the shelves back when the show was on. Quan a couple so. years ago had at FOT had the King Jader. Damn. And the box was huge. It was as big as you thought it would be. Damn, dendrobium big. Bigger than that. Damn. I mean, if if you're gonna want to watch something, and and we won't we won't ruin the ending mm-hmm. of Gal Gargar like we did with Kogias. <laughs> don't, don't say don't say we and include us in it. It was you. Hey, that was <laughs> that was all you. Don't try to make us your accomplices. Hey, we 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 are we are a triumvirate. Speak for yourself, buddy. <laughs> Doesn't really matter now. I gotta beat that all out. You know that, right? No. But uh, Zaku did it. No, he didn't. I get to use Snoop's new type sound. Beautiful. Uh, okay, so let's let's Gundam than anything else, and that's um, mother and child dying in some kind of cataclysmic event. They always Tomino's a master at this, yes. but he always focuses on when a colony gets destroyed or a place gets nuked. There's always a mother cradling the child as she gets sucked out to zero g gravity or um, <laughs> yeah. or gets nuked or in uh, the Macross variation, um, soldier and child. Yes. <laughs> Well, I do remember. Um, I do remember in Destiny there was a Soldier and Child episode too. I was think there? in Berlin. Yeah. Oh man! When I think the, it was in Berlin. Yeah, the the big Zom. Yeah, the Soldier and Child. Freaking so. awesome! That, that always that always that always gets me excited for the cataclysm. That or um, that or the the other variation of that would be dog or cow that gets sucked out of the colony. Yes, with their legs going. Which is which is another funny one. Anytime funny. kids die. Yeah. <laughs> Just like seeing. Of course, ridiculously complicated super weapon of doom. Oh, yes. I think one of the best examples is uh, Requiem from Destiny. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're going to build this like super giant cannon thingamajig on this one side of the moon. And to like make it shoot to stuff on the other side of the moon, we got to like have all of these like cylinders from ruined colonies to act as sort of like little like repeaters. Yeah. Or like little reflectors to... Uh, bounce the uh death ray <laughs> off of it and make it like shoot around in like five directions just to go the other direction which i'm thinking to myself gee you know you know jabril and all these guys who hated coordinators so much wanted to kill them why not just build it on the side of the moon that faces all of the plants yeah I mean, exactly. that just be a lot simpler yeah or, or wait to the rotation of the moon faces it or i mean yeah it didn't make any sense it just seems like needlessly complicated. That and the other one that is, is related to that, and probably the genesis of it, is the original solar ray system with all those little individual mirrors. You, you had to get it all perfect, where they'd all be in a perfect line. Because, you know, if if that thing fired and one of those things were out of place or back too far or something like that, 
it would probably be disastrous. Yeah, but it worked. And it it's, did and work. It was, yeah. it was it was like the low rent version because um, the solar system. Because then Xeon made the solar ray, and they had to evacuate an entire colony and turn it into a giant laser. So I think the Federation got the better end of that bargain. Yeah, it's just funny with those those doomsday weapons because you know they they make for for these sides that make these quick. And, and, and great mobile suits that are fast and, and very powerful to make these giant weapons that take an episode or two to reload or to recharge and, you know, are just so enormous, almost too big yeah. to even control. Uh, s- similar on, on stupid giant weapons in original Gundam, uh, Giren's uh, Dolos class. Like, here, let's make this ginormous ship that can hold, like, a zillion mobile suits but only has a couple of decks to launch them. Yeah. <laughs> And, and really no cannons to protect itself. And hardly any protection, and we built two of these monstrosities, and they both got destroyed. And, and let's put them on point of the attack, of the yeah. counterattack. Sounds you know, like how he's uh, designed it. Because, you know, the, the American Navy puts all, the, um, all their aircraft carriers right up front. In the, in the front lines of the battle there. And, and, and it's a giant carrier that holds, like, like 300 Raptors, and it can only launch, like, one every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with very patriotic, untrained pilots. Talk about bottlenecking. <laughs> but, ma'am, they're very patriotic. Like, well, that's nice, I guess. Soul Bro Ryu. Yo, what's going on? And in the corner here, Neo. Como estas? <laughs> Me llamo es Neo. Whoa! Hey, get to the flip. Get up, stay. <laughs> Get to the flag. <laughs> Boo, soul bro. Boo is man. You're welcome. Uh, welcome back to the show that's up in your ear like Khan Nooney and Singh. That's right, Gundam <laughs> at MAHQ. And this special episode that's continuing, we're going to talk about um, an unexpected hit. <laughs> unexpected uh. hit. Well, um, an underdog hit of the summer season. Underdog? Underdog hit? Really? Yeah, hey, all I know is... Dude, you're using like the totally wrong adjectives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Star Trek this segment, the new feature film um, reboot by J.J. Abrams and, and the Boo. staff at um, Paramount. Um, and we're just going to be <laughs> giving all of about the movie. And, um, <laughs> is it going to go as well as the last live action movie we reviewed? Oh, yeah. Man, you you right. better have no, no, this. No, don't say it. Don't, don't say it. it. <laughs> well, that, don't say it. But, that guy, say but that guy's in this movie. The, 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 that is, or that Iraqi dude that. From what movie? I don't know what you're talking about. From Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man. I never Man. heard it. It's all right. It didn't happen. He was the baddie in Iron what, Man. What, you mean like Gundam U? Shh. Oh. <laughs> never mind. Of course. Um, the studio audience will be joining us in this conversation this time. <laughs> will we ever? Basically, we're all going to give our. Uh, Who, who's our special you? guests tonight, Solbro? Since, yeah, you, since you neglected to mention them. All right, well. Or, or ourselves. Our special guests can go around the room. Because we'll it's all about me, 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 Solbro, Solbro, Solbro. Yeah, he doesn't need us anymore. Well, this is uh, Pedro Bear South, uh, Pedro from Tomapop.com. This is Austin from the Hatergon. <laughs> <laughs> I like General Hate from the Hatergon. General Hate from the Hatergon. General Hater from the Hatergon. And uh, Solbro, I'm sorry about that last crack. 
No, you're not. No, you're not. It was uncalled for, but it still felt good. Say it again so it's on tape. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) If you guys are wondering what I said to him, it's basically that Vic. Vic who? Who cares? (laughs) Vic somebody from a certain industry where people talk and it's recorded to film. Edric Elwerk's voice. Voice actor. Wow. Vic the Pussy Voice actor. I'm sorry I said that. I'm so sorry. That, you know, he was Vic the Baker. Me that he can be one of soul bros men. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 I'm sorry. No. I, want, I wonder who uh, Austin's talking about. I, I don't know who that is. The voice of are you going to tell me next that King Kong falls off the Empire State Building at the end no, of the movie? No, because you just did. <laughs> Are you going to tell me that... And, and guess what? Darth what? Vader was Luke Skywalker's father at the end of Empire Strikes Back. No! Neo, man. Fresh out of spoiler country. Yes. <laughs> and Bruce Willis was actually dead in, d- during just the success. Just, just done. No, and just Jack done. dies at the end of Titanic, too. <laughs> The ship sinks. There you go. Finn. And our last special guest. That's it. There's no more. <laughs> and Romeo and Juliet die at the end of Romeo and Oh, no way. <laughs> the Wonder. The Wonder. That's it. From level nine. Welcome. Um, it, there is a little bit of loss to the... Yeah, you know, I think I could mention the... the um, the ending of the show. It's We've not like, spoiled it like what's spoiling twenty six years after the fact. <laughs> I thought I thought this was the Lelouch is dead type of thing. Which, by the way, he is dead. You know the thing about Todd Guinness that makes him kind of interesting is mm-hmm. even though he's like the ace rival mm-hmm. and and he's you know with the bad guys, he's not a bad guy himself. Not a really. Yeah, you know, he doesn't do any of like the asshole things that all these other guys do. It's just sort of like he just started off on the wrong side. And got stuck there and stayed there. He he's kind of like show in the fact that yeah. he doesn't really care. The only thing is he does get more of a kick out of piloting yeah. than show. You know, show for the most part he doesn't want to pilot. You know, of course, just like in any of these robot shows, he ends up being one of the best pilot. You know, having the potential, especially with the aura power. But yeah, I'd have to agree that with um, Todd Guinness. I mean, he's much better than who really uh, replaces him at the end as the chief rival. The loser villain of loser villains, <laughs> burn burnings. Well, uh, the thing. Let's, the, why don't we discuss burn that, now that we're on that topic? Because oh. this guy's a piece of cake right here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll come back to talk against them. But um, go ahead. Uh, what were you after Zeta? Mm-hmm. If you look at it, uh, Dunbine in several ways is kind of like the prototype of Zeta. Oh yeah, yeah it is. And Show is kind of like he's like a prototype, like angrier version of Camille. Mm-hmm. Whereas Camille, like you know, softens up a bit later on in in the series and and rounds off some of his rough edges. Show's kind of just like an anti social dick for most of the show. Yeah. Well, with and he kind of does soften up later on, but you know, you still see some of that even towards the end of the show. Well, I think the best story arc for, was show, for show is when he went back home for those few episodes, and I guess he was coddled by his mom his whole life, and his father was the hard ass, but it was nice to see the paradigm shift when he went back home and his father was like all in his corner, and his mother thought he 
was like some kind of um, alien poster yeah. replicant. Yeah. replicant. And yeah. in the in the point in time where she pulled the gun on him, that I think was like a changing point in Show's demeanor. Because you know he would have never thought that would ever happen. And then to go home and get completely alienated by the one person that gave him support all his life, I think that really effed with him. And you know it's just another Tomino classic um, character screw over. But <laughs> it was it was an interesting episode for. Um, for for show and I, I I like that episode of the series a lot. Well, but, um, it's it's funny that you say that with the characters because you you do kind of get that. I, I get uh, Todd Guinness is a more likable Jared. You know, Jared's Jared's not too unlikable guy, but you know, oh, he's very unlikable. Todd Guinness is a is a more likable because he's he's more of the rival. You know, but he doesn't have that that arrogant streak like uh, Soroko or any of those. You know, who were like the true rivals. He was a comical guy, and yeah. and, 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 and and it's like from from jump when they were all in that cart together. When Show was saying, "This can't be real. This can't be real," and Todd just punches him in the eye. Yeah, <laughs> saying, "Is this real for you, Japanese?" And, and, call, and calls him Jap. It's like wow. <laughs> this guy don't. This guy does not hold his tongue for anything. Is he? I always call him the um, the Archie Bunker of anime, and it, it, and it was part of it. And oh, it, yeah. it was perfectly explained it when he when they said he was from Boston. That was the best. It's like okay, I completely I completely understand this character now. Yeah. The best scene re- having to do with Todd Guinness in the show to me is when Drake Love says, "We will spare the town of Boston in memory of Sir Todd Guinness." <laughs> That's well, really that, that's really cool. That brings up a good thing is like and and this is where for the most part the show is pretty want to um talk about this because he kind of was introduced to his kill em all mentality with um especially with, uh, with Idion. Uh but I think it probably really gets cemented uh with this show and then later on um with Zeta. So um thoughts on uh, the ending of Dunbar. <laughs> Every Everybody dies <laughs> except for one person. Except, except for somehow the fairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's big excitement on on the nightly news that she's alive. <laughs> yeah, she becomes a celebrity. After yeah, that, apparently. exactly. But um, there's a real cold death in the last episode, and I won't say who it is, but dude, there's just there's cold oh, deaths well, all yeah. over the place. Well, one it's can, 26 years after the fact. Well, if, if you have Neil seen Gibbons it, is laugh is is happy as hell because they finally killed Drake Luft. He's been trying to kill this guy the whole time. <laughs> as he's going, he's dead. He's dead. Drake Luft is dead. Ah! He gets murdered. Neil Gibbons, the um the yeah. spokesman for Lucky Charms. Yeah. But <laughs> but no um just finished on buying. I get to watch another series and then yeah you're looking you're looking forward to watching this oh yeah and then you're like wow what what (laughs) (laughs) what happened (laughs) even with the synopsis that i read and from the japanese new type that was translated two weeks earlier Mm -hmm. i still don't know what the heck is going on but well well, well, what would you guys kind of say i guess in closing with um you know about or a battler dunbine especially dunbine good sequels not good Thank you, thank you, Hulk. Any other closing thoughts? I, I would pretty much say the 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 same thing. Burn burning's bad. <laughs> oh, Todd, smash! Todd Guinness, good. Todd Guinness, racist. Todd Guinness. <laughs> Graham Aker. Graham Aker's the loser villain with skill. The thing about the the reason why I'm kind of hesitant to call GJ uh, a loser villain is that the archetype of the loser villain to me has two components. Yeah. One keeps losing to the main character. 
two is really petty and small-minded, and EJ is not yeah. the second. Yeah, he's not petty and small-minded. Actually, Graham is a little petty and small-minded. Later on, because he goes yeah. crazy. I never really thought him in that aspect. I thought of him as more of the turncoat, you know, the um, you know the Benedict yeah. Arnold type of guy. Mm-hmm. And he en- he ends up. I know Solbro is just nodding here, just because he does. He just wants to look cool. <laughs> <laughs> but one of these days when you when you watch Ideon, you'll understand. I mean, he's not he was never really unlikable as a buff clan. Yeah. And then when he gets moved over to the solo ship and he's with the forces, I mean, this guy is he ends up being the rock, the rock of the you know really? of, of the Ideon, pretty much. Yes. I, I, pretty I cool. think so. And you know, he goes out in grand glory. He does. So that's why I'm hesitant to call him a loser villain because he does have, you know, a good personality and, and a noble spirit. He just has a little shade of loser villainy and that he keeps losing. Well, but and the he fa- is a skilled guy. And the fact that he's the only buff clan guy that shows up that doesn't die within one episode. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Because every other guy pretty much just, you know, with this. Because they all say, I will use blank new stupid looking buff clan mecha to beat the giant god ha ha yeah. ha ha <laughs> yeah and then 15 minutes later damn you giant god boom we are the wonder twins of the buff clan we shall take down the giant god pretty no, much no you won't <laughs> you will die yeah so uh moving forward matt cross uh, the fat ball guy in seven but the, I forget that guy's name. The guy uh, Gigio. that Gigio. Yeah, he was kind of a loser villain too. Definitely a, a loser villain uh, in in one respect of being focused on somebody is uh, Glavil. Yeah, the, the furry guy. Yeah, because he keeps getting blown up with the exact same stock animation by Gamlin. <laughs> yes. <Gamblin> episode. <laughs> Pretty for much. For like twenty episodes in a row, and then finally he gets the jump on Gamlin and, and nearly kills him one time. And then he gets uh, Spiritia drained. Yeah, and then he gets stuck on uh, City Seven. Wow. For a while there, too. but <laughs> Yeah, he would definitely be loser villain and everything always because it's like, the beauty of this, the beauty of that. It's like, yeah, how about the beauty of losing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy is like, he. Sh- there, there's a period there, like the first like 15 episodes, Soul Bro, mm. he shows up in every episode. Good Lord. And it's just like, you know, he's got the upper hand, they got the upper hand, up, oh, oh, they find him back. <laughs> like the beauty of revenge. Yeah, I will be back. Severance. Yeah. I've got animal, animal spirit child. <laughs> Nice. How about we mention a guy who has to pull up with a lot of crap but never gets any love, Kojiro Murdoch from Seed and Destiny. I was just about to ask about the, him. The, the, grumpiest, the grumpiest mechanic on Earth. There you go, Menda. Understandably why. I mean, <laughs> look at this ship that you're on with all these punk kids, especially Kira Yamato. Actually, oh the God. only kid that he got along with was Marielia. That's true. Remember, they used to like they would do like joke around with each other because that's because he was a secret pedal bear. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, you'd have he to was, do. He was the Lou Grant of mechanics. It's like Mariella, you got spunk. You, you know, I hate spunk. <laughs> and I think one of his best moments was when uh, one of my favorite moments with him was when uh, when Cy Argyle pathetically tried to use the strike Gundam. <laughs> He's got it down its knees, and Murdoch's like, "The heck is this moron doing?" Yeah. <laughs> He, he was the audience at that point. Why is this? Why is this dumb little whiny bitch making more work for me? Oh, sigh, sigh. Don't worry, man. You really had to feel for Murdoch too, because he pro- it probably at the beginning looked all right because he knew, you know, Moo was kind of a laid back dude. He didn't really ask for much, but then you gotta like peel Kira out of the strike because he's crying. Probably had to clear off tears off the view screen so much and well, off he, all the dials. He respected Moo because Moo gave him the least amount of work to do. Yeah, that too. And then and then all of a sudden Kigali's wrecking the Sky Grasper every... Uh... She gave him the most amount of work to do. <laughs> 
every every other episode she's getting shot down in the sky grasps. <laughs> Hey, in her defense, she actually started out just fine in the Sky Gasper, and then when the plot demanded it, yeah. she became sucky because she had to get stranded on the island to meet Atherin and fall in love with him. I forget what uh, internet site it was, but it was when the, it was pretty much when that show was going on. Somebody said, because hers was Sky Grasper number two, they said it was like the most unlucky vehicle ever in Gundam because it, it wouldn't get put out of its misery. It would just keep... Uh, <laughs> like until Atherin put it out of its misery. <laughs> That's true. In a spine-tingling way. Or you might say in a head-shattering way. <laughs> <laughs> Heads up, Toll. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. So uh, one of my, my more favorite uh, recent mechanics is the lovably rascal himself, Ian Vashti from Double O. Yes. He's kind of in that Murdoch kind of clone where the, these are the guys that are visibly like older, like even like close to... I think Ian was like, what, middle-aged almost, pretty and much? And he's a dirty pervert, too. And he was a dirty... Yeah, he was a dirty he's pervert. Got, he's got a really hot young wife and... Um, Teenage daughter. Little cute daughter. And you see, like, uh, Moe daughter. Yep. And I recall from this early episode in season one where they're all on a boat and Sumeragi's just laying out there in a little tiny uh, swimsuit. And he keeps trying to, like, like get a look at the goods, but Aleluya keeps cock-blocking him. Yeah. Uh. You just see him in the background. They're talking about, like, the mission plan for which intervention they're going to do. And Ian's just trying to get a look at them boobies right there. Yeah. And Aleluya keeps blocking him. Like, dude, Aleluya, what, what are you doing, man? Which, which, which makes it funny, the fact that you'd have to try to take a look at it because she never wore anything. So it's like it wasn't one of these things like you were trying to see what was under the hood. You know, yes, but when 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 yeah. you're a pervert, oh yeah, even when they hardly wear anything, you still always want to see more. Well, like it, for example, uh, the uh, the beach scene in Gurren Lagann, where <laughs> all of the dudes were commenting about how Yoko already wears so little. What could she possibly wear as a bikini? And then they're so disappointed when they see her actually wearing more. Yeah, you know, you know, Alleluia was trying to test him. He was trying to make him use his peripherals. <laughs> Yeah, but he 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 was he was he was a great guy because he you know he he took he took grumpiness to the uh, the next level because he, he he was pretty grumpy himself even though why you'd be grumpy after we said all the all the good thing all the positives he had in it but you know that the Ptolemaeus and uh, you know the standout scene is when he got hurt and then he wakes up and there's a big hole in the side of the Ptolemaeus and, and there's just like a like a mountain range outside where there should be a wall he's yeah. like what the hell's going on here and no, and no one listened to him Setsuna you know don't don't try don't turn on Trans Am with the twin drive okay I'll do it out of the launch bay <laughs> You can blow up. You can blow up the double O. Okay, I'll do it while I'm still inside the ship. You could, you, you could, you could like shatter time space by doing this, and uh, you know, I'll just do it in the launch bay. He, he was like the Egon of um of, of mechanics, man. Don't cross don't, the streams. Don't cross the streams. Yeah. <laughs> or or Doc Brown, don't don't let the Jennifers meet. Yeah. <laughs> could create a, a space time paradox. <laughs> and, uh, hey, Setsuna learned his lesson because you know when he kept transamming. And, and then the freaking thing broke down in the middle of the ocean. Ian's like, hey, what'd I tell you, punk? <laughs> not tell you about the Trans Am. It'll get you, you killed. Didn't listen. It's not finished. Oh, Ian. <laughs> Many props to him. And then you got, uh, what was it, the... Uh, Omer Fang, man. Yeah, Omer. Omer Fang, man. The, the guy that likes to bring a gun to a knife fight by... Uh, or in this case, a, a bazooka to a locked door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we want the prisoner alive. Okay. Boom. That, that scene is still fresh it's in like, my mind. It's like... Did I overdo it? <laughs> well, the look he gives to Sailor, she's just like, I was well, okay. I, w- I was wondering what Sailor was doing. You can imagine she was saying, Omer, what the? <laughs> <laughs> right before he shot it. <laughs> you di- 
All you need to do is just shoot the lock. It's like, dude, <laughs> you probably killed him. And, he, she, and she was probably right. In this segment, not one of our favorite subjects, death, which is such an uplifting and wonderful subject. Wouldn't you gentlemen agree? Yeah. yeah Seems appropriate in the week that we're recording this. Yeah, especially this week. <laughs> With death, because uh, this is the week of uh, many O uh, celebrities taking uh, taking one for the team. Wow. It's like uh, it's like Yoshiyuki Tamino got loose in Hollywood somewhere. With he he got a copy of the Death Note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Tamino is light Yagami. Howard or Kira Stern. is Tomino. Howard Stern must be making a killing this week <laughs> with his death pool. Well, um, I, I think I have my funny death now. What would that I be? Think. Granted, when I saw it as a child, it wasn't nearly as funny as I see it now. <laughs> I, I don't remember his Japanese name, but um, I'm sorry, Chris. Forgive me. You can correct me when I say it. When I watched Robotech as a child, Ben Dixon's death. Oh, Kakazaki. Kakazaki. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Even funnier. <laughs> let's, go with, you- let's go with throttle up. I can't. <laughs> Even even funnier. It's not as funny in a TV show as it is in Do You Remember Love. Oh, yeah. It's because hilarious. He- hey, Hikaru, what's up for you? <laughs> Y'all scared now because you're in love? Blah! Homie is on, on Hikaru's um, display. You see Max on one side. You see um, Kakazaki on the other. Yeah. And he's just on there talking crap about, you know, um, about Min-Mei Hikaru being with Minmay and, you know, just, just not minding his own business. And next thing you know, a stray laser just blows him up. It's funny because you can see his his display as he you can becomes see his face disintegrate. It disintegrates as he's exploding. As you see his jet ahead of ahead of Hikaru's exploding, and it's like, wow, wow, that was sudden. <laughs> it wasn't a dramatic moment. It wasn't a TV show. And as a kid, I looked at that in horror. But looking back on it now, it's funny. They it even make hilarious. fun. Of, they make fun of it in Macross Frontier. Yeah, a, a, indirectly. The, the, the Valkyrie pilot's curse. Yeah. Don't talk about love while out on the battlefield. <laughs> but that's 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 my second one right there. So I will go with one of the obvious ones that's been mentioned uh, quite a few times, I think, on this podcast. Uh, Mueller Miguel from Victory Gundam. Oh, oh my God. You know, you just gotta love the setup that Uso's mother is being held hostage yeah. by the Zanskare. Yeah. And um, there's a mobile suit that's holding her, and the pilot gets killed, but the mobile suit still has its grip on her, and yep. it's sitting on top of one of these wheeled battleships. And the second that a truce gets announced, like, there's this crash, and the mobile suit gets knocked into the air. And then this other tired battleship runs over the mobile suit and runs her over and beheads her. Uh And you see the helmet flying off with a trail of blood coming after it. And then after this whole aftermath of the battle, uh, Uso runs over and everyone's holding this bloody helmet. Wow. And they're all looking inside of it. And then he looks inside of it. And, uh, of course, you never see anything, but that's the most screwed up part because it's the things you don't see they're the worst because your mind makes it worse than what would have been shown. It was like seven. Yeah. yeah. It was like the end of seven. On top of that, she, yeah. ex- she experienced the Rube Goldberg of death. Machine of death. <laughs> yeah. And it's just oh. so ridiculous and, and convoluted and horrible. And, then, and you're just seeing that like, oh, my God. And, and, and you're seeing and all of the kids start crying. And it's like, oh my god, what is this? What are you doing to me? And that's not even near like the bloodbath at the end of the show when everybody starts dropping like flies. It's like, man. Yeah. The games and stuff, I don't even know if we're going to get some of those. Probably not. We'll probably get one, one crappy or two. game. Yeah, the worst Maybe one. Dynasty Warriors Gundam 3. Oh, <laughs> Since you know that's going to be announced. 
wash rinse repeat. There's a reason why I stopped playing Dynasty Warriors. I used to love it, but there's a reason why I stopped playing it. Because it's the same game over and over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> but how um, many Zaku's can you kill before it gets boring? <laughs> thousands and thousands. I mean, and how thousands. many of this? How many of the same uh, you know Romboralisms can you hear again? <laughs> this is no Zaku <laughs> boy. Or, no fight Zaku. me, boy! Fight me. What did he say in uh, Federation versus? He sounded like he said something that sounded like really perverted, like "You excite me, boy." Yeah, it was something like that. It, I can't. Was, I haven't played Federation vs. Zeon in a long time, but it was something. It was something really bad, like yeah, that. Yeah, something really odd and kind of pedophilic, I think. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, pedophiles it, and Gundam go hand in hand. <laughs> Sometimes, sadly. <laughs> okay, we have a question from Zambot. Uh, what's your name, Zambot? I'm um, Jesse. What's your question? Um, well. You, last year you were here, promised that Double O would be great and you'd give me a money-back guarantee on that. Yeah. I definitely want my money back. You don't like it? Damn. Tell me, tell me Damn. about it. Tell, tell you, me, well, hold on. Get, 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 hey, hey, give him three hey, points. Austin's not, even, money. Austin's not even here yet and the hate <laughs> is coming yeah. out. So well, what, now that you've brought up this subject, what didn't you like about Double O? The problem with it is, is it was Gundam Wing, which was already really, really bad, with very, very likable bad guys. But the problem is in second season... <laughs> We're like, screw it, let's just make Gundam Wing bad guys again. And then they were like, the show went from, I was completely cheering from the bad guys, and I knew they were going to lose, but I was hoping something happened, All right. to just, just pretty boys running around with Gundams. And just keep upgrading Gundams, and that just annoys the hell out of me. And, and, this, and you find this worse than, say, Destiny? Oh, no, no, no. Destiny is much, much worse. Like, oh, Seed, <laughs> all that stuff is much, much worse. But so, hold on. I really did not like Double O. So okay, you- so... I think you guys should uh, take it outside and, and see who wins, uh, Solbro or Zambot 3. So, so what, what, what money do you want back? All the, uh, the bandwidth that you spent downloading it? Or? <laughs> I got some pocket lint. How, how, do we quant- you- how do we quantify your misery and your dissatisfaction? Yeah, or pain and suffering. Punitive I've, got, damages. I've got some pocket lint if you want it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. But, um, I mean... I guess it's not Come for on, everybody. Come on, Solbro, work yourself out of this one, because I, I do remember what he said. And I think it had a lot more soul than Gundam Wing, quite honestly. And I think there was a lot more depth to the story, even in Season 2, than Gundam Wing. Um, you may have looked at it as Pretty Boys, and that's, that kind of turned me off on the series at first when I saw screenshots and whatnot of it. But getting into the show and having a lead like no other Gundam series. I mean, you can say that he's teenage like hero. Teenage pilot? You can say, okay, teenage pilot. But I'm talking about Thanks, the fact Jordan. that he, was, he, was, he had no complaints about what he was doing. No, you know, no, you know, no regrets. Yeah, he was he he felt completely justified. Are, are you and what watching he was doing. the same show? He regretted killing his parents. Well, okay, I'm talking about when he became a Gundam pilot. I'm sorry. Oh God, here we like, go. Wait, <laughs> thank, thank you for picking me apart. Awesome, but no, he was he he didn't make any excuses. He knew what he was and he knew what he had to do and he did it and I think that's cool and I, I think that all the other characters had depth and insight <laughs> and I'm just gonna stop right there. Hey, so bro, why don't be handing you an IOU? Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say, give him an IOU. I just can't win. Right, I'm so a man, Zambot three. My question about Double uh, O is why is it that that Soul Bro hyped up Saji? Saji, Saji. Crossroach. Yeah, yeah, the the what what happened to King Arthur? What what happened? He, he, the, yeah, no, please he, explain. Actually, driver? we never what did happened? touch this. He got his woman. Yeah, this is all you, Soul Bro. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, he, this is all you. I'm sitting this one out. He saved the day, man. He, he so he, he went from delivering pizzas to delivering um, to, Trans Am. No. There you go. No. He, there you go, dude. It doesn't make any. So wait. He so rocked, he went to space. He, Hold on, let me get this right. He rocked He's, the back seat. All right. So so he kept the back seat warm. That's right. And and then and then in the end he like screamed for Luis and, after she deleted all the photos. And guess what, man? And, 
and then and then apparently got the girl from sitting in the back seat. And now he's in, now he's and, between the sheets. And did the job. There you go, done. And did the same job that Haro could do. <laughs> yeah. 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 What's up with that? No, I seriously, actually you, had another you guy set me, fight his You set me up him. so high, and then you let me down so much. Hey, you know what? I understand. I, I did set you up. I I, I, I pumped Saji up. I was Saji's hype man. The you know what? Kings. The Double O movie's coming out. We'll see you in 2010. All right. <laughs> and and one one last uh, one last thing. I I do believe that I owe it to everyone that. To say, hey, you know, it's it's true. Um, Lelouch died, and Suzaku did it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know if damn. he did. Bringing 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 out our, our 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 memes here in front of everybody. Why are, why are you ta- stealing my tagline of Lelouch is dead? You stole Neil's lines, man. I'm t- uh, the dude in the crate, man. It's not Lelouch. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. Just some homely dude. So uh, I think I know? think. Oh damn. You'll never come to a, you'll never listen to Gundam again. I, I, I think Sobro, we should uh, we should enlighten some of our uh, audience members here about the legend of King Arthur because Sobro um, finds an affinity with um, weak-willed losers I in do. every show that he watches. This we C- have yet to determine why. The C level character and C and level um, character. It started with Cameron Fry from Ferris Bueller. When when we when we started reviewing Double O, uh, he very uh, boisterously described. Um, the story of Saji Crossroad as being like the legend of King Arthur. Hey, man, he was, he was and let me tell you, this insanity has gone so far yeah. that if you go to TV Tropes and you look up anime nicknames, right there, under K, it says King Arthur, Gundam's name for Saji Crossroad from Double <laughs> O. That is how far this insanity with King Arthur has spread because of this man and his obsession with weak-willed pansies. Hey, man, he's the average man that rose up. About an inch, but he rose up. Let's, uh, <laughs> let, let's, let's not even, let's not even, let's just let that, let dead dogs Gosh. lie on this oh. one. Well, yeah, we'll be discussing that more yeah. in the haters versus. So do we have yeah. any more? Hard Knock Life of Toei Animation. <laughs> Mac, you know more about this one than I do. Okay, so Toei is an anime company. They make stuff like Sailor Moon and uh, One Piece. Is someone booing for One Piece? Oh, no. Who booed One Piece? What you? is wrong with you? It's the double O hater. You get the hell out of here. You get out of here too, whatever you are. It's time Damn. for an arm intervention. The hate is supposed to be one way My from God. us to you. You look like a broke ass us. nightmare from Code Geass. Oh. <laughs> Damn, Damn. <laughs> Yeah, so One Piece, which is one of the most awesome anime ever. <laughs> Bastards. Oh. Oh. The one thing you left out about, J-Con, is how badly I beat your ass in Street Fighter 4. Oh, oh. that never happened. Oh, whatever, please. Where's your replay? Uh, if it happened in... <laughs> hey, Austin. Austin, so is it? Is it if it happened in the hotel room, it didn't happen? Oh. It didn't happen. Oh, well, that, that was the only place of interest the whole time. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Chris, would you like to explain what okay. Soul Bros use... Okay, uh, Solbro and I from Gundam, uh, you know, we were here for the podcast at four o'clock. And as I mentioned to the, uh, listeners in the audience there, uh, Solbro has an affinity for, uh, weak-willed men in various anime, such that as Saji Crossroad in Gundam 00, I relate. who he has affectionately termed King Arthur because he literally compared that to the legend of King Arthur. So we actually did a segment 
a few episodes back discussing all of these useless men that he always likes to refer to as my boy or my man blank. Austin, yes. do we have that magic song for number one? Oh, yes, we do. For number one! Whoa, whoa. So, bro, I think you should close your eyes first. Yeah, and listen to the music, which you will recognize. Let's go. For number one. <laughs> Can I find the word? <laughs> Open your eyes. <laughs> Read what it says. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> I am Alpha and Omega. <laughs> so you 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 put Vic at the at the end as well, at number one as had well to. as had to had to. Your reaction at J-Con was way too great to leave it at ten and one. <laughs> this has just been your this has just been <laughs> your your venue to rip to, to rip on Vic. <laughs> now yes. for it's our time. For the audience. Now, now, I, now I gotta stand up for it. <laughs> Fight your way out. Fight your way out. <laughs> Won't be that much of a fight, but <laughs> if you really want to fight for him, man, I got stories. I got no, the stories. I'm good. I got uh, the stories. I'm good. That's what I thought. Now, right, for the audience, that. Um, that that magic song is the horrible uh, first ending song for Gundam X, and it was included just because it's so well. You heard it. <laughs> okay. You said it, not us different mangas and like we had stated earlier he's going to be in the new york anime festival from september 25th to the 27th uh, so if you have an opportunity go up there and hopefully their hurricane hits so i get shipped up to new york city and i'll pay hooky from work that day so <laughs> wow isn't that nice for you well you gotta you gotta have for a hurricane so gotta gotta hope for hurricanes because once i do that then i sell all my stuff and i move somewhere else because i'm tired of hurricanes <laughs> Gee, thanks a lot, buddy. I'll get a picture for you. I would actually would get a picture of him smashing a Gundam with him. Be like, Tamino smash. I brought you this model and a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Can we do it together, Mr. Tomino? And I'll, I'll, I'll rub his bald head for luck. But, uh, I bite you. Probably would. Nice. He seems like the biting type. Ooh, the Marv Albert type? Ouch. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Originally, they don't get along very well, but at the end, they end up, you know, having undying devotion. And she does go back at the end, right? She yeah. ends up going, she ends up having to go back. So it's kind of bittersweet in that aspect. So I hope I didn't spoil the ending of something that's been around for like 19 years. I think <laughs> not, not that long, but almost. I, it's been 13 years. I think the statute of limitations has expired on spoilers. Yeah, it's, I, I didn't want to violate any more statute of limitations there, but um, it wouldn't be spoiler country without Neo. Yeah, because uh, Lelouch is dead, right? Oh Man, yeah, he is so dead. <laughs> he is. Uh, but no, I mean, he's the guy in the cart. I swear. It's got all kind of the, the typical, some of the mecha character types, you know, like you mentioned Alan Shazar, the, the brave blonde ace of, you know, uh, of the uh, opposing force. Um, got some new things in there where you got kind of the gender bending uh, thread that comes in like about halfway through. Uh, fallen brother with Falcon, uh, Vaughn's brother, and he ends up being kind of like the justified antagonist at the end. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... A very solid show. I mean, I, I it does have that. It does have a kind of a weird flip in in the middle part, and and you, you can kind of see it. But then when you see it, it's like, mm, wow, okay. But uh, you know, it's it still ends up pretty well. And you know, definitely, I w I would say if you liked something like an Aura Battler Dunbine, you know, this this might be even better because.
uh, be kind of the distant third, possibly, I would imagine. Yeah, distant, very distant third. Yeah. Not it's that a, it's a bad show, it's a good show, but it's, it's, it's just a different kind of story, and that story is, you know, deliberately constructed, to, at least in the first season, to feel like you're playing an RPG. Yeah. It has, like, you know, one of those Dragon Quest Final Fantasy type of plots, like, you know, proceeding through the world and getting the upgrades and fighting bosses until, you know, there's, like, the mind warp at the end of, oh, yeah, everything you were doing was, like, totally not what you thought it was. I need to get the blue materia, or heroic BSOD. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... So, yeah, you know, rare... Yes, uh, going back to uh, MSG again, um... Miss Matilda. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I knew it. But Woody. Miss. Woody would have to stay dead. Woody. <laughs> yeah, Woody was a punk, you know. How the hell do you think that you're going to use some some dork punk-ass hovercraft and fight Char with that? Yeah, I, don't know what that I don't even know what that thinking was. I mean, he was just in this stupid-looking, broke-down piece of crap that probably had, like, little pea-shooter machine guns. And it was, like, open-air cockpit, too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And it's like... You see a red mobile suit and you think you're going to win against that? Yeah. Think again, buddy. It's like the ridiculously powered prototype mobile suit is having trouble with a red Zaku. How are you going to inflict anything when you see, you know, a, a red mobile suit show up? And everybody's going, it's Char. So we had Mr. Vic Mignogna there. Oh. What exactly is anime? No, just kidding. <laughs> what is anime? No, that was pretty oh, cool. It had, um, oh, it had Vic oh. Mignogna. Wow. And and Austin was lurking in the corner. Was that what? He, what he stole a sandwich from Austin, right? And then the whole deal. <laughs> Let's not get into that again. Oh, Did anybody no. give him a a five dollar foot long? Austin will, oh. Austin will not let that go to the day he dies, man. That's been about five years now. He's still mentioning he, that. He, he, he won't let that go until even after he dies. Wow. Austin being irrational. Wow. Well, that must have been never some... imagine that, right? That must have been, must have been a really sandwich. good sandwich. Damn. Yeah, what kind of sandwich was that? Was, <laughs> was that it, the um, Was it a public sub? No, was it that sandwich from Aquatine? The one that like <laughs> the one that you couldn't eat the tomatoes on? <laughs> but it was the best I think it sandwich. was Burger King. <laughs> Uh, chicken parmesan. BK does make a mean whopper. I think it actually it was might, Burger it might have been it might have it might have been a chicken sandwich. No, it, no. It, and no, dude, it was the chicken sandwiches, man. It was the angry whopper, dude. That's why Austin is so hateful. <laughs> Interesting cuz uh in the States, you're used to going to a convention, and you're used to, you know, fans doing a lot of fan art. You know, not necessarily going as far as the comic head artists. You know, people will draw something, and they'll sell it. But going into an entire event, which is completely fan-driven, yeah. was something out of this world, just to see the amount of dedication that people have toward this. Um, it's one thing when you see it in different anime, like in Genshiken, when you see people doing their indulgence and then selling it, and it's another thing actually seeing the people behind it. And it was it was very interesting. I'll never really look at... Uh, <laughs> at artist alleys at American conventions again after seeing, you know, how far other people go for it. Like, I'll be expecting a little more from now on. What was so different? What was so different was um, how much work was put in. Like, most people will do some art that you can put on your wall. Yeah. Uh, I ended up buying several actually full comic doujins. Like, I ended up buying, uh, not at Comic Camp, but later on I bought some uh, Gurren Lagann doujins that were basically full-on art books. Like, entire large pieces with very, very high-quality paper in bound volumes. Like, the amount of investment that would be necessary to just get that made definitely would not be made back at a convention like this because dojins were going between, I'd say, between about uh, 3 to $10. And a lot of these... Yeah. So a lot of these comics must have cost them multiple times more, and this is just completely fan-driven. Like, there's no... I mean, definitely some of the more corporate entities... 
which I'll go on in a little bit, um, are there for more money. This is just people, these circles are like, hey, I did something awesome. Please buy it. I think you'll appreciate it. It's definitely more community-driven. Did you find any official artists of, of, say, a manga or whatnot um, actually doing doujins also? I heard that there's a, yes. a big surge of that at, um, at Cosmiquette too. Anybody of note? Uh, Ranga Murata. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're familiar with some of his art, I'm pretty sure Tony Taka was there. Right. Off the top of my head, because I can't really read uh, Japanese very well, I can read katakana and some hiragana, but kanji completely mystifies me. So <laughs> uh, when I read the the Khan Guide, which is a giant, massive tome, you know, I couldn't really understand where some of the people were. But looking back and seeing some of the stuff that was uh, subsequently sold afterward, which I'll go also go into a little bit later about the aftermarket that exists. But there's a definitely a very strong mindset that like I my career was made at Comicat, so I'm going to come back every year and put out new stuff. Heck yeah. That's where yeah. So like besides reading the art books and doing the character designs for different shows, they'll come back and they'll release like special edition art books and other dojins for the fans who made me famous. Mm -hmm. So you'll see a lot of uh, really well known artists releasing stuff. And so, the lines, so Pedro. Yeah. Would you say that like like the level of quality of art is people like putting out really professional works, whereas a lot of American conventions you go to an artist alley and it's just people kind of just half-assing it and just you know kind of just putting crap out there? Yeah, the quality is much much higher. I'd say the the quality of crap to quality was I'd say probably about sixty to sixty-five percent quality and thirty to thirty-five percent crap, which doesn't sound that high, but when you go into, you know, and I'm saying most as a generalization, most artist alleys, you notice that the quality is at that solid. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's mean, why I ask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm talking about I'm talking about quality of not just like oh that's pretty. I'm talking about quality in the oh this is amazing. I need to own this, even if I don't understand it. Like the art here is so phenomenal that I want to show this to other people. That definitely rings true. I remember when um I read an article once where Araki Sensei, the guy who does um JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, went to an American convention and called American comic artists lazy compared yeah. to Japanese. And 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 he went on to explain why and to go on about comicette and the fact that artists go there and they you know they present mangas all drawn by themselves. Not to put down American comic book art because it's a completely different yeah, industry when it comes down to it. But yeah, I mean, the amount of work that it takes a manga artist to get noticed in Japan is considerably more than I would probably say with, a, with an American comic book artist. And um, Comic Head has always been um, a venue for that. And it's, it's, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's cutthroat, but it's, it's almost like a proving ground. Yeah, it's pretty cutthroat, actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not, you haven't seen me before. I, uh, I'm about almost six feet tall. I have hair down to halfway down my back. I have a, you know, I have a large hooked nose. You know, I'm very, very obvious. And I was wearing a, a derby hat and a clockwork orange t-shirt. So, yeah, I was, uh, it was really easy to fight. Christ, I'd hate to see what they do to me. They probably freaking burn they a dip. hole through my soul. Oh. <laughs> run right through you. Just get away. Who's that Nordic giant? Yeah. <laughs> well, you went there in cosplay, huh? That must have been even more brutal when, um, when, when, well, it, when given the heat factor. It wasn't cosplay. It was just that I, I, I wanted to bring my... orange t-shirt and a it was, a it was like oh. an orange clockwork yeah. orange t-shirt. I, I thought he went as Malcolm McDowell. I'm sorry. That would be even... <laughs> Consider, I considered crazy. it, but that would have been a little bit too freaky. Woo! I would have went as General MacArthur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Or, F, or FDR. <laughs> <laughs> Dress as Commodore Perry. Put that shirt back in, Lou. The Enola Gay. <laughs> wow, this is just Sorry. going so far off the rails. Yep. On film? Very manic. What? Man. It's 
it is packed. It's Tokyo is such a small city with so many people, and it's yeah. so like everything going into the stores and being claustrophobic is not fun. Yeah, I, I was gonna say um, the aisles are like really close together. I remember seeing like documentaries in mo- in a lot of stores. I don't know how um, that passes the the fire safety um, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's a regulations. Dip- it's a different country. Well, I'm just it's saying, though, you US. figure every country has fire safety regulations, don't they? Well, uh, maybe, maybe some don't. <laughs> Let's just say if somebody lights a fire there, there's going to be a lot of people burning up. <laughs> it's bad. Moiru! Big hits over there. Also, if you saw that game, you must have seen the uh, the Mobile Suit Gundam arcade game from Namco. Yep. Wow. They had an entire floor devoted to it. The wow. games like that. How was the line <sighs> to play it? Uh, the line wasn't too bad, but the the problem was is like when I was there, I was you know with a group of people, so like you know we uh, did more. We played more rhythm games. Uh, I played a lot of fighting games. Uh, did some putty put on stuff. You know, so I mean it was more. The, the problem also was that you know it, again it was late and these people wanted to leave, and by the time I. Damn Eva. Damn yeah. her to hell. These, these oh, school no. sports. We were retired. We, we, and, and, you no know, excuses. It's the Gundam arcade game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, and that you can sleep when you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, 30th anniversary uh, Gundam art book, which has the RX-78 holding a naked baby on the cover, which is odd choice of art. What? Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you get a chance to look, it's kind of weird. That's uh, more than weird. Yeah. That's frameable right there. That, that needs to go on the wall. <laughs> that, that picture is on the Gundam 30th anniversary website, so it's... it's oh, uh, that one? Okay. Yeah, that picture. Always beginning? I, I, always, always beginning. beginning. Yes. Always beginning, yeah. I, and I believe that picture from the looks it was drawn by uh, Yoshikazu Yazuhiku. No way. Yeah, it looks like his art style. Hell yeah. Like it, yeah I'm, I'm looking to see... Yeah, I should think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Done yes. Beautiful. Yeah, yes. Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. We are about to start in this episode of the long-awaited, highly anticipated first part of the 20 billion part roundup series, Macross Roundup. Wow, it's that many, huh? Actually, no. no. More like six parts. Oh. Not, not quite like uh, all that time we spent on Gundam, so... And this is a Robotech-free zone, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Anyone who mentions Robotech will be flailed alive. Well, listen, right. I'm getting flailed. I have the whip ready for Solbro. Good. <laughs> A big mess. And and this shows very effectively, I think, that, you know, winning a big interstellar war and picking up the pieces afterwards isn't so easy. And oh, in some no. cases, is harder than fighting the war itself. Yeah. Yeah. Because as you see, you know, in the war, there's clear lines. You know, for soldiers, you know what you're supposed to do and not do. Mm-hmm. But when you're supposed to, you know, be, you know, protectors and, you know, guys who are trying to keep the peace like police... It sort of like obfuscates what it is, the clearly defined soldier role. When they would have to go out and, and check the uh, earth around and make sure, you know, to map things if things were growing back and stuff. It's like, these guys didn't want to do any of this stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah, what that's they, their job. Yeah, it's not what they signed up to be Valkyrie pilots for. I'm a soldier, not a botanist. Yes. <laughs> you I pilot robots. <laughs> Love can bloom on the battlefield. <laughs> And to have it such a satisfying ending when it comes to a relationship, that's something that Gundam has rarely provided me, as opposed to Macross, except for Frontier, which I'm sure we'll joke about throughout every one of these reviews. But those are my words on that. Well, unless you guys have anything else to add, except pretty much we'll bring it into this first installment of Macross Roundup, so say it now or forever hold your peace. I take it this would be a must-see. It is? Uh, no, it's not a must-see. Okay. Oh, I, you, can, you can watch it or not, it's... 
it's all right. All I can say is um, those listening right now, go grab your copies of it while you can because there probably won't be any produced for a good long while. Thank you, ADV. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, if anything, I do recommend this for any kind of first-time viewers of mecha anime. I, I, I definitely put this up there. If you're not one of these fools who uh, can't deal with animation that's older than the year 2000. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're cool with uh, old animation, then by all means watch this show. Yeah, because if you, if you want bad 80s animation, the middle part's a little rough. <laughs> it gets a little rough. Sorry, take away from the show, but it it gets a little rough. Uh, it's kind of rough all over. You you can you yeah. can tell just by looking which episode uh, was farming out to anime friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So otherwise, that wraps up this first installment of Gundam Roundup. Oh, Next time we'll be Macross. talking about Macross Roundup. <laughs> God, you you f- you fell into the uh, the trap, man. Because we had a gu- we had a, a Gundam Roundup on here. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, forget me. Uh, I'm crazy. Are we going to review the next five episodes of Double O after this? <laughs> yes, we are. How did you know? I don't know. New type. It's, we're it's, we're it's, gonna we're gonna we're gonna review uh, the script for the movie. Oh, it's good to be back. <laughs> anyway, that wraps up the first Macross roundup. Next time we'll be talking about uh, Diral and Flashback 2012. And uh, you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Old habits die hard, huh? They sure do. <laughs> Video games are evil. Quote Tamino. Oh, and ADV is dead. The sky is falling. Oh, and Lelouch is dead. <laughs> Carry on. Oh, no. It's just a very small part. It makes a cameo. No. <laughs> you didn't like my boyfriend as a pilot? Oh, man. No. Or my uh, pilot as a boyfriend? My pilot as a boyfriend. No. I, I <laughs> that and... um. <laughs> and- <laughs> Angels paints, which you know, it closes the movie out. That song. Why are you really spoiling catchy. that? I'm not listening I anymore. Know, I, 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 25 no. years later, S- screwing uh, the whole plot up for you. You screwed it up. What, what you dead. mean? This movie ends. Lelouch is dead. <laughs> How dare you give spoilers? <laughs> Lelouch is dead. The big. Yeah, I, I hate it when someone's stuck on a ship, like Dead Space, and you really can't mm, yeah. escape what's on there. I mean, all you why, got why do all those space. ships in the future have to have low lighting too? <laughs> Why can't they have uh, brighter <laughs> lights in there, like the uh, like the Enterprise in the new Star Trek movie? I know. You know there's, there's no horror going to happen on the Enterprise <laughs> because of lens flare. Because of lens flare, lens flare. There he is. There's the boogeyman. You've got Rawr, lens flare. Yeah, like uh, like um, what's that movie? Event Horizon. Have you guys yeah. seen that? That's a good example. Oh, terrible. That movie is that movie is messed up. Well, they work, but sci-fi and the and horror works so well because there's always that eerie mood about right. um, horror. And there's always the unknown about sci-fi, especially when you start getting into the ethical dilemmas of like, um, you know, artificial intelligence and yep. what is life and all this other stuff. So, and then you know, you throw in aliens and it works pretty well on doing that instead of them just trying to conquer us. And the super super robot saves us in the end with rocket punch. To me, you know. Hey, there's nothing wrong with old anime. Yeah, we for encourage sure. old anime here. Yeah, well, we are advocates. Of classic anime. Especially considering how anime presently is. Oh, man. Oh. It's a sad state of affairs. You don't like your moe blobs and... Oh, uh... man. <laughs> I, you know, I thought the I thought the summer animes were bad, and they're, they're just ending, right? But some of the fall ones have just started, and oh, man. Right right now, as we're speaking ill about moe, uh, Chris, uh, Pedal Bear South's ears are burning. <laughs> it's like somebody's talking about me. And Pedal Bear North is already preparing his retort on the boards. I'm not called Pedal Bear North anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. know these guys, Jeff, but 
li- listen to some of our past episodes, you'll, you'll see. It's, These are the Moe Enforcers. What other podcast do you know that has its own pair of pedal bears? Yeah. We have one north of the border and one south of the border. Canadian-U.S. border, not Mexico. If we start doing Gundam Spanish, I'm sure we'd pick up a, a pedal bear or two from down there. Juan from Juarez. Uh, I love King of Fighters, Street Fighter, and Blaze Blue, and Moe Chicks. <laughs> Strike Witches. One day they'll meet and it'll be like the fist of the north and the south. Well, could we actually have Pedal Bear North and Pedal Bear South meet, or would that cause like a, a counterbalance to the Earth's gravitational force and like the pull and maybe like the pole switch and stuff? Time it, it, would be, it would be like what Doc Brown described if. if uh, one point twenty-two gigawatts. Meet her future, her future self. Oh my! Really? I, I was, I was thinking something more cataclysmic. You know, like the actual Earth's axis just tilting, and like maybe you know the floods, the, the rising floods, and like you know the summer in Antarctica and, and uh, winter in Florida. <laughs> or are, are we overestimating their power? The sea's boiling over. Cats and dogs living together. Whoa, that's heavy. Either that or. <laughs> What's wrong with the future? Is the gravity gone off kilter or something? <laughs> Any examples of sci-fi horror that, that briefly that appeared doesn't... in Gundam at all? Just off the top of your head? I, I, I have, I have feelings of horror. <laughs> I've gotten the feelings of horror watching Destiny. The last, yeah, oh. the Destiny last was half of the episode. Horror show. That, was, that, was a, that was a horror show. No, horror you, you want to know, know where the element is of, of horror in, uh, in Gundam? Where's that? It's the resurrections of Jesus Yamato who keeps coming back from the dead and you have this <laughs> zombie guy piloting a robot and flying around just destroying everything and he's, but he should be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Because in Destiny, he was clearly a zombie. Oh, yeah. But terrible. <laughs> Let's start Demons off with that. sexy anime? No. Original. You're, you're kidding. No. <laughs> I don't believe it. Man, some of the things I find out on this show. Jeez, my eyes have been open, really. <laughs> so. It's t- Next year, you're going to tell me that there's little children who get sucked into wars by piloting giant robots in space. And they're the only ones that can pilot such intricate machinery how could they force the little kids to do that that's just not right that's inhuman unbelievable that's child labor yeah what are the laws well we we never discussed that before do we that's a whole other the enforcement of child labor laws that's a whole other segment the enforcement of child labor laws in the mecha genre (laughs) (laughs) Armoro can only pilot for six hours today he can't do it (laughs) he hit his limit he's in the middle of a battle and his timer comes up and it just shuts off it's a, wonder, drifts off. it's a wonder why social services never showed up on white base. <laughs> Reanimated Voltron with American animation or whatever, and it wasn't all that good. Uh, it, it just well, isn't, isn't, the, isn't the last part of Lion Voltron American? Like the first two... They, the f- commissioned, they commissioned... Am I right on that, Chris? To do it. Yeah, but that, I mean, it's animated by the Japanese. It's just written and, and made especially for American audiences, but yeah. I, I don't know, because what I say is screw Voltron. <laughs> Screw Ultron. Oh, man. Overrated old garbage. Let it die. Grow up. It's not the 80s anymore. He got astonished. <laughs> you just created a term, dude. <laughs> Nicely done. Oh, there, there's told. You get, if you Golf get, clap. <laughs> exactly. See, because this, you know, the, the getting astonished is like the support and secondary characters. Getting, <laughs> and, the, you know, they're, they're back at the base or on the ship getting told that's when the secondary characters want to go fight. Yeah. So. Send out the second string to die. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, can, you can sense that they were really, you know, they really were happy together. 
and they were happy with their tight-knit family with um well, that's yeah. why i mentioned uh, when we did the spotlight on gal geiger yeah. that you know they weren't just like the typical clueless parents of nope. a kid in anime you know they really you can see how much they care about each other and about him and that's one of the strengths of that show yeah exactly Definitely. and like i said uh, you know you really can't be clueless when your son is delivered to you by some giant robot, robot. lion came down from space. So it's kind of hard to be clueless after something like that happens. Yes, I think most people would need therapy after that situation. It's the greatest but, uh, version of the stork ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, or the Bible. Oh. Who needs a manger when you can have a robot lion from space? Hell yeah, man. True. Talk about an alternate retelling of the, uh, the Magi. <laughs> Should do that. Once Gundam gets big enough, we'll do our own uh, Christmas special. And, and we'll be denounced by the Pope. And the baby Jesus came down, was brought down by... The uh, baby Jesus Yamato. <laughs> the baby Jesus Yamato. <laughs> and thus it was said, he will deliver unto you freedom and justice. Infinitely. <laughs> and with a quick strike. Oh, oh man. Oh, that's, that was awesome. <laughs> I would have liked to seen um, would uh, Shar getting the Rick Dome instead of probably the Jiang at the end. Red Rick Dome. Yeah, the Red Rick Dome, just like he had in the book. I, I mean, I, I guess that could be. You know, I didn't mind the Jiang, and you know, it made sense that they would just kind of throw you know another suit out there. But I'm, it's kind of along the lines of what you said, Chris, where you know you have all these different like isolated mobile armors and mobile suits, and they're just hideous. Yeah, they're, and they weren't really part of the production line. That and and possibly maybe even having um, you know having the G three show up uh, maybe for you know or, or some type of update besides the magnetic coating. Magnetic coating. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'd actually other than th- that and I think the other the, my last thing on that on this one would be I would have liked to seen more people die at the end off the white base. Because you get the impression like everyone was saved off the right base. Yeah. And it was like there was a heinous fight going on there. <laughs> Beams and, and, and shrapnel and blowing up everywhere. And it just seemed like everybody was like, hey, come on, get on the lifeboats, you know. Man, you um, want to see Omar, Omar and, um, and Somali body, man? Damn. Kill, uh, kill Job John. Oh, Job John. <laughs> he's, got the best, he's got the best fro in the business. Yeah, nobody gives a crap about him. Actually, I would <laughs> the, the way I would have written it, the way I would have wanted it done. What's up? Is... There's a big fire in the ba- in the white base, and the one that sacrifices his life to save them all is the chef. Because oh. <laughs> he knew that it was going to be a long trip on those lifeboats, so he went back to get some salt. They said, needed salt. My job is done. My job is done. It's like, y'all go down with the ship, man. I can't leave this kitchen. <laughs> yeah. It progresses nowhere. The first half of the show... It's like nothing happens at all until they finally introduce like uh, Pudu and and Axis mm-hmm. and Haman actually begins her invasion of Earth. For me, that's where the show really starts because, and they spent so much time back and forth in Shangri La and oh. then, you know, chicken bone burials and stuff, and messing around, and <laughs> then Moon Moon and oh. it's like God, it's like. The Lost Colony of Moon Moon. Ah, there's a reason why I gave those episodes .5. (laughs) (laughs) The first eight or nine episodes of Victory suffer from the same problem of like, like, oh my god, we're leaving Casarelia. No, we're coming back. No, we're leaving. (laughs) We're leaving Casarelia. We're stuck in Casarelia. What's going on in Casarelia? Like, oh my god, get the hell out of Casarelia. 
jar or internal monologue of the time between the end of Zeta and this point that kind of develop a bit more explicitly, you know, where it is that he changed and, you know, what caused him to um, have the views that he does now. Maybe it was the Emperor from Star Wars that told him, like, you know, his hot wife would die or something. or <laughs> And then he just decided to be evil. People may not listen to you, and their souls may be way down by gravity. Maybe so. uh, a, a portal opened up, and he met uh, Gilbert Durandal and said, Hey, you've got an interesting voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll listen to what you have to say. I like the sound of things when you say them. <laughs> and who's that guy you're playing ghost chess with? I like the way he looks. Yeah, he's, 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 got, a good, uh, he's got a good mask on him. He, he looks quite familiar. Reminds me of someone I knew. <laughs> <laughs> So, anything else, Chris? Or uh, no, that'd be about it. Soulbro, um, B- besides Quest, because you've already said that before. <laughs> oh yes, forget Quest. Soulbro. Oh, <laughs> you have to get the yes, the, uh, the the sound effects, the board out for that one. The Street Fighter, the Street yeah. Fighter Library of sound effects. <laughs> yep. <laughs> gotta gotta keep you busy. Neo, what would you My, mine's basically just um, I'm a, I'm in the same long lines of Chris. Maybe like a, a short little flashback or a short little you know montage, like at the beginning or something of like. Char from the point of escaping the escaping from the Hayakushiki to that point, you know, like you yeah. said, maybe showing his escape, maybe showing, like you said, how he changed and how he decided to uh, do the reasoning that he had. Other than that, really, really nothing too much else. Maybe I've been in agreement too. I think Chris, you stated before some of the kind of the useless scenes of um, Mirai and Chaemin, you know, fixing the tire and stuff, and it's like... <laughs> Getting lost, asking for directions. Yeah. Um, like, Where the hell was Kai? Yeah, maybe Kai, yeah, you know, maybe put, you know, quick thing of like, you know, he was a journalist as well, from what we know in that one manga, so, you know, wouldn't he be on the, uh, doing the head news thing? He'd be the Wolf Blitzer of... Um, yeah, don't insult of, Kai by comparing him to Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> oh, oh, Wolf. <laughs> it's the first name I could come up with, man, sorry. Couldn't you just... Walter Cronkite or something? Walter Cronkite, oh, man. sorry, that Wolf sorry. Blitzer, oh, <laughs> Anderson, what a loser. Ander- the Anderson Cooper of mecha anime, that's, that's Kai right there, boy. Screw that guy, too. <laughs> Can't stand that guy. Oh man, but Kai's so dashing. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Anderson Cooper. Oh man, nah, yeah. nah Kai's awesome. Forget it. It's Anderson Cooper sucks. Well, Ed, we'll just stick with Edward R. Murrow. There you go. We'll stick with him. There we go. <laughs> Hard hitting <What>? journalism. <laughs> remove, remove Bernie's lament. <laughs> oh, oh, you, oh. <laughs> you douche! <laughs> Listen to my opinion. Also, um, one thing about Basra that, that's always stuck with me is. Um, he's a pretty static character. Yeah, he's exactly the same at the end of the show as he was at the beginning. And a lot of people jump to the offense of this and say he doesn't change because he causes people around him to change. Which I'm sorry to say is a bunch of bunk. Oh, the amount of stuff that they went through. I don't care how laid back you are. You're going to change a little bit, and especially with him being because they they, they introduce uh, Sheva, and you think there's like this thing between them. And you think that something would change him a little bit about, you know, meeting with her and experiencing her. But no, pretty much not. I mean, he just becomes the same old and guy. He even, he even leaves the ship on his quest to find whatever reason it is that he plays music. And mm-hmm. whatever his realization was, he's exactly the same. Yeah. And for all the people who say that he's there because he's already fully developed, the reason that I said it's a bunch of bunk is that's just not the way drama works. Yeah. That's true. That's true. No, yeah. a character who doesn't change 
what's the point of that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. one thing is if you're watching like Law and Order Police Procedural where the characters aren't even important and you can insert, you can cut cop A and put in cop B. But in a drama series like this, you know, characters are affected by things as they happen to them and they're supposed to change. You see what happens when characters don't change. Yeah. Not to compare Basara to this wimp, but uh, you look at Kira Yamato in uh, <laughs> Destiny. The, nothing happened to the guy. Yeah. He was exactly the same at the end of Destiny as he was at the end of Seed. Nothing at all changed him going through this other war. And it's funny He's that exactly the same. It's funny with Basara, like everyone around him changed. Yeah, Mylene finally grew up. You know, Ray kind of got accepted. You know, the whole thing with his uh, friend that got killed. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the whole thing with Max and Miria. Everybody just, you know, because they went through a very traumatic thing and yeah you're right basara he's just the same dude with the ripped jeans and strumming the guitar as he was at the, be- at yeah. the beginning of the show e- even the fo- even the flower girl got some got some gumption at the end yeah it's freaking fl- tossing that boy the flower girl got some balls at the end that was beautiful but i'll tell you and the thing is uh it's great that all the other characters change around him mm-hmm. but there's just no such thing as a fully formed character who is already developed enough and doesn't need to change because that's just not the way it is yeah. even in life i mean you know as you go through things in life you change from you know one year to the next or over time you're never going to be exactly the same person all the time and yet throughout this whole series and even into the sequels he's exactly the same really yeah. man and, and 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 if there is a downside of of the show for me that is part of it right there um because it's not that i don't like him as a character but you know it's like yeah and yes i appreciate that he's not you know one of these whiny pilots who who asks why he has to fight because he's not that kind of character you know right. he like uh like hibiki and macross too he is a pilot but he's a civilian and he right. doesn't fight people well what he uses his music as a weapon so that's cool and all but you know by the same token he's still the same person which yeah. is whole series with no changes the unfortunately the thing with uh basara is like he just never did and it doesn't make it a bad show it doesn't no make it, but it's you know, just it's 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 an it's a it's something that's very noticeable and you know for people who say that that's great the way it is it's it's not that's it's just not. not the way that's not the way drama is done but um no i mean i i i'd like i like the band concept but i'd like stories about bands like so uh, get out of the 70s hey, man, talking I about macross seven. Hey. Oh my god <laughs> ironically freaking, so freaking partridge family and hey, now fleetwood mac dude we're talking hey, about what kind of time warp are you in man, we're talking about space john lennon give me a break <laughs> yeah, but... space john lennon is it's timeless and eternal hey you're are, right are you talking on some like tin can soup can from from some cave in the 1970s broadcasting live from from the is, past is nixon still president <laughs> i mean have you heard about some thing called watergate and getting his ass whipped by black dynamite that's uh, right He's... i mean <laughs> but no uh... <laughs> I, I i i like the band concept i'm a i'm a big fan of animes about bands like um Beck. Like like Beck and uh, DMC or Detroit Metal City for those who don't know, and um, other shows and <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 <laughs> I don't even worry. I would love it, you know, man. It, this would never happen, but it'd be a great parody. What if Macross went back to the band concept and the band was DMC? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that's that's actually something when we were talking about when I was said that I'd like to see them go back to the concept. I would love to see them do some like uh, black metal band or something Hell yeah. like that. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> but but actually DMC, oh, including, even with uh, 
that uh, that crazy manager of theirs. Nice. Oh God, the lady always <laughs> dropping f bombs. Yeah, and and talking about how uh, how excited she is and how she needs to get laid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you I have do- that. That'd be something. That I would love to see some weirdo aliens reacting to uh, DMC flying around in Valkyries. Imagine yeah. what those Valkyries would look like. They'd have, like, they would look like like Norse death gods or something. Sweet. Scary, scary dragons and bats and shit. Medieval Transform- ass. Transforming bat Valkyries. <laughs> <laughs> that spit blood and, you know, have chains and, and hooks hanging off of them. They would actually wow. look... <laughs> they would actually look Anyway, medieval. back to Macross 7. Back to Macross 7. I'd like to give props to the Foul Sorceress and um, Jabman025 for hanging with me last night on Xbox Live. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> for the emails they've been sending. And um, also, uh, Jabman turned me on to a little mention of King Arthur um, at uh, the channel of uh, www.gundam.tk, the, um, the awesome YouTube channel where Robert shows his uh, building of all the, uh, all the mobile suits that he um, has models of. He unboxed a uh, double O, uh, a perfect grade, and during it he makes reference to King Arthur uh, in there, and I found that kind of funny. So props to him, too. Uh, also, um, in TVTropes.org, those people who have been um, putting up updates up there, they've been adding tropes for King Arthur and Lelouch dies up there. They and re- to die. <laughs> and they reference our show in the process, so much love to you guys out there. Um, also, a very special thanks to poster at uh, mechatalk.net, Seraphic, who's an avid listener of the show. He created us a nice, um, a really awesome two-year anniversary picture with a lot of the in-jokes that we talk about on the show all the time. And if you haven't seen it, find the liner notes for episode 41 or the post for episode 41 on mechatalk.net. And the links to the picture and his links to his other works are in there. And last but not least, um, if he has time, I'd like to see it in color. I know he probably is busy Ooh. and stuff, but if he has a chance to just fill in what he did, that's like a separate thing. That'd be cool to see it in color, too. The Neo Color Challenge has yes. been issued out. Man, last but not least, I want to give props to um, another one of our avid listeners. and um, uh, His name is uh, Alex Benson, otherwise known as uh, Snoops619 on the Megatalk um, net boards. Uh, he just started up his own podcast called Unpopular Culture. And he, why are you gave, putting the p- competition in here, man? Hey, man, he gave us he it's, gave us a major mention on his show. He you, even you now are you are now our sworn enemy <laughs> since you have your own show. Yeah, they're more like flip the script than us. But, I will uh, walk over <laughs> and 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 do it, and I will slap you in the face with my with my um my glove and say, so be it. Let's begin go. this duel. You'll be the first one drafted to be on the episode. All these uh, just to hear these cats, the, all these English cats talk about all sorts of stuff like video games and whatnot. It's really cool. He's joined by Scott Jordan. Why? Because they talk funny. Is oh, that they, why? They talk all why? refined in English and, oh, okay. and 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 mention quid, and I love it. And um, he, he Alex is joined by Scott Jordan and Jack in that show. It's a podcast mainly about the stuff Otaku like to talk about. You can find them at their website, Unpopular Culture, and that's culture spelt with a k um dot on the edge yep uk dot blogspot.com you can find their tweets at twitter.com slash uk cast and also you can find them on facebook and itunes and um, much props to them for starting up their own show they gave us a nice plug in their show for gundam and uh flip the script and just shinjuku station overall so much love to them and other than that um i'm done (laughs) wow jeez well, I was only going to be a few kudos. Hey, man. Felt like it was like four years. Just had, well, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had a hard time staying awake. Um, but um, 
once again, uh, yeah, we do appreciate everybody uh, with all the responses and stuff, and you know, continue sending articles and stuff and responses, and um, you know, continued support of your show and continue to support the sponsors, i.e., Petco and GoDaddy, especially all those folks with dogs and cats out there. So they have some pretty good deals. And Christmas is coming up. Hook, yeah. your, hook your pets up. Yeah, nothing like an extra bag of dry food for your dog for there Christmas. He will internally enjoy it. Two toys. Yes. <laughs> but um, so concludes episode forty-three of uh, uh, Gundam and MHQ. Uh, we'll be back in about two weeks with episode forty-four, and um, so we'll s- bid you guys adieu. In the, in the meantime, you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Gundam at MHQ. Gundam at MHQ. <laughs> <laughs>